of the sports loudmouth i'm your host errol marks my co-host speeder speedy pd 631-672-3108 is the number to call you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com check out all our shows throughout the week including the loudmouth which airs every single wednesdays and thursdays at 7 p.m all you have to do to check out all our local listings is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Speeder, happy Thanksgiving, man. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. I hope all the fans have a happy Thanksgiving. If you guys are traveling, especially, hopefully you're listening to us while you're traveling, if you're on a long trip as well. That's right. To our show, the Sports Lab. Vermont, Florida, wherever you're heading. Yeah, cross country, wherever. All Montauk, the I don't know if that's cross country. Well, it's it's for Long Island standards. I guess as close as you're going to get. Two hours, baby. Two hours. Yeah, if you make it all the way to the end, uh, I guess you can count for that. It's mm. probably shorter than a lot of the distances in some of the smaller states. Yes, and this is a four-hour edition show. You are not doing a show on Wednesday or Thursday, so obviously it's Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Eve. Everybody's enjoying their families, getting ready to stuff their faces all over Thursday. And watch Thursday's football games. It's going to be fun. There's a, there's three games as it is every single year. And every single year, the Cowboys are on Thursday. So if you're a Cowboy fan, a.k.a. the Beef, you should be excited as you will have the chance to see your team lose again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, the Washington Commanders just allowed uh, two, almost 300 yards to Tommy DeVito. So <laughs> I, That doesn't mean that uh, Mr. Howell can't have a good game. He's been playing very good football. He's been one of the Better fantasy quarterbacks. If you play fantasy football, you should know that Sam Howell is one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league. So I think he's a top five. I, I, top he was three. At the start of the week. I don't know about after this week because he had a bad game. He had a bad game, yeah. but he's still a top five. How could he fall off? Fall off? Uh, uh, or even out of the top five? I can't see it. I, I still believe he's in a top five when it comes to points. And uh, I have him on both my fantasy teams. So I'm rolling with Mr. Sam Howell. I also have Justin Fields. I have a lot. And by the way, uh, happy Thanksgiving to Snug the Cat. I know he said, oh, my goodness. But happy Thanksgiving to all. It's going to be a fun show. We have a great show lineup lined up for you guys. It's a great lineup, as we all know. At 9.30, we will be talking to former Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots, and Raiders cornerback Dwayne Starks. And he was part of the Super Bowl champion 2000, probably one of the greatest defenses of all time. Yes, the Baltimore Ravens. At 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to Mile High Huddle, Broncos, and NFL analyst, Lance Sanderson. He's been on a show before. He's fun. He's energetic, and I'm sure he has a lot to talk about when it comes to the Broncos. Four in a row they've won now. That's right. I mean, you should be excited. Maybe Russell Wilson will squeak into the playoffs for this Broncos team, but uh, maybe Sean Payton has this team by its ass. I don't know. 
but we will get into it. Lance was very critical of uh, Sean Payton, too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So it's going to be very interesting. And yes, happy Thanksgiving to Jeff, even though he's a pain in the ass. He won't put my name there, by the oh, way. Oh, Jeff. He, he will never put my name. But it's okay. He's going to stuff his face, and maybe it'll sink to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Snug. You're asking about these beast of a man. Bro- I Snug, mean, you're asking or a woman, the- <laughs> whatever we call them. Snug, you're asking about G-Man? these special brownies. I, I don't know if I'm going to have control of those. That's right. Joe Burrow out for the season with a torn ligament in his right wrist. So uh, we will get into that. I'm sure a lot of Bengal fans have their own thoughts to this, and the season is over for the Bengals. There's no way the the Bengals make it in that division in the North. I, I think that's probably the best division in football. Three teams are going to come out in the AFC out of the North, and uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun race all the way to the end. The Jets bench Zach Wilson for Tim Boyle with a start versus the Dolphins. So Tim Boyle will be pitching and throwing for the first time as a quarterback for the New York Jets, and probably the first time he's a starting quarterback in in, in his NFL career for the New York Jets against the Dolphins on the first Black Friday game. So that'll be fun to watch. Not, but uh, <laughs> Josh will get to watch it in person with that's his brother. Right. That's right. He's going to the game. He'll be up in the rafters all the way to the top. <laughs> just, to watch the get, watch, just to watch the Jets get blown out, and then Mike White will come into the game in the fourth quarter and throw a touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios. Absolutely. Adam Scheffner says that he expects the Jets to go after Devontae Adams this offseason. And I will give a shout-out to Jeff because he did reach out to me during, I, I think, last week on Friday or Thursday after the show. He said that he has an inside source that the Jets will be going after Devontae Adams and that Devontae Adams, no matter what, wants to be a Jet next year. So I'll give him his props, even though he doesn't give anybody else <laughs> their props. Travis Kelsey says he's, he's pondering on retirement more than I could ever imagine. So obviously he he's probably going to think of retirement at the end of the season. He wants to get married. I don't know if it's going to be with Taylor Swift. I, I know he wants Swifty babies maybe. I, I don't know. But uh, Travis Kelsey coming out. We all know that Jason Kelsey, if they win a Super Bowl this coming year, and if the Eagles get a chance to win a Super Bowl this coming year, I think they'll be – on there, uh, I think he will be on his way out for his career with the Eagles. I th- he's still one of the best centers, if not the best center in, in the league. You could see it. You saw him on Sunday. So he's fantastic. And, and by the way, congratulations to the Eagles knocking off Kansas City. The first time Jason Kelsey beats his brother. That, that Now he's... Three, uh, one in three against his brother Travis. So, and who, one, of, one, of, one of our guests said that like uh, Andy Reid has never lost when he's with the Chiefs to the Eagles or vice versa. Too, nah, so not it's anymore. Crazy. Let's parlay. Wes will be on tonight at eight thirty. So, we'll- Derek, no Chaz. Chaz is on vacation. I think he's in Brazil. He's in Brazil for at least a month. <laughs> well, look at him. He's yeah. enjoying the sun, enjoying the fish. Hopefully, he doesn't go in the water. There could be deadly fish in there. He might be eaten by a piranha. You know, who knows? Ah. Uh, Zach Levine says he doesn't see the Bulls as a competitive enough team. <laughs> now he's throwing his team under the bus. I I feel so bad for Donovan. I, I, I really, Billy Donovan, I love him as a coach. He's from Long Island. I still think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA, and it's a shame. This team has just given up on him. So he could be fired before the season's end. Uh, the Knicks sue the Raptors for $10 million over the theft of of information. So now the Knicks are suing people. 
Jim Harbaugh could be suspended into next season, and the Raiders and the Bears are interested in him if he steps down, which I predicted was going to happen. He will step down, and he probably heads to the NFL. He is another Pete Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The window to San Yamamoto has officially opened. Mets betting favorites, but there has been sources that have said that the Yankees and the Red Sox are most likely to land him. And Week 12 NFL picks. So, before we get into that, Speedy, what are you doing for the holidays? I will be uh, traveling tomorrow to uh, my family's house in Connecticut. My grandmother, unfortunately, could not travel. She said she wasn't feeling well, and it's a lot harder for her to travel. So, it'll just be my immediate family over there. Um, And, yeah, we'll be doing Thanksgiving Old like school, always. old school. Uh, the way we, we always playing host, card games, we, we, board we host games. It, we hosted it every year, pretty much outside of 2018, I think, and 2012, where uh, my my grandma, my grandparents on my father's side hosted it. Those years, we've been hosting it pretty much every year. But uh, a lot of people, it's just a lot of harder to travel right now. So I'll just be traveling on my own. Look at you, Speedy. You are a gift from God. <laughs> Bengals head coach Zach Taylor announced that Joe Burrow will miss the remainder of the season with a torn ligament in his right wrist. Burroughs said he felt pain in the second quarter after throwing a touchdown pass to Joe Mixon. Burrow already had an injury calf for the first five weeks of the season before the Bengals went on a four-game winning streak. Burrow had 2,309 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, and six interceptions in nine games before getting hurt. Burrow signed a five-year, $275 million deal this offseason. NFL Network reports that the NFL is investigating why Joe Burrow was not on the injury report going into Thursday night's matchup against the Ravens. Burrow was reportedly seen with a black brace and a compression sleeve on during Wednesday's practices. But the Bengals did not give him an injury diagnosis for Thursday's game. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what is true and what is false with this story. All I do know is the Bengals are done. There is no way the Bengals are going to find a way to make the playoffs with their division as good as it is. You have the Ravens right now that are still, I believe, the best team in their division. I I still think they're the flat-out top team in their division. I still like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson's still an elite quarterback in this league. I think everybody believes that. And we, we do believe the Steelers could sneak into the playoffs. Tomlin has always had a winning record. He is a very well-coached machine when it comes to his players. He's very loved by his players. I don't trust their quarterback. I don't. And, and we've seen more than enough of this team offensively to be worried if this team is going to sneak into the playoffs. But this is still one of the elite defenses in the league, like it always is. They they, they can get at you in so many different ways. T.J. Watt is right now up for Defensive Player of the Year. He probably won't win it. I, I still think it's Miles Garrett. Could be Max Crosby, too. Crosby's having a good yeah. season, too. But 
I, I still think it's Miles Garrett. They have the best defense in the league in the Browns, and they're doing it without a quarterback. It, they really are. Uh, I, they are. They don't trust the great Joe Flacco? <laughs> Joe Flacco is the backup now. I mean, honestly, no. I don't. He's not starting. I think Robinson. No, will. he's only on the practice squad. Right no, now. he's on the practice squad, and they they'll probably bring him up gradually as the season moves forward. Because hey, if they sneak into the playoffs and Robinson can't do it, you bring in Joe Flacco. This guy has been an elite quarterback in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, he's one of the winningest quarterbacks in NFL history in the playoffs. And this guy could go on a run. Now, I don't know if it's the old Joe Flacco that we remember with the Ravens, but we do believe that that's the reason why the Browns brought him in. He understands how to run an offense, especially in the playoffs, as we saw over the years with the Ravens. But the Ravens right now, I believe, is still the team besides the Chiefs to beat in all of the AFC. Now I, I did pick the Jaguars and, and the Jaguars right now are seven and three. I still don't know what the Jaguars are because Trevor Lawrence has not had a good season. He really hasn't. And Travis Etienne, who I thought was going to have a breakout season, I thought he was going to have 16, 1700 yards, uh, about 15 touchdowns. He has not been as elite like we thought he was going to be. He's been healthy enough to be on the field, but he's not healthy enough to put his, uh, you know, feet in the turf, and and run all over the teams that we expected him to run all over. So I question the coaching of Doug Peterson right now. We would we would expect the growth of Trevor Lawrence, especially the growth what we saw last year after knocking off the Chargers, falling behind at 20, 21 to nothing, I think, mm-hmm. going into the second half, and then coming back from the Chargers and winning that game. Uh, and, and, and they played a flat-out great game against the Chiefs. They just fell short. I, I just, I look at, the position that the Bengals are in right now. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're probably going to maybe win one more game, two more games, depending on who they match up against. They're not good enough to beat anybody without a quarterback. Jamar Chase is going to be expecting a big contract in the offseason, as, as you would. Higgins is going to be expecting a big contract at the end of the season. I don't know if they're going, going to be able to give it to both of them. They're, they're going to have to pay for certain other positions. So I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both of them. And you look at the position that they're in moving forward. Are they moving backwards? And that's the thing. Zach Taylor, I think, I believe, has taken them as far as he can take them. There are other coaches that could be available in the offseason that could take them further. This is a very talented team. They have weapons. And they have one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And when you look at the youth that they have in certain positions on this team, you would think right now that the Bengals will compete every single year. The question is, when you look at their division and you look at the youth of the Ravens right now, and the Ravens are still fairly very young. They have Lamar Jackson who just signed an extension. He's there for the long haul. And now the Browns, who are very young too, and they still have Deshaun Watson. I don't know what Deshaun Watson is. And who knows? They're, over, they're going to be overpaying him for the next couple of years. So I expect him to be back next year because nobody's going to take that $63, $63 million a year for the next four years. I don't see it happening. So right now, the Browns are still a, a really good defense. They have a very good offensive line and young offensive line. And they're looking, they're looking up. And they're going to get Chubb back next year, too. So they're going to have an elite running game again next year, even though their their running game's been good with Hunt and obviously Jerome Ford. I sit here right now 
what do we see going forward for the Bengals? And and the only thing that sells me right now for the, the Bengals is the quarterback. But the quarterback in the last three years has not been healthy. The guy cannot stay healthy. And maybe it's because he's he's tall and thin and slender. I don't know. He's not built, he's not built like some of these quarterbacks in this league. He's not. Now either is Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson knows how to get out of the way, get out of harm's way. And we saw that with uh, Eli Manning. He was so thin and so uh, so tall, but the guy, no matter how hard he got hit, he'd get back up and get back on the into the huddle. Especially at the end of his career when the Giants' whole lines were horrible. I, I don't see that with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will put his body on the line. We've seen it. But he has not stayed healthy. He's had tremendous amount of problems. Knee problems. He's had elbow problems. He's had wrist problems. He's had back problems. This is a, what, a 25, 26-year-old quarterback? Mm -hmm. And he already has these problems. What are the Bagels going to do? Now, their offensive line is fairly good. It's not a bad offensive line. They added Brown in the offseason. He's, to me, one of the better left tackles in the league. So you can't really blame the offensive line on the reason why Joe Burrow got hurt. And, And the running game has really been flat all season long. And that could be the effective the effectiveness on really forcing Joe Burrow in the pocket to make the throws. Yeah, we've seen Joe Burrow also have to throw 40, 50 times in a game a lot more often, too, than last year, too, because of the regression of the running game as a whole. Samaje Piran goes to the Broncos in the offseason, who was a big part of him and Mixon kind of tandeming together, because Mixon really didn't have the feature year we've seen him have in years past, too. And as a result, Zach Taylor, I think, has really put him in harm's way because of that. Throwing the ball almost 50 times every game is going to get him hit. Yes, the offensive line is better than it was, but it's still, it's not something you would call an elite offensive line like the Lions or the Chiefs or the Eagles that you could just trust every time, too. And now, also added up with a calf injury, also added up with the ACL tear he had in his rookie year, too, which he's had to play through. It's been very hard for him to deal with, and the Bengals cannot make the same mistake the Colts did with Andrew Luck, because guess what happened to them? He, re- he retired early, and they've been searching for a QB ever since. And that that's the worry part of this possible move in the offseason with Zach Taylor. I don't know if you bring Zach Taylor back. I, and I'm not blaming Zach Taylor on the reason why Burrow got hurt. I'm, I'm not going to blame him. It's not his fault. But I think he's taken this team as far as he could take them. Because we've seen this. I'm not saying Zach Taylor isn't a good coach. He's a good coach. Good, but not great. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. How many great coaches are there in the NFL? Right. Two? Mm-hmm. Three, maybe at most. So if you're a good coach, you can go anywhere and coach in the NFL. Maybe if, if the Bengals let go of Zach Taylor, maybe he goes to the Bills if they decide to fire their coach. Yeah. So there are other positions. Maybe if the Patriots decide to part ways with Bill Belichick and they can't get Mike Vrabel, maybe he'd go there. So maybe if the Jets fire Robert Sala, he goes there. So there's, there's a lot of questions on where the Bengals are heading. And I don't know if it's going up. I think it's more like going down. And they're going to have a lot of questions in the offseason because they're not going to be able to sign all these guys. And as good as Higgins is, mm-hmm. and even though he's not had a good season, as good as Jamar Chase is, where he started very slow this year, there's a lot of questions to this team and where this team is heading automatically when you go to the offseason and you know that your quarterback is coming from 
uh, coming back from another surgery and another injury that could be costly moving forward. And you also look at the Bengals' structure right now. They built a lot on defense for the first two years of Burrow's career, where they signed a lot on free agency. Now, a lot of those guys since have gone to other teams. Now, D.J. Reader's still there. They still signed Logan Wilson, their young linebacker. But a lot of those guys, like we were talking about at the beginning of the season, those secondary players are now gone. Now all the money seems to be invested into the offense. They paid Mixon. They paid Orlando Brown that big contract. And they've tried it out with Lyle Collins. That didn't work. They waived him. I think he, he's still a free agent right now. And you're right. They're going to have to pay Chase, and they're probably not going to be able to pay Higgins because Higgins is going to want wide receiver one money, which he might get somewhere else, a team like Chicago, Carolina, a team like that. He's going to want 20-something yeah. million dollars. Oh, at least. At the, at the minimum, 20 And even though it, yeah. it looks like the Bengals will have about $45 million under the cap, they're still going to have to pay Jamar Chase, who's going to want 30-something million dollars. Right. And they still have other, other positions they need to fill in mm-hmm. that they're weak in. How about the running back position? And I hear, Jeff, oh, you don't pay a running back. But right now, what are you going to do? You're going to depend on maybe going after a rookie running back and expecting him to run the ball better than Joe Mixon, who's been a pro ball player? I don't know. And Joe Mixon, even though he's under contract, I think – I don't know how bad – the dead cap is for Joe Mixon. Maybe they let go of Joe Mixon. They're, I think he's a free agent at the end of the year. I, I don't even so, know. Yeah, so the, the dead cap that Mixon would get, I think, is a, a little not bad, but they're going to let him go at the end of the season regardless because he's kind of he's done well in the playoffs, but as like an overall like workhorse running back, he's not the same anymore. Either. No, and, and that's, that is where I feel when you're trying to drop knowledge on where this team is heading. I, I don't know if they're heading to, again, Moving up, I think they're moving towards, I wouldn't say down, but even slope. And and that's why when you look at teams like Miami, they're going to be good for many, many years to come. I mean, they have weapons, and if they could stay healthy, I think McDaniel is one of the better coaches, one of the better young coaches in the NFL. He's one of the quirkiest ones. (laughs) But the guy is fun. He, He really... You know, throws out a good offense that you know it, it throws a lot of defenses off, off the you know off balance. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm I'm interested to see how the Jets' defense could play against this defense that's fast paced, very fast on the outside, and a running game. A Chan is going to be back now. He's going to be able to run the ball. Most Mostert is another good running back, and the Jets have had problems against speedy running backs. So. I'm interested to see what they're going to do on Black Friday. I don't think it's going to be fun to watch because I think Miami's going to put up a 30 spot. No matter how good the Jets' defense is going to be, if they're on the field too long, it's not going to make a difference. It really isn't. And I I will get into the Jets in just a few moments because I'm going to get into Robert Sala at his press conference and, and what I think about Robert Sala right now, who... I believe, should be fired at the end of the year. If the Jets lose out again this season, I think the Jets part ways with Robert Sala. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers wants because right now it doesn't look good for the Jets. Bringing somebody like him back where he has nothing good to say uh, he says he, he has nothing good to say about where this team is going, but he's making excuses for Zach Wilson, and you and he believes still that Zach Wilson could be an efficient and good quarterback in the NFL. And I'm going to get into numbers why I believe he he doesn't have a chance to start in the NFL ever again. But nevertheless, you look at the AFC North, there are three teams that could qualify to make the playoffs. I, I, I don't think the Jets are making the playoffs. We know the Patriots aren't making the playoffs. <laughs> the Bills are a borderline playoff team. They're 6-5. and five. I mean, they beat the Jets. Is that something to brag about? No, because they can't score. So I, I want to see the Bills do it against good teams. They still, I think they still have a game against Miami. Yeah, they do. 
And I want to see what they're going to do against Miami again. They beat Miami on the first game. I don't know. Chiefs too. I don't know if it's going to be that that easy again against Miami, especially now that they're at full strength. And if they could stay healthy and Tua could stay healthy, they're so good offensively. They're going to be fun to watch all throughout the rest of the season. And again, the Jaguars and the Texans don't count out the Texans. I think the Texans are for real. C.J. Stroud has been as good of any quarterback, as good as any quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, you can't argue it. I, he is an MVP candidate. You would say right now, I, I would say Tua as my number one. I would argue you could put Patrick Mahomes there. Yeah. And then you would probably put C.J. Stroud. Yeah, with Jared Goff having a lot of interceptions recently, too. That's probably knocked his stock down for that. I, you would probably put C.J. Stroud. So it's it could a rookie actually win the MVP in his first year when everybody doubted him? And and obviously the Carolina Panthers who traded the farm away to bring in Young, maybe they made a mistake. And it looks like they did. Now it's only one season. Right. We have to see what Young is going to do as he moves forward. He has a good coach there. He has a good coaching staff over there in Carolina. So we'll see. They have to build offensive players around him, but they don't have a first-round draft pick. That goes to Chicago this year. So what are they going to do? There are quite a few good wide receivers that are coming out of this year's draft. I was reading about this guy, Neighbor, uh, yeah, from LSU. From LSU, Davis, he, yes. yeah, he he looks really good too. Everybody keeps talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's got better numbers than Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. So it, it's going to be interesting moving forward on how the draft is going to fall out. Is the Patriots going to sit there now at at three or even two? Arizona's now at two. The Giants fall out. I think they're fourth. Yeah, and uh, they still have a chance to get a quarterback. Now people are predicting that. I know right now the Giants are fifth. Chicago moves to four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it right now it would be Chicago, it would be Arizona, it would be the Patriots, it would be Chicago again, and then it would be the Giants. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying the Giants are going to draft an offensive lineman, the Notre Dame guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, who knows? Who knows how it's going to fall out? But I, I still think the Giants should go after a quarterback if they're sitting in the top five. It makes a lot of sense. But Drake may. Might fall to the Patriots. I know, obviously, Jeff would uh, probably uh, pee his pants if it happens because he that's what he believes is, is the proper fit, uh, and, and he would die to have Drake May on that roster. But we'll see. we'll see what happens and how everything falls by the end of the season because I think the Giants play the Patriots this week. This week, yep. And who knows? Maybe the Patriots knock them off and it, it flip-flops. So One more Giants-Patriots matchup for Bill Belichick. Who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick does come back next year. We don't know the situation for but what I it don't is. they play the Giants anyway, so it might be his last Patriots-Giants matchup. <laughs> by the way, speaking of the Giants and speaking of uh, our pre-Thanksgiving show, we have Kenny on the phone. Kenny, what's up, bud? Hello, hello. What's up, Kenny? Hey, uh, did you know I am, in January, going to take sports broadcasting school? Good for you, Kenny. Good for you. I want if, if the streaming doesn't work out and become successful, maybe you'll hire me as a writer in the future. Absolutely, Kenny. If you want to write, you can write right now. I'm saying I, I, I might want to learn the skills All right. first. All right. Good for you, Kenny. Are you, and be are, good at it. I am going to start writing on a blog. You should. The, you should. The uncensored version after I get the schooling and even now. Where are you going to school, Kenny? Uh, I'll be starting the Dan Patrick. Uh, All right. You're going to Dan Patrick school. Okay. I know the school. Yeah. Dan Patrick. You can do it online because I ain't yes. going to Florida for it. No, I, I, obviously. I don't think you're uh, going you to Florida. You want to visit Jeff in Florida, Kenny? 
And it's not that much per semester. It's like fifteen grand if I can't find anybody to pay for away my dad. I that's can get financial not a lot. Aid. Yeah, you could get financial aid, but that's a lot, Kenny. I mean, you definitely get financial aid, but that that's a significant but chunk. But to pay change. for afterwards, it's not like Harvard or something. No, I, like you're not getting into Harvard anyways, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying they're like 50 grand a semester. Oh, you're saying Harvard well, is not going to hire him to chase geese off the campus? No, I'm saying that like that's a lot more. No, semester. of course. Of course. And listen, I wish you all the luck in the world. And that's good that you're going to school and you're trying to better yourself, that educate right. yourself when it comes to media. I, I think it would be good for you. I think you'll learn how to flow and speak even better and, and really – uh, build a vocabulary and, and, and really put yourself plus, in a position where you can be successful. And plus, sports broadcasting is not like what you're broadcasting about. You got to start the earliest with that. It's ageless. You don't have to have a certain point to start better, but not really. It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, right. it, it is a young man's game. I, I, everybody would tell you that because you got to go through obstacles to get where you want to go. But once you break through, uh, you you're, you will build success. It, it's all about breaking through. Once you break through, it opens up so many passages and doors for you. And I, I listen, if you believe in yourself and you believe that you can do it and you can get through the program, don't start something and don't finish it, Kenny. I, I mean, I definitely won't go through it and, and work hard, study and put this your time. It takes two and a half years. I know it's 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 a associate's degree. So and it gives I think you I wanted to do that. Yeah, and it, it'll open up opportunities for you, absolutely. Um, but just remember, Who knows? do your... I might write for Bristol, Connecticut or something like that one day. Maybe. Maybe you'll uh, be a big part of Bristol, Connecticut's uh, radio okay. station over there. Before you let me go, how do you know the Patriots are truly going to beat the Giants? They both suck to the same degree at this point. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I, I love what I've seen with Tommy DeVito. Uh, he... He threw three touchdowns in that game. And by the way, not even Zach Wilson in all his career in the three years he was the quarterback for the Jets ever threw three touchdowns in a game. So I'll get into that. But uh, Tommy DeVito played very well. He got beaten up. He was sacked nine times. The Giants could not protect him. He stood in the pocket. He took the beating. And I, I respect him for that. It shows grit. And that's something that you look for a quarterback. Eli Manning had grit. You could say whatever you want about Eli and how, you know, in certain aspects of his game, he was flappy and weak. The loss was Washington's fault. They are the people that they gave up. I don't know about that. Turnovers. Yeah, but turnovers, that's because of the defense. That's because of the blitz. You have to give Wayne Lundell credit for that. They mixed things up defensively. The defense created that and... DeVito capitalized on. No question that he capitalized on it. I mean, well, how many times did we? How many times did we see the Jets get into the red zone for years in in games, back to back, three times, four times, in because of defensive, you know, takeaways, and still they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. I mean, at least Tommy DeVito did. Yeah, dude, I mean, that Tommy right. DeVito also got well, two guys, the, Darius Slayton and a, Bellinger, involved too. That were really good. From you pointed out recently, Errol. Mm-hmm. They have the worst quarterback in the history of their team. Don't worry, I'm going to get into it, my friend. History of the team in the oh, NFL. I, I was I in the was NFL. With you on that one. Yeah, in the he NFL, definitely is the worst ever in Jets history. Jets history, NFL history, history yeah. beyond. I listen. I would take any third string quarterback right now. That is a third string quarterback on any team. Tim Boyle is is Aaron Rodgers right now for the New York Jets. That's not saying much. But I mean, it, really, I wish I could have had five minutes 
in that decision, meeting of decision on Rodgers, I would say. Last year he had a broken thumb for all season. He's not Tom Brady. He's nearly 40. But you give him $80 million or close to it, and you don't even get your money's worth. There's probably a bunch of free agents that are younger and didn't have a broken thumb next year and a lot cheaper. It wasn't a broken thumb. He tore his Achilles, one. Number two, I, I just want to let you know something, Kenny. Aaron Rodgers, if you're, I'm not going into who I think is better, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but if you ask players that are in the league right now, a lot of people would tell you they would, they would prefer Tom, um, um, Aaron Rodgers than Tom Brady. Not because of the championships, because of his ability to throw the ball and his accuracy. So we, I don't know. Listen, I think Tom Brady is, is one of the top three quarterbacks to ever play this game. And if Aaron Rodgers could ever win another Super Bowl, he will be compared to all the greats because of what he has done in, in a limited amount of time that he has done it as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Okay, when did he win that championship? 2010. 2010. 13 years ago. Okay, just like they got Brett Favre at the end of his career. Yeah. He wasn't going to help them win nothing because he already won it. Brett Favre didn't want to be there. Brett Favre didn't want to be there. Aaron Rodgers wants to be there. That's the difference. That's true. Uh, it, there's there's a difference there. When you want to be there. Even if he plays another whole season. He's going to play, to play another whole one. season. He's going to play next year, and he might even okay, play the year after. If he even plays another one, they're never going to get their money's worth because I, I disagree. If he plays two I seasons, disagree. He gets injured again. He's at the age I, where they're injured prone. I disagree. It all depends on if they can protect him. If they can protect him and, and, and the Jets do what they need to do in the offseason to build that line, which has been putrid, to be exact, uh, they can't stay healthy. I mean, Elijah Veritaka, as good as he is right. when he's on the One field, season, the guy can't stay on the field. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I think Tittman's the real For deal. For that season. I, we'll see. We'll see. So right so far, they haven't gotten their money's worth on him. What the, right so far, he only played f- four plays. Not, I mean, we haven't seen him. I mean, Kenny, I nobody can pre- predict season-ending injury. Let's see, Kenny. Let's see. Right, what how he can much do. are they paying him for this whole season? For not much. Back? I think he. T- I think he's making thirty million. I think he took a pay cut. Thirty-five or something. Like yeah, that. he took it's a pay like, cut. A waste of thirty-five million. Is yeah, all I'm well, no, I. I would agree. Kenny, with nobody him. can anticipate Week One season-ending injuries. Joe Burrow just got a big contract, two hundred sixty-three. He's out for the rest of the season, so they're overpaying him. So I guess they're not getting their money's yeah. worth either. Kenny paying quarterbacks logic. Don't worry, Kenny. At least the Giants won't pay Tommy DeVito that much. I guess he's the best quarterback now. I love you, Kenny. Okay, and my question, my last question for you, in the next time period, when do you think Mr. Jacobs will call you back? Oh. I don't know. What. I think he changed his number, unfortunately. Did so. he change his number? I, the last time I texted him a couple of weeks ago, it said message send failure. So Really? I don't know. He might have changed his number, which he did in the past, too. So yeah, I, because I don't people call probably a couple other giants, see who bites. Don't worry. Return some message. Kenny, don't worry. You'll you'll get your opportunity. Don't worry. Now, Kenny, I'm surprised that Brandon. Uh, did you reach out to Brandon? I've, I've emailed him a few times since then, but I he doesn't want to talk to us because he lost the bet. Poor Brandon. He doesn't want to live up to the bet, but it's okay. You now, know, now Kenny, before 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 we get let you go too, we, uh, there's two other questions. One of which uh, Snug wants to know if you're done any puppet shows recently, and then the other one is uh, when are we getting our Thanksgiving dinner that's from six years ago? It, I I doubled. It's double or nothing, so that bet is kind of. 
All right. I was right. roped into that. I got it. Oh, Kenny, we love yeah, you. I got roped into the next bet that you lost. We, we, okay. So I did lose. <laughs> That's why okay. you go double or nothing because uh, the odds right. are you all might right. win or, right, or maybe not. But. All right. All right. Do you want to do you want to make a double or nothing this week if the Giants? No, win? I already did make a double or nothing. Dude, you didn't hard. pay for five years. You're telling me I didn't pay on. It's been what six months. So that's an eighteen. It's, it's been so six months. To come with, a, with a turkey it's dinner. It's been Kenny. six months. You can keep months. me hanging on as long as you want. What are you smoking today? What are you smoking? I don't know. Like uh, OJ Kush. Oh, OJ Kush. All right. I didn't. I didn't experiment. If I smoke all day, will I pass out? Haven't yet. I think you should try that. I, I think and, 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 and record it. Record it since seven a.m. and it's a nighttime indigo, and I did it all day. I didn't fall asleep. Oh one man, second. Kenny, you are a rock star, man. You are a rock star. You are the weed head. I probably won't uh, do that experiment again, but I did one. I think. I think we need to start a new experiment. Okay. Maybe you should start drinking at 7 and smoking at the same time and see if you get drunk and get high at the same time and, and live out the week. I mean, I'm sorry, not the week, the day till 7 o'clock. If you could do that, I'll give you a, another gift, okay? I'll give you another From gift. what time to what time? 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You got to drink and smoke for the whole day. If you can last it to 7 o'clock before passing out, I'll give you another no, gift. No, I cannot last uh, I can't drink that much anymore. <laughs> Maybe 20 years ago. Maybe 20 years ago. I'm How not old are you, Kenny? How old are you, Kenny? I, I wouldn't. Maybe if a game's on or something, I might drink during the day, but I wouldn't intentionally drink during the day for any other reason. <laughs> all right, I Kenny. I wouldn't do it all day. All right, Kenny. Those days are over. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll Thanksgiving. talk to you soon, buddy. You too, guys, and everybody else watching and anybody else in the network. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Everybody listening too, Kenny. So thank Hopefully you. Hopefully I, I have a show someday. You, you, you will, and you're entertaining as well. Thank you, Kenny. All right. Thank you for taking the call. Kenny Rayner, ladies and gentlemen, upstate New York, enjoying his smoke on. He was smoking from 7 to 7. O.J. Cush, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully he's still going to enjoy himself throughout Thanksgiving. He'll hang out with his father, his mother, and uh, hopefully doesn't smoke himself to death. Uh, Robert Soller, yes, announced that Tim Boyle will be the Jets starting quarterback in their Black Friday matchup versus the Dolphins. Trevor Simeons in, is listed as the backup while Zach Wilson is listed as a third-string quarterback. Soller said about why he's changing quarterbacks just to Give him an opportunity, different style of quarterback. So, really, it's just to give him an opportunity to see if we can do something with the offense. Wilson had a 57.9 passing rating, 46.7 completion percentage, 81 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception before being pulled in the third quarter against the Bills. The Jets were also 0 for 11 on third downs versus the Bills. Wilson also was not able to complete a pass to a wide receiver in the game. Tim Boyle has three career NFL starts, all with the Lions in 2021. He has three touchdowns, six interceptions, 526 passing yards, a 64.9 completion percentage, and a 63.5 passer rating in those games. Before we get into this, I want to play a minute of Robert Sala's press conference on Monday. 
we said, you know, we, we think Zach is incredibly talented. Um, felt like he'd get an opportunity to sit behind uh, Aaron and, and just learn if, you know, uh, empathetically or sympathetically. Uh, when you look at Zach, he's never really had an opportunity to watch somebody play the uh, play the position. And um, I mean, he's had, you know, Joe's Joe Flacco was fantastic. Uh, Mike White did some good things, but to just sit back and just watch from 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 the ground up. And uh, that was his opportunity with Aaron and uh, four plays in, he's back into the starting lineup. So he never really got to really sit back and kind of absorb and just get that redshirt year that um, you would have loved to have given him. But uh, so you could, you could always play the hindsight's 2020 game, but um, we felt like we did what was best for the organization, best for the team. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's been an unfortunate series of events when you look at all the injuries on the old line and just the things that have transpired since the start of the year. It's a 53-man roster. You know, it's it's an all-11 sport when you're looking at the offensive side of the ball and same with coaches. Oh, and, uh, you know, had things gone exactly the way we wanted, wanted them to, no. Um, I wouldn't look at it as a failure. I, I look at it more as kidding me? a series of unfortunate events. But uh, I, I stand, stand strong in the belief that Zach's going to have a really good career in this league. What drugs are you on, man? <laughs> What are you smoking? Maybe you're hanging out with Kenny. Maybe you smoke from <laughs> seven to seven before the game. What are you watching? What are you watching? Are you making excuses just to save your job? Which, by the way, is not in a good position to keep, by the way. I have no idea what Robert Sala's rubbish coming out of his mouth has any knowledge on what he is watching when it comes to Zach Wilson. Look at these numbers. Are you blind? A 57.9 passer rating. Have we ever seen a quarterback in the NFL in the last three, three years that's had a worse game at 57.9 passing rating? 46.7 completion percentage. You're talking about under 50%. How many quarterbacks have done that? Are you out of your mind? Are you on drugs? You think that Zach Wilson is going to have a good career in the NFL? I've seen enough. Stop making excuses. It's a 53-man team. First of all, it's 56, by the way. And that's one. I don't know what number you're missing. I, maybe you're counting yourself as the next, you and your coaches are the next three guys if somebody gets hurt. I, I have no idea what is going on with this team. I really don't. And if you sit here and you sit back and you understand what you're watching, you're watching crap. Okay, that's what you're watching. Offensively, this is the worst offense I have seen the New York Jets have in over 25 years. You heard it. 25 years. You're talking about some of the worst quarterback play that you've ever seen. Yes, Mark Sanchez looks like a Hall of Famer. Looks like a Hall of Famer to Zach Wilson. Sam Darnold looks like a pro bowler compared to Zach Wilson. Sam Darnold looks like a god. I mean, he is a ghost. I mean, seriously, the ghost of Donald. This has been putrid, okay? I can't sit here and make any more excuses for this kid, okay? I did it for two years. I did. I, I'll sit back. I know the beef came out and told me, I told you he was going to suck. How do you know? You don't watch college football. I watched BYU play. I watched what this kid could do. I, he just, it, it, the, the revolution of stepping on an NFL football field, the speed of an NFL football game, the guy has lost his marbles. I don't even know if he ever had marbles. We'll have to ask his mother's best friend. I, I mean, seriously. I, I can't sit here and say to me as a Jet fan that what Robert Salas said only will slowly tell me at the end of the season that he is not the right, God for, right guy for the job.
Maybe if Zach Wilson had marbles, he'd try to throw them too. I don't even know if you would want to trust him to do that at this point. I do not believe everything that I've heard at Monday's press conference that Robert Sala is the future coach of this NFL team. As a matter of fact, we, we brought numbers to everybody's attention here. So for all you Robert Sala lovers or you think that Robert Sala will fix this or he's going to fix this, look at these numbers. If the Jets lose out for the rest of the season, Sala would be or have a .294 winning percentage, which is eighth worst in NFL history among coaches that have coached 50-plus games. Speedy, could you give us all the rest? Do you have all the rest? Yeah, I know I know some of them were in the 40s and the 50s. I know Steve Spagnuolo was one. Pat mm. Shermer. Pat Shermer, who's never going to coach again. Uh, it's Don Shula's son, Dave. Who mm. tried in the Remember 90s. Dave? Gus Bradley, who was horrible for the Jags. And now is a defensive coordinator in the league. Yep, and you have two guys in the 40s. Burt Bell and Jimmy Phelan are the only ones that well, Nobody even worse. knows who yeah. they are. They're both in the, the 40s. So those are the only ones that would be worse. If Robert Sala were to lose out, it would be a 15-51 and 51 overall record, a 294 overall win. 15-51 and 51 record. And the Jets are going to keep Robert Sala? I'm I'm sorry for all you Jet fans sitting here today and trying to figure out, hey, maybe it's just Zach Wilson. Who kept Zach Wilson in after week three? Who was the one? Who's the coach of this team? I don't want to hear that Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas told him to keep him in. That's a crock of you-know-what. He coaches this team. He tells He tells the GM, he tells ownership, he's not the guy. Or he's not good enough. We need to bring somebody in. Why did you pass up on Carlson Wentz? Why did you pass up on Matt Ryan? I would take Matt Ryan with one arm than Zach Wilson. Yeah, you heard it. I think Matt Ryan holding the ball and throwing the ball with one arm would be better than Zach Wilson. Or even Matt Ryan with one leg. Matt Ryan throwing lefty? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Zach Wilson can't complete a pass. I think we've seen more passes to the ground than he has to a wide receiver. I mean, you sit here, and I, I know that's Jeff. And you don't put him on yet, but you could bring him on. I can't oh, wait to hear this yeah. because I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, well, you thought he was the best quarterback in that draft class. What I saw with Zach Wilson at BYU, and I understand he doesn't play in the SEC, the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the Big 10. Okay, I know he doesn't play in those conferences. All right? But I saw enough of Zach Wilson to think – that Zach Wilson was going to be an efficient quarterback in this league. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the bright lights in New York. Maybe it's just him not understanding the playbook that this guy is just not the real deal. And you sit here and you have weapons like Garrett Wilson, who, by the way, did nothing in the game. He, get, he got me two points on my fantasy team. Did nothing in the game. And then you look at Brees Hall, who to me is one of the more dominant running backs in the league, and he only touches the ball 12 times because maybe Nathaniel Hackett has lost his mind. Why would he not feed? You you look at the Giants. What did the Giants do? Good. They feed Saquon Barkley the ball over and over and over and over again. What does that do? It wears out the defenses. That's what it does. Why? Why is Brees Hall only touching the ball 12 to 15 times? Why is that? What is the excuse here? What are what are the excuses now for the New York Jets? Because there is none. Do you know that Brees Hall had 10 carries for 23 yards? Oof. 10 carries for 23 yards. That means, 
I, offensively, they're putrid. I mean, if you look at Tim Boyle, who's 7 for 14. You look at Zach Wilson, 7 for 15. <laughs> Boyle had no touchdowns and one interception. Zach Wilson had one touchdown and one interception. I, I mean... I mean, Thomas Moorhead was one for one with 18 yards. I'd rather him start as my quarterback. Can't wait for that to happen when this other experiment falls through. And this is also a defense in the Bills that just lost Stradavius White for the season. They had no Micah Hyde. They lost Taylor Rapp, their other safety, in that game. Had a scary injury. Hope he's okay. Adams, yeah. Yeah. And Matt Milano for the season as well is a good coverage linebacker. And they couldn't even take advantage of that. And this is now... Oh, you're talking about Buffalo. I'm talking about the Jets. The Jets lost lost Adams. They lost Adams. I, I don't know what he did with his finger. But it looked bad. Right. It looked really bad. It looked like he jammed it or something. (laughs) Yeah. And this is located it. Now, three. Two of the last three weeks, they faced the Chargers secondary, which has yeah. been the worst in the NFL. 100%. They've allowed 391 passing yards a game or something like that. They've like allowed five of the seven 400-yard passing games this year. They couldn't do anything on that. The Raiders' pass defense is pretty good, but their run defense is horrible, yet they couldn't run the ball in that game either. And the Bills have all these injuries on defense. So, yeah, the Jets' offense might just be horrible. I, I mean, seriously, if you're a Jet fan, you can't sit here and make any excuses. And, and to think that the Jets are going to win any more games is crazy to think, too. Tim Boyle going to win a game. They're not beating Washington, okay? I know everybody says, well, it's a winnable game. They're not beating Washington. They're not beating Atlanta, who's 4-6, and six, and they've looked really bad for the last three games. I would have been worried about Atlanta anyway. Against, uh, they're, the not beating, yeah. they're not beating Atlanta. They're not. They're not beating Atlanta. Because even, uh, even Ritter, I, I think Ritter is a better quarterback than any quarterback the Jets have had over the last couple of years. <laughs> if Ritter would fit the mold with the Jets, he still has all those issues with red zone turnovers, too. I, but. It doesn't matter. He's a better quarterback than any Jet quarterback on that roster. I mean, seriously, the, the fact that the Jets passed up on Carson Wentz is, is just a, a joke. It is an absolute joke. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is the next big thing. And I'm not saying that he's going to win the Jets a Super Bowl. But I bet you the Jets have six wins right now mm-hmm. if they're Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz doesn't throw for less than 150 yards against the Chargers. I, I mean, seriously, there's no way they'd be where they are today at four and six. There's no way the Jets are making the playoffs. And the fact that uh, you've heard there was a story that came out that in two weeks, Rodgers wants to come back to, uh, to practices. Why? Why would Aaron Rodgers want to come back right now? They don't stand a chance. What, is Rodgers going to come back and, and show everybody that if he's in the lineup, they can maybe win one or two games? What is that going to do for the Jets? That only hurts the Jets getting a top pick. It doesn't make sense. Why would Aaron come back, sit out for the season, get ready for next year, and the Jets will rebuild that offensive line? That would be the more, I I guess, logical way of thinking. But, again, Aaron Rodgers is the coach of this team. Aaron Rodgers runs this team because whatever Aaron says goes, and that's why Zach Wilson won't be waived at the end of the season. I, I, I really believe he will be a part of this roster one way or another, third string or no string. This guy will be on the roster because he he knows that Zach Wilson will get on his knees and suck as you know what. Maybe uh, Jess will put Zach Wilson on the practice squad and see if anyone takes him. It's putrid. <laughs> it's a putrid way uh, of watching the quarterback play. It is just disgusting. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know what to say. Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson is. Much better. I would take Mac Jones right now. If the Patriots dropped him, I would, I would pick up Mac Jones in a heartbeat. And that's not saying much because Mac Jones isn't any good. <laughs> I'd right. like to answer your question before we get Jeff on. Uh, can t- Tim Boyle beat the New England Patriots? There's no way no. the Patriots. There's no, no. There's no way the Patriots. No. Bill, what could be Bill Belichick's last game with the team is no. going to lose to the Jets. No. The, the Jets are going <laughs> to lose against the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots beat him by 50. 
Yep. Okay? And it's not because of the <laughs> Jets' like defense. Because the Jets are going to just sit out their defensive players and say, you know what, the season's over. A sauce looks like he's given up. You, you saw that in the game. And I, I, Sauce was sticking up for himself for the touchdown that they gave up. That was the first touchdown they gave up, in, I think, uh-huh. since the week one against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I would say that's the worst misplay of his career. Too. Yeah, it was, it was a bad play. And I, he, he has every right uh, to uh, complain to the fans uh, for what he has done so far in the NFL. But there's no excuses. He, didn't, he, he did not read the play right. Now, put him on. All right, Jeff. Welcome. All right. I want to just add a few critiques and, and hopefully civilly here, mm-hmm. Earl. Because, yeah. like, this is if like, you don't pronounce this... my name again right, we're hanging up the phone. So I'm giving uh, you a good – you pronounce my name right or we're hanging up the phone. And you ready? We're gonna, and we're going to do this civilly. Yeah, well, let's okay. do it civilly. Number, number one. Your your critique of Robert Sala, I understand it. Okay, I do understand it. However, Robert Sala is a defensive guy, and the defense is terrific. Um, so, like, he hasn't been terrible, right? Like that, he was the defensive coordinator for the Forty ers They had a great defense. They brought him over. The defense is very good. So, I and all of the Jet struggles, almost almost all of them, are on the offensive side of the football. Correct? Yes, in some aspects. Yeah. So he's not he's not a terrible coach, right? Like he's he's not. He's done what like every coach in the league, like Belichick, he's a defensive guy, he knows nothing about offense. Patriots offense sucks, right? Like you look at other teams and they have good offenses with terrible defense because that's what their head coach is, right? So like that's kind of what the deal is. So All right, before before tell. you before you get into the other stuff that you want to critique on me, okay? I'm going to give you the reason why I, I know that Robert Sala isn't calling the, the defensive plays. It's Jeff Ulbrich, first of all. He's calling the defensive plays. How many times have we seen him on the sidelines when the defense is on the field not look at his play calling and anything? It's hanging from his waist. He's not doing anything. He's standing there twiddling his thumbs, okay? So it's Jeff right, Ulbrich. He's, 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 it's his defense. It's his scheme. It's that thing. Someone else calls the plays. Like Belichick gets credit for the defense. Does anyone know Gerard Mayo calls the plays for the defense? Yes. No, people – right, you do, Speedy. But everyone gives Belichick the credit for the defense, correct? So it's the same thing with Sala. He's a defensive guy, and the defense is good. Yeah. How long did the it, offense would be better if Aaron Rodgers – How long did it last play. with Rex Ryan? He had a great defense. How long did it last with the Jets? Five years? <laughs> well, yeah, he had a great I mean, defense too. Top five well, defense has- just like Robert Sala. What did that do for the Jets? I don't know. It uh, had Mark Sanchez leaving, going to the Eagles, and sucking for the rest of his career well, that, everywhere he went. Well, that brings me that brings me to the next critique, mm-hmm. okay? And I don't want to like harp on the best quarterback in the draft class. Like I've done that a thousand times to you. I'm I'm, I'm almost getting tired of it, okay? <clears throat> but when you sit there and say, "Oh, I saw enough of Zach Wilson to say he was going to could be good in the league," mm-hmm. dude, he played for one year. That's all he played for. I know Matt that Jones. Mac Jones, he played for one year. He stinks. Trey Lance, he played less than one year. Can't get on the field. All like you didn't see anything. You saw one season, so you saw nothing. How about Joe Burrow? How many years did Joe Burrow play? Come on, are you going to make Joe excuses? How, how many years, years did he play as a starter? He went to LSU. Oh. He was a third-string quarterback. He went to LSU, and he became the Heisman Trophy winner. He won a national championship, but, and it was the number one pick. So please don't, don't, don't bring up the one year. I just brought up something, so don't, so don't attack right, something for what I said. Up, but he was right. You did bring it up, but he was also a lot older because he spent four years at Ohio State before going to LSU. So he was a fifth-year guy. So he had two more years there, more football, more learning. Right? Like technically, this would be. Uh, uh, Zach Wilson's like rookie year compared to what Joe Burrow played. 
and had for experience. Well, Zach Wilson was on the team for at least two years before he, he had to be on the team for two or three years. So he, right, he had right, experience but he left, on, but he left his but he left as soon as he could his junior year, mm-hmm. right? That's as early as you can leave. And he only started for one year. Mm-hmm. Burrow had four years and his fifth was at LSU. So that's what it would be. So that's extra experience. That's extra time. Like that dude was just looking for the money and left and he wasn't ready yet. Same with Mac Jones. Mac Jones was around forever, but he only started for one year. Well, he's also behind two other two uh, two really good quarterbacks. I don't care who he was behind, and he was only behind one other good quarterback. Tua, and then they threw him out of school, and he went to Oklahoma. Yep, it was Tua. Tua was still on that roster, wasn't he? And so was um, yes, and so was uh, I think Bryce Young was there there too. And And he started the next year. Bryce, Bryce Young was after Mac. Yeah, but I, don't, I think he was still on the roster. He just didn't start that year. No, Bryce Young started as a freshman. Oh, okay. No, Bryce Young wasn't a part. It was Hertz okay. and, and Tua. They were both on that roster. And, and, he, and I remember because they, they took a picture together, and I've seen the picture. All three of those guys on the sidelines in an Alabama right, but, jersey. But to say that you saw enough to think that Zach could be good, and I'm not. That's just my that opinion. Stuff. That's my opinion. It doesn't right, mean I was you right. You didn't really see anything because he didn't play anybody in its only one season, and he wasn't even all that good in that one season. What I saw his his year when he was the starting quarter, and by the way, he did play a quarter of the year the year before too. He did come in in the quarter of the year and actually played decent, half decent before before the season ended. Well, then then Joe Burrow had two years started because he played like the last three games for LSU yeah, the year before or something. Right. Okay. Whatever. But what I'm saying is. What I've seen, and I, I'm not—I just brought up Joe Burrow. I'm sure there are other quarterbacks that played one year of college ball, came into the NFL, and played well. Okay, so yeah. it's not just Joe Burrow. I, it, it, you're right. It usually—I will—I will give you credit. I, no, I would give you credit because you have said it before. Usually, quarterbacks that play four years of eligibility football or are part of a team with eligibility, playing four years of college ball usually are good when they make it to the NFL. You've said that, okay? So almost nobody, almost nobody that just starts for one year and goes is any good. Almost nobody. Okay. Oh, I, I almost nobody, but there are still quarterbacks that have. I mean, name one. I just told you Joe even, Burrow. Even Trevor I mean, even Trevor Lawrence was a 3-year starter. He Trevor Lawrence. As a freshman. No, Trevor Lawrence was a 3-year starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had 3 seasons of playing football. I, I have to think about it. I have to look. But I, I think, uh, obviously, Mark Sanchez, I think, played one year, didn't he? he played one no, full he, year. Played, he played several years for USC. No, but I think he. I don't think he played several years. I think he played one full year. I, I, and that's why Pete Carroll wanted him to stay and play at least another no, year he of football. Played, no, he played multiple years and only left because I, that was the year I think Matt Barkley was showing up. Something. Yes. I, I don't know. I have to. I have to look. I have to look into it. I don't know. I. I just. I think he's the one that took over. Did he take over for, for Cody Kessler? Was somewhere in between too. I don't remember where. I'm trying. I'm trying to think from the past. But, but most guys have a couple of years of playing quarterback. Some like, of them. Look yeah. at this year. Like look at. They do. like, But look at this year's class. Bo Nix is going to come out. Bo Nix started for two years at Auburn. Now he's been starting for two years at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Michael Penix starting for, started for two years at Indiana, started for two years now with Washington. Mm-hmm. Right? Like every quarterback has several years of, of starting experience. And we'll see how they turn almost, out. Except for almost that entire draft class. Jaden Daniels had a year for Kansas too, right, Jeff? Because I know he had the two years oh, for LSU. No. No, 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 no. Uh, Jaden Daniels has two years. Uh, it was it wasn't Kansas. He was a two year starter at LSU, and before that, he was a 
two or three year starter at Arizona State. Arizona State. Okay, that's what it was. I knew I remembered the name from some other school that's not normally good at football. <laughs> right, but like that's what you're dealing with now. Like. It, it was an irresponsible pick to pick him or Trey Lance. I would agree with Dude, you. Trey Lance played the least amount of football. What did he play? Three college games? Yeah, How much football? Like that? I would agree with you. I thought it was a bad move by the New York Jets. And I, I'm sure – I don't know if you heard the press conference. He did say when they you asked him – Oh, well, I, I will – I'll tell you the, the one part that really stuck out to me is when one of the – I don't remember who what, – what presser asked him this. They asked him, they said – were you involved with drafting Zach Wilson? Did you have your own thoughts before you drafted him? He said, I had my own thoughts. I spoke to Joe, but I'm not going to tell you what I said. So, obviously, he didn't want Zach Wilson. And and he's making excuses. Well, he's trying to build around to it. Now, though, yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. And that's why if... If Robert Sala loses out for the rest of the year, that's two years, back-to-back years, that he loses out in the second part of the season. He should be fired. They should not but, bring him back. But they don't. But that's that's not going to, like, that doesn't need to happen because the defense is still really great. And if things go the way they can this offseason, you'll draft a couple of linemen in the draft, get Devontae Adams, and it, the offense will be supremely better. Because I like Brees Hall and Garrett, even though Garrett Wilson lately, bud, Sorry to say, he's got a case of the drops lately. He has, and, and I think the big problem is is he's uh, the ball's getting forced to him, and he's getting double teamed. And and and, and the Jets have no weapons on the other side. They have nothing. Uh, Alan well, Lazard is, a, is really. a bust. Alan Lazard's been open, but he he's stinks. been dropping everything thrown his way, too. Yeah, he stinks. He's another one that the Jets wasted the money on. They have a ton of great receivers. They got Nicole Hardman in the offseason. Um, I can't believe they didn't use Nicole Hardman. He's terrific. No, cop sucks. Please. <laughs> 37 years old or whatever Please. it is. The old man. If, he, if no, they bring no, him back. we got to go back. we got to do this because this happens every year. And honestly, this is one of my favorite times of the year because huh? this is like mid-transition. No, this is mid-transition, right? Because <clears throat> every year, as far as back as I can remember, mm-hmm. right, since the Joe Douglas era starts, yeah. it's the new day for the Jets. The Jets are great. Week one. New day. All right, they lost one. No, new day. Two. How many wins did I, I call the Jets having this year, Steve? 11. It was 11 with Aaron Rodgers. And without Aaron Rodgers, what did I say? I think it was like six. Okay? I said if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. uh, Hold on, hold on. I said if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, the Jets win 11 games. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't get – if he gets hurt, they're not winning more than six games. That's what I said. And what did the Jets have? They have four wins. So, right, but every, but every year, I'm not lying here. But every year it's been the same oh, thing. Stop, big Jeff. acquisition. Every year their big acquisition gets hurt. Last year, Brees Hall, he goes, oh, well, that's like the year before, Mekhi Becton's just a fat pig. So, oh, there goes that. He'll be better next year, right? Like every time it's like, we're going to be so great. We got these guys. They immediately get hurt, and it's, oh. Wait till next year. No, I didn't. Like I didn't say wait to next year. You're the one. You're the one who says wait until next year. I didn't say it. I didn't say. Well, I don't know. You keep Robert Saul. You get a couple offensive linemen. You get Devontae Adams. You're right there. You're right there in the mix. I don't believe that. I I think the Jets need to fire Robert Sala. He has lost the locker room. I don't think he knows what he's doing, and you could see it in his face. I don't know. You don't watch the press conference. If you look at his face, he is out there. He is out of dude. It's like. When you look at somebody and you understand what he is thinking in his mind, you can see it. You can see he's completely lost. He is completely lost. The fact that this guy decided to keep Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the team. They didn't talk to Carson Wentz. They didn't talk to Matt Ryan. They didn't talk to anybody. They didn't talk to nobody. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go back preseason now. And, and, And 
this isn't a shot at you. This is just a legitimate thing because I also agreed with you, okay? Mm-hmm. They get Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, no, this is great. Let's keep Zach Wilson. We want to keep Zach Third Wilson. Third string. We want him to- I wanted we- another guy on that bench. Because he's going to learn behind him. And the- right, and instead, right, okay. But they couldn't do third string because Joe Douglas was acting like a drunk 17-year-old playing Madden on franchise mode because it was Nicole Hardman for $10 million and um, and uh, t- another seven million, million Lazard for thirteen to, or whatever. Yeah, right, right, Lazard got thirteen this Dalvin year. Cook, another eight million to Dalvin Cook. Another this here. Another for all guys that blow. Rather than because I agree with you, they should have given. I think it's crazy that no one's at least taken a chance on Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Like nobody mm-hmm. needs a halfway decent bat. Like Carson Wentz could have been an MVP in the league if he didn't get hurt that I, one I, year. I agree. Like, Todd Brady won the MVP that year. Right, like, he had a great year I that year. It, anyways, Tom like, Brady. They should have. They should have taken a chance and, and given it to him. Like Tim Boyle, we know what Tim Boyle is. He stinks. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted, but you wanted to keep Zach Wilson. So don't. I uh, hold on, hold on. I wanted to see if Nathaniel Hackett could change it because I didn't think Mike Lafleur was any good. I said maybe with under a, a, a guy that actually knows how to run an offense. He's run an offense with uh, many different quarterbacks, and not just Aaron Rodgers. But he he's he's actually coached an offense that has gone to an AFC title game with a quarterback that wasn't but any good. So Blake Bortles was not good, okay? And, and he was the offensive a, coordinator. This is a fair question, and you're not going to like it because it's fair. But does this season change your opinion at, at all of Mike Lafleur? Because he stinks. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is fucking terrible. I, I, I would say that right now, but we'll see. You you said if Aaron Rodgers comes back and Nathaniel Hackett's the offensive coordinator, this could change. I don't think it's going to change. Here's what I think the Jets need to do. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers says. I, I don't. You fire Robert Sala. You want to keep Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator? That's your decision. You bring in, you bring in another coach that could run this team and actually run it on all three, three issues that the Jets have. Their defense in certain aspects of the game, especially in the fourth quarter, get tired and they they, they lose confidence. They do. You yeah, saw it. They lose confidence in the fourth quarter. That is an absolute really? non-issue. Really? No, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a non-issue because they won't be tired and lose confidence if their offense goes more than four yards on every. Well, that's true side. too. I, I I guess you're. I, I guess that could be an argument too. So, I I mean I I mean watching the Jets and watching this and, offense. And, and, and this way, is the worst offense I've ever seen. Heavy lifting, so I'd be pissed too, and you would yes. be too if you were on that defense in the fourth quarter. hundred percent. And it was thirty-one. But six. I also I also think that they. If you watch, and you can watch, and I don't care what Sauce says, Sauce gave up on that. He gave up on that play. He gave up. Oh, on the, Khalil Shakir, he oh, 100% gave up he on that He absolutely gave up on that play, and I don't care what he says after the game. He says, I, I went for the interception. I went full force. I, I don't want to hear it from Sauce because Sauce, point, Sauce wants to hold on. Sauce wants to brag about, oh, we haven't given up a touchdown since week one against the Buffalo Bills, and then all of a sudden you give up one, and then you find a way to make excuses. There is no excuse. You made a bad play. You gave up on the play. You were jogging down the field. You probably would have stopped them. I I would make the argument I don't think it was a bad play, right? Because I would just look at the time in the game and look at the score – and you got to take a chance to get a turnover, and he took that chance and lost. Like that just that just happens. He had no chance. You, he had no chance of intercepting that ball. Right, but you still got to take the chance to try to get the ball. And so he he went under the plate and missed. Like that just it, it is what it is. But like he has to take that chance to try to get a turnover. Mm. 
I would have just right. tried to bat the ball out of the, you know, right. bat the ball. He he had a chance to bat the ball, but instead he tried to jump and, and try to under undergrade it or undertone it, whatever the hell it is. Uh, undercut it. Yeah, undercut it. That's even better. But I, 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 I'm honestly, I've seen enough of this team. I, I don't think they win another oh, game. This I, is just. I don't. Terrible. I don't think they win another game. I'm telling you right now, they're going to lose both games against Miami. They're going to lose against Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to kill them, okay, because they're, they're going to just run the ball. B. John Robinson's going to get the ball. He's going to be fed. The Jets have had problems on running backs that run on the outside that are fast. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. The Miami Dolphins are going to eat them up alive because they have two speed demons in the backfield, two really fast guys. So I, I, I told I, you about that Devin A. chain. Yeah, you did. It's a, a Chan. He doesn't want to be called a chain. By the way, I <laughs> we, don't give a shit. I'm just, just telling hey, you. We, had, what he we said. had a Miami Dolphins guy yeah. on the show that yeah. confirmed that. Yeah, so. he, he was complaining. Everybody, including <laughs> Look, him. Earl can pronounce everybody. There you go. I told you not to call me that. I told you not to call me that. Jeff, we actually have proof that a Miami Dolphins guy who writes for Sports Illustrated actually said that he, he told uh, uh, Alan Pupar's his name. He told a uh, Chan told him that it's a lady. He's, no, it's not. And yeah, it's Alain. It's because he's got the eyes. French Canadian. And Elaine we've Pupar. had him on the show twice. We know it's pro- how it's pronounced, Jeff. But he also said a Chan's <laughs> name has been pronounced wrong by several broadcasters in the past too. Don't care. He's a beast. <laughs> I agree. I'm not disputing that. Like, I tried to tell you. I tried Chan. to tell you there was more running backs in this draft. I liked him just, too. Just, I like. I like. I like the Chan too. I. I was just curious. I didn't know who he was. Do. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was just curious. I didn't watch enough. Him. I didn't watch enough of Texas A&M. But I'm sorry. Do you remember me telling you I had a list? Yeah, you of did. I do. You did. I know. I I know you watch a lot of college football. I I did. I did not watch Texas A and M, so I, I I don't know anything about him. I I do know who their coach is. I can't stand him anymore. He's I, bought out. Oh, there you go. Well, thank God. I, I Jimbo. I mean, seriously. But they, yeah, but I'm having a great time. You know, dude, I gotta turn you on to this this thing I found on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It is a phenomenal watch. What right? is it? It's New Yorkers, and they watch the Jets, right? The channel is called the New York Jokes. And I'm telling you, these guys are the biggest Jets fans, and all they do is sit there and whine and cry and scream. I don't want to watch it. Like the Jets. Dude, it's hilarious. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I I, I do enough of it. If they actually – if you actually – I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch Black Friday. I'm going to record myself. I'm going to record oh, myself dude, watching the whole game. Show to other oh my god! Oh my god! That is what the world needs. Um, I, 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 I'm going to. You guys will be on the floor. I, I was on the boat. I was at. Uh, we, we went on. Me and Brittany went away for a couple of days. We were there with the Kansas City Chiefs, and we watched. Uh, well, the Jets got robbed in that game. Whatever. And I'm standing. I'm standing there in the fourth quarter, and I'm standing there, and everybody's like, st- like they're watching the game, they're drinking, they're getting drunk. Somebody's playing the piano, playing some James Brown tunes and stuff like that. And I'm standing there, and 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 in the fourth quarter, everything that could have happened happened. And I told the guy that was singing the James Brown, "Could you stop playing that garbage? I'm watching a damn football game." He looked at me. He says, "You don't like it? Go in the other room." And I'm screaming at the TV. I'm throwing things at the TV. The, the security was watching me. They were afraid I was going to blow up and do something stupid. By the end of the game, I said, "I told Brittany, I was like, I don't even want to go out tonight. I, I just want to go up to my room and close my eyes and forget that I watched that godforsaken game." So. I mean, it, it was horrible. It, it, everybody was laughing at me. They thought it was funny. 
but it, it just it just shows it, it just shows you the garbage that you watch every single year. It is garbage, and I don't want to hear from Robert Sala. Robert Sala has no excuse anymore. There is none. He, he but made, his defense is really good. No, Come on. I don't. I call it Jeff Olbrich, and I think Olbrich's going to get a job at the end of the season. I think he's going to be gone. I think he's got your job. I think somebody's going to hire him. Anybody that hires any coach off this Jet staff should be immediately fired. No, I think Olbrich's going to be a good coach in this league. I really do. And I think Wink Martindale's going to get a chance, too, one way or another. He's a little bit older. I, I, Olbrich is still young, and I, I think somebody's going to give him a shot. But I, Wink Martindale deserves another interview because I think he's done a great job, phenomenal job on a defense that honestly is not really that good. So, and it, and it also bothers me a little bit that you're like the referees robbed the Jets in that Kansas City Chiefs game. They did. Because, no, oh, okay. They did. You're also – okay. They did. It was a terrible, it was a terrible call. They did, Jeff. Okay, all right. You're also ignoring mm. the fact that the Jets got a gift oh. horse collar call that mm. led to a touchdown. Mm. So if we're erasing calls, let's erase the call on third. And how many times? How many times did we see Kansas City holding Johnson in the game, holding Quinn Williams in the game? Are you kidding me? They didn't call nothing. All they cared about is Taylor Swift. Well, they, they did so they care. Oh look, they it's a Swifty. Oh. They, they called. They called. A horse collar on the Chiefs that wasn't Stop. a horse collar and it led to a touchdown. Stop. First down that led to a touchdown. So, like, like it, it's one of those things that, like, you Jeff, can't you with. hate the Jets. It, it, it's, I understand. Hold it. on, hold them. on, hold on, hold on. I, first of all, I hate New Yorkers. You're all troglodytes. Uh, but I haven't said anything that isn't true tonight. I said, let's be civilized, and I've made several good points about the defense. And I've even made, and I've made several good points. You won't give me any credit for what I said. It's the <laughs> offense's fault. They're tired at the end of the game. Uh, well. Right? Like, I haven't said anything slanderous or any speedy. Have I? Have I said anything outrageous? Uh, outrageous, no. You just slander Zach Wilson, which is justified. Anyways. Well, I, haven't, I haven't slandered Zach Wilson. I said I don't believe in guys that only start. How about uh, slander? Listen, you can call back uh, if you want later. Uh, I, we appreciate you. If you don't, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, okay? Yes, thank you. Happy Earl's giving to everybody. Goodbye. Happy thank Thanksgiving, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus, man. He can't for once. Can't for once just be a normal person. He's got to be stupid. He really does. That's, that's, that, that, that again, when Kenny calls, is he ever a normal person either? No. <laughs> I mean, obviously not. I mean, but I like Kenny. At least Kenny, he shows some personality. In his conversation, and, and I give him a lot of credit going to school. I mean, Kenny's a little bit older; he's in his forties, uh, going back to school to learn a little bit about the business that he wants to get into. I give him a lot of credit. I do. He can come and work for us, and I can teach him just as much as he would learn with Dan Patrick. I mean, well, Dan Patrick's not going to be there; he's not going to learn from Danny. But uh, his guys are there, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know much about it, but Adam Scheffner reports. That the Jets are expected to pursue Devontae Adams this offseason. The Jets were reportedly very interested in, in a deal with the Raiders for Devontae Adams at the trade deadline, but fell, well, fell short on that. Adams has been frustrated at Josh, uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler in the past, and both guys were fired three weeks ago. With Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, Adams had... Um, 669 receptions, 8,121 yards, and 73 touchdowns. Adams has had three seasons over 1,300 yards and five seasons over double-digit touchdowns with Rodgers. Rodgers has two more years left on his restructured contract with the Jets, set to make over $75 million in those two years. So, And he will restructure that. 
I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers will restructure that if they can bring Devontae Adams in. There's no question that he will. And Devontae Adams will restructure his deal because they want to win a Super Bowl. And if they can match him up with Garrett Wilson, but here's the thing. Devontae is going to be 31 years old next year. There's no way that I believe the Raiders are going to get a first-round draft pick for him. Maybe a swap. Maybe. That could make sense that the Jets would swap him if they have a higher pick than the Raiders. That could happen. I don't see it happening. I I see a third this year and a second next year. That would probably land Devontae Adams. He has two years. I think he has two years or three years left on three years left on a contract. The Jets are going to have to pick up that contract. Uh, so that will be significant. Even if he restructured it, restructures it, the Jets are going to have to pick up at least $20 million a year on that contract. So that's a significant um, amount of money that the Jets are going to have to pick up. So there's a lot of questions with this. I, if I were the Jets, I'd draft a wide receiver in the first round. That's what I would do. A neighbor will be there. If the Jets are drafting in top 10, they can get neighbor from LSU. You put them on the other side with Garrett Wilson. You have two youngsters that are going to be there for many, many years to come. But here's the thing. We don't know what neighbor is going to be in, in the NFL. We know what Devontae Adams is with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is going to push the Jets to pursue it. That's what they're going to do. Aaron Rodgers coming back. He is playing two years. He's come out. Numerous amount of times on the Pat McAfee show when when Pat McAfee said, are you going to play next year? He says, absolutely. How about the year after? He says, I I made a promise to the Jets that I'm going to be there until my contract is up, which means he has two years left. So he will be there for two years. I just think that if the Jets fall into the top ten, do they draft a quarterback? Do they have somebody sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for the next two years to learn the offense, to understand how to run an offense if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? That's something that the Jets are going to have to make a decision. Or do the Jets, if they do trade a third this year, they don't have a second and a third. Do they trade down and they get more picks for that first-round draft pick? If they if they have a top 10 and somebody wants a quarterback, you trade out of that pick, you get a late first round, and you get a second round, and then you could start rebuilding that way. So I, I think that could be a Joe Douglas move too and still get two really good players in the first and second round. I just... I, I question the whole Devontae Adams thing because we, we've seen this before. The Jets have bring veteran quarterbacks, Antonio Holmes, in. Uh, it didn't work. It worked for one year. They extended him. They gave him an extension of three or four years. It didn't work out. They brought in uh, Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards was a good wide receiver for the Jets for two years. They extended him. It didn't work out with the extension. I could go on and on and on of all the wide receivers the Jets have brought in over the years, and it just it never was worth the money that they invested. If you look at Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is 31. The Jets have to have – they have to at least pay him for those two years before the dead cap opens up or, or, or lowers. So you're going to have to give Devontae Adams $20 million, or it, maybe if he takes an $8 million pay cut, and then they're going to have to give him another $20 million the year after, or $21 million if he takes a pay cut. And then the final year – you you can drop them, but that's dead cap space that the Jets are going to have to pay. So there's a lot of questions with this. I, I don't know if it makes sense, but again, it's the Jets if they're trying to win. And if Robert Sala does come back, they're going to go all in on this next year. But going all in, is that going to be enough to get them over the hump, get them in the playoffs and be uh, efficient enough to be competitive? Because their schedule next year is still going to be 
really hard. I think they match up against the North. AFC South. Is it the South? Yeah, AFC South. It depends on where they finish, too. Because remember, if the Jets still finish... Is it the South? It's the South next year. You sure it's not the North? No, it was the North last year. So it would be the South this year. Okay. And they play either third or last place, whoever they play, depending on where they stack up with the Patriots. Uh They'll play the third-place team in the AFC North and the third-place team in the AFC West. What do they play in the NFC? So the NFC, I believe it's the West next year. It's going to be hard. So, yeah, that's going to be hard, especially if the Cardinals do get a, a, another top talent, too. That could be hard. Too. They're going to get a top wide receiver. Yeah. They're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two, and they're going to have Kyla Murray there, and they're going to be explosive. Mm-hmm. And then Seattle's explosive. The Rams will be pretty good next year. The Rams, even losing Stafford, they could still draft a quarterback, too. And yeah. could, that could be interesting. The 49ers are going to be good again. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I, I, I will say that. They have a chance against the South because, but not not really because I think the Colts will be better next year because I'll have Richardson back. The Texans, CJ Stroud, he's the real deal, and the Jaguars and the Titans. I think Will Levis is the real deal too. I think I think they that's a good division. So for a division that everybody looked at as a joke of a division is is becoming a better and more efficient uh, division over the last couple of weeks that we've seen so yep. far. Yeah, great quarterback play we've seen from Richardson when he was healthy, too. And obviously we're seeing now from Stroud. Yep. And Lawrence, we know he's capable of it. He's just got to get back to that form. I don't know what's going on with yeah, Trevor Lawrence. I still think he can find a way. He was a second-half quarterback last year. But still, like that's the upside of that division is definitely there. But going back to Devontae Adams, definitely a weird scenario because mm-hmm. the Raiders, most of what he did not like with the Raiders were dealing with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Mm-hmm. Now, the Derek Carr situation made it worse, obviously, benching him at the end of the year and then letting him go to the Saints. And the Raiders still have a big unknown at quarterback with what they're going to be able to do. Now, they're going to have a middle-round, first-round pick probably unless they lose out the rest of their games too. So it might be harder for them to get a quarterback. Do they make a trade for one of these other guys that could become available, like a Justin Fields or something like that? Maybe, but... It's, it's not going to be enough to be able to keep Devontae Adams there if they can't get a quarterback. And they're not a quarterback away either. So it's interesting to say because he does want to stay in the city of Las Vegas. Does he's he not stay staying. The team? There's no way he's staying there. And I'm telling you right now, I, and I'm, I'm saying this very, very nicely for all the people that like what's going on right now with Vegas. They're not keeping the coaching staff. I don't think they will either. They should. Jim but, Harbaugh yeah. is definitely going to be out there. And, and if he becomes available, which he probably will because he is going to be suspended for half the season next year. I believe that. There's no way Michigan is – he's going to come back to Michigan. He's going to want to coach. He was looking at jobs last year. He, he obviously went out there and talked to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. He is going to talk to other teams if, if the right job opens up. And why not? The Raiders will probably give him ownership. I mean, seriously, yeah, why, why wouldn't not? they? I mean, Tom Brady's buying into ownership. Why wouldn't Jim Harbaugh get bought in as an owner of that team? So I, basically what you're saying is Caleb, uh, the, the Raiders are going to trade their entire future for Caleb Williams just so he can have ownership, too. I don't know about that. <laughs> I that was a joke. I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But I, I could see the Raiders absolutely drafting a quarterback. McCart- McCarty is definitely yeah. a guy that could be available. He coached him over there with Michigan, and if it's his offense, why not bring in a young quarterback that knows his offense? That makes a lot of sense, and I don't know where the Raiders draft, but McCarty's going to fall probably closer to the late teens, early 20s, and he will be available, and if if a team wants him, he's efficient, and and who knows what he could, he could be the best quarterback in this class. Who knows what he's going to, he did get coached by a quarterback that was very successful in the NFL, and Jim Harbaugh. He was a a successful quarterback. He wasn't a, a superstar quarterback, but he was a good, efficient quarterback in the NFL. So, and that's the other thing that makes the situation tricky 
with Devontae Adams is, are they going to trust that the Raiders are going to make that kind of move to get a quarterback that he yeah. wants, too? Because yeah. J.J. McCarthy, if Harbaugh goes over there, I still have my doubts on. I don't think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback, but regardless Why? of who they get. What, what, what do you see that doesn't make I think him a his good game, quarterback? I, I think his game is very basic. He I has a good arm. He can stand in the pocket and make every single throw. Right. I think his game is suitable. That's Joe Burrow, right? I think I'm not ga- saying he's Joe Burrow, yeah, but I he's think, efficient. I think Burrow is better intermediate throws. I think Burrow is better worth rolling out. His game seems very basic to me, but nevertheless, Devontae Adams I, it has to be a quarterback that's going to be able to keep him there in order to stay there because the Raiders are not just a quarterback away either, and how good of a connection he'll have with Jim Harbaugh or whatever other coach they bring in is another question. Now, from the Jets' perspective, mm-hmm. the Jets need a lot on the offensive line, probably losing Mekhi Becton this offseason, and they're going to lose a lot of the veteran guys that they have there. You can't trust Elijah Vera Tucker to stay healthy, and can you trust enough of those guys in what is a transformation of a, a different, not different scheme, because Nathaniel Hackett will still be there, but playing with Aaron Rodgers too to be able to say, all right, can we we can roll out this mostly same group of the offensive line because we talk about it with our guests all the time. Offensive line is a team unit. You can sign one big guy. It doesn't mean it's going to go good overnight. <laughs> Here's what I would do. Elijah Vera Tucker is your starting right tackle next year, no matter what. Tipman is your starting center. If you draft an offensive lineman in the first round, which they could, I, I wouldn't. Um, I, bring in, I bring in a veteran left tackle. I, I would go after a guy that is – Still fairly middle age. You can get him at 30, 31 years old. He's not a superstar tackle, but he's a good tackle. And then you can build in the later rounds for the guard positions. You can you can draft a guard here and draft a guard there. Max Mitchell could be a good guard if you get the right guard for the left side of the ball. So I, he could be good on the right side with Elijah Vera Tucker. So maybe go after one guard in the later rounds, a good, a good guard, because the interior you could find him in the later rounds. So... I I still think that the Jets could still go after a quarterback, still go after a wide receiver in a first round if if somebody falls of their liking. I, I just – you don't want to make a mistake in the first round this year. I think Will McDonald's going to be a big piece of the Jets' defense next year. I really do. And when we have seen him out there for the little bit we have seen him, he's been pretty efficient coming off the edge. The only problem here is everybody keeps saying, why is he on the field? Did we see Johnson on the field a lot last year? He was only there on third downs. And now look how, how efficient Johnson has been this year. I think Johnson's going to be a star in this league. Mm-hmm. He's only played one full season. Right. Now, the thing is with the Jets, though, is that I also don't think they're one offensive lineman away either. And I think that's where, when you're lo- judging what to do with a priority first-round pick well, hold on one money. second. Well, hold on one second. The, what are the three most important positions on the offensive line? Right tackle, left tackle, and center. If the Jets bring in a veteran left tackle, I'm, I'm Mekhi Becton's done. I'm done with him, okay? We're done. If you can bring in a tackle, uh, you want to bring Batiari in, but he's not the only guy. You have to bring in yeah. another guy to play behind him that you know that is going to be efficient. Not Brown. Get rid of him. No more him. Bring in Batiari because he knows the offense. He knows Nathaniel Hackett. He knows Aaron Rodgers. You want to bring him, you bring him up on a cheap contract, you can do that. Batiari's what, 32 years old? Bring him in. But you got to bring somebody else in to play behind him just in case. And then you build through that. You get two guards. That's that's all they need, really. You could bring in veteran guys that'll play behind them. Uh, Schweitzer, he was playing well before he got hurt. Uh, you bring Schweitzer back to be a guard, uh, or not as a starting guard, but a, a back a backup center guard that could play right behind Tittman. You still have pieces. You could still you know bunch them together. The problem with the Jets is it, when Brown fell in the first game. 
and then all of a sudden you had to switch it around, and then you move Makai Becton to the left tackle position when he was playing right tackle all through the preseason. It made no sense for the Jets. And then you move Elijah Vera Tucker to the right tackle position. He looked great, but he didn't play the position. And the way he hurt himself, the way he tore his Achilles, he positioned his body wrong, and 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 the uh, the defensive lineman fell on top of his. His his ankle, which twisted his ankle, which took his Achilles. So he wasn't playing at that natural position all summer. If you start him at the right tackle position, he'll be able to position himself and get ready for the season to be ready for that position. I think the Jets may really planned this all wrong on the offensive offensive line of the ball. And also, what did they do with this? They bring Izzy back. Izzy comes back from his injury. Why didn't he touch the ball? Why didn't he touch the ball? I, I watched him in the preseason. This kid is explosive. I, we have Bilal Powell on. He knows who Izzy is. He, he reminds me. Izzy, Izzy reminds me of a young Bilal Powell, a guy that can find inside, find outside, do things that other Jet guys can't do. He's small, he's fast, and he can find his way in. Why did they draft him if they're not going to use him? I understand they're trying to get Dalvin Cook involved. Dalvin Cook is done. He's done. He's washed. I don't think he'll ever start in the NFL again. He'll be a backup running back. That's what happens. We've seen this before. Dalvin Cook is no longer Dalvin Cook. It's amazing after one year and not play, you know, one year after he goes to the Jets and doesn't have a preseason, didn't have much of an offseason, that he is done. He's he looks like he's washed. Mm-hmm. And it just it just shows you too that Aaron Rodgers really needs to elevate a lot of these other weapons to make this Jets offense work, no matter how what combination they're going to be doing it. And that's why I think they definitely have to invest more in quantity with the offensive line too. Now that could come with more money, like you're saying, if they go after yeah. a veteran tackle, they could definitely stack that up and maybe draft some interior after that. But that's why the that's why this Devontae Adams situation is tricky too, because because then you're going to be taking on a lot of money with the wide receivers. Yes, I think if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are reunited together, they will restructure their deals to play with each other again. I'm no not, question. I'm not doubting that. Yeah. But I think the process of what the Jets are going to have to go through is a lot easier to be able to trust Aaron Rodgers to make the rest of those receivers good rather than make the rest of the offensive line good, which I think is a lot tougher to trust with a new scheme all at once and new pieces all at once. It's going to be very hard to do that with offensive That's line. That's why they're going to bring in Batiari. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to bring in a veteran left tackle that can teach the line. He's he's a guy that he's one of Aaron Rodgers' biggest you know supporters, as we know. And 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 they're going to bring all these ex. If I'm telling you, if Jones gets dropped, that's will bring Jones in. I I I could see it happening. I don't want it. I want to see Brees Hall as right. the if, if the lead back, and it's Izzy to be out there and do what he is good at and, and get him more involved in the offense. Dalvin Cook, he can't be on this team. He can't be on this roster next right. year. There's there's a lot of questions on what we have seen so far with this team and how they're running their offense. It doesn't make any sense. And Nathaniel Hackett should be ashamed of himself because as good as uh, as an offensive coordinator he's been in the past with Blake Bortles, and I'm not saying Zach Wilson's anywhere close to Blake Bortles because <laughs> he's not. I mean, Blake Bortles was a horrible quarterback, and yep. he took that team all the way to the AFC title game. I, Zach Wilson couldn't take a, a peewee football team to a playoff game, okay? He's that bad. I mean, Derek, who's a tight end, uh, who was a, a semi-pro tight end, I, I think Derek would be a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. I mean, seriously. I don't even throw a football, and I was a good wide receiver and quarterback. I, I'd probably be better quarterback and efficient more enough. Hey, listen, you're standing in the pocket. How do you not? There's green, there's green jerseys all over the place. How do you not see 
and scope out the field. Look one way, look the other way, look the other way. Scope one guy that's open and throw, them, throw him the ball. You have a good arm. It doesn't make any sense. Every single time he was looking at one player, one side of the field. It didn't make any sense. And, and you're, you're telling me this guy watches film? This guy doesn't watch film. The only film he's watching is pornos. Okay? Who's, he watching, who's he watching film with? Kyler Murray? He's probably watching <laughs> it with his mother's best friend. Oh, yeah. So, now, now, before we get to Let's Parlay, I just want to mention that. If you're Hopefully really, he's not looking at, uh, you know, play, you, do, Playboy magazines, oh, not Playgirl. <laughs> I mean, Playgirl magazines. That's what it is. Now, now do we really, Playgirl magazines. Do you really, want to try, <laughs> do you really want to trust Derek to be the Jets starting quarterback when Derek is known as the Jets jinx? Yeah, he's the Jets killer. That's what we call him. <laughs> he, every time he picks the Jets, the Jets lose. It, it's, it's a fact. I yep. mean... Uh, Whatever Derek says about the Jets game, usually take the opposite. Well, I tell you what, I, I was right about the Eagles, was I not? Yeah, you I, were. No, you said that all year. This, this will be the first time. I'm going to tell you this right now. If the Eagles keep playing the way they are and they get healthy like this, I'm not a big fan of their coach because I, I don't like his little flying on the sidelines. But the Eagles are as good as any football team right now in the NFL. If their defense can get back in form, they will be the They're best They're good. Team, yeah. <laughs> and Swift ran the ball very well yeah. yesterday. They can run the ball. Jalen Hurts is finally you know, starting to play like Jalen Hurts last I, I love what I see so far. But when we come back, we are going to have Derek, World Wide West, with his Canadian flag behind him, as always, yep. the CFL, the mania of himself. That's right. It's Montreal Alouettes yeah, winning it all. That's right. When we come back, let's parlay here on the Sports Live Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouth. What is this? <laughs> I remember this track, by the way. This is for Wes, okay? Thanksgiving Wes. 631-672. What is he drinking over there? I don't Looks like he's drinking some beer. Anyways, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to a website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We have Game On, which airs every single Friday. Uh, we have a bunch of shows. And, uh, yes, World Wide West and his great betting show every single Saturday morning with Chaz the Mania uh, as he's in Brazil hanging out with some bikini ladies or hopefully not being eaten by a piranha or something like that. Could you imagine him come back and he says he gets bitten by a piranha? I could see him doing that. Anyways, uh, Chaz has stories after stories. But uh, anyways, uh, before we introduce our guys, I want to give a shout out to our social media guy, a guy that's going to be a part of our show moving forward very, very soon is Tommy. Uh, he's doing a great job on our social media. If you haven't checked out the Worldwide Sports Radio social media well then you're not you're missing it twitter is is being posted every single i would say every single two hours he's posting something even on my twitter uh at errol marks 34 he posts up all the different stories every single thing that's going on in sports right now games everything processes of everything even robert Sala, you know taking a crap he probably has posted up something about that but anyways thank you to tommy uh i'm going to figure out a nickname for tommy uh he's going to be doing our sports minute and he's going to be a part of our show moving forward so we're very excited to add him to a very good show. So I don't want to blow ourselves up. I mean, Derek could blow us up. As, uh, you know, somebody like Wes, Der Derek, the starting quarterback for the New York Jets eventually. Wes needs to take a shave, man. I, I think he's going to too many Ohio State games. Anyways. Uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we call this segment Let's Parlay. Parlay, Olay, Olay, Olay. 
It's time for Let's Parlay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our friend, as we all know him, Mr. Mountaineer himself. I call him the Mountaineer because uh, he's climbing the mountains, or he's in Boston enjoying himself. Uh, he's got a mountain over there, and uh, you know he's got a beautiful girlfriend. He's got a beautiful family. We know him as Derek Mountain. Derek, what's up, man? Feeling great after last night. That was mm-hmm. a uh, that was a good that was a good W for the Eagles. Is that why you're wearing green? Is that why you're wearing that green? Is. It's just... There it is. There it is. Always know. I'm always repping Arrow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, like it hasn't been pretty for them, but they're nine and one. I feel like they kind of haven't even put a full game together, but they got the best record in the league. So I can't, I can't complain too much. (laughs) I saw a tweet, Derek. uh, Eagles fans can have the be happy of having the best record in the league and still want to fire their offensive coordinator. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly how you feel when you watch the game. I mean, and and there was the report that Hurts audible at the line of scrimmage before that bomb to Devontae Smith, because I think he was just sick of running a screen every, <laughs> every damn play. I mean, it was, it was hard to watch, but they got it done. And, and the chiefs defense is really good. I mean, mm-hmm. give credit to them. That defense is legit, but um, yeah, they're just finding ways to win. That's, that's a good sign. Spags is going to get another job. I, I, I know somebody's going to yeah. offer him a job the way he's coaching this team, because he's got a bunch of young guys on this roster. They're starting to develop and he, He's been there for a while, and he's helped Andy Reid out. And, and you'll, you'll see it. Nagy's going to get another job eventually. It's going to take him a couple of years, but he, he'll get another job. I, I, I think I, I want to see Biennemi get a job, but, um, but I, I, I would agree with you. My second team is the Philadelphia Eagles. I love what I see with the Philadelphia. I love, I love Jalen Hurts. I, I absolutely love him. And I think he's going to discover certain things that he discovered in the second half of the season last year. And I think things are going to start to – you know, it's going to start picking up offensively. I saw him on the side, AJ Brown on the sidelines. You know, him and him and AJ Brown. And you see Jalen Hurts. He is not. He's not going to attack. He he kind of sits back. He listens to everybody. You don't see him yelling at anybody on the sidelines. That's what I love about him. AJ Brown was really upset. He was upset. Uh, he threw that interception. He wanted him to throw him over the top. He threw it under, and that's because he didn't see anybody going under the ball. That was an absolute great defensive play. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, he still needs to figure things out. I think he will. Um, I, I still like this team. I think they're fun and they're exciting to watch. So I, I think you're right, Derek. I, I think we're, we haven't seen the best of the Philadelphia Eagles, not at all. Yeah, so. that, that, that's exactly how I feel. Um, and I feel I feel much better about Sean Desai calling the defense and Gannon last year. Um, I mean, they've been spectacular in the second half of games. Uh, the defense, you, you've seen it. The Cowboys game, they got some stops when they needed to in the end. The Rams game, they they struggled that first half, completely shut down Stafford. Cooper cut back in his first week back. Puka Nakua, last night they shut down the Chiefs. Um, so yeah, no, they've uh, that's that's what you want to see. These Gannon, uh, as we all know, wasn't wasn't making too many adjustments you last know, year, especially when it mattered most in the Super Bowl. You so, know what I watched? Uh, so, you know what I loved about well, the Eagles? I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Oh, I, I can't he's a Kansas City fan, so here we go. Well, no, I, I, Eagles are—they have the best record in the league. No question, they are their defense is fantastic. But you can't take credit for shutting down the Chiefs in the second half because this, the Chiefs have shut themselves down in the second half. <laughs> yeah, in the last no, three you're games. not wrong. I would argue 
I would argue that if they figured out a way to show up in the second half, they wouldn't have a loss on their record. Their <laughs> offense is, is just, it blows me away. you got a generational talent at quarterback on pace to become undisputedly the best ever. They can't find the end zone in the second half. Another thing that I saw the Eagles do very, very well, which I've been complaining about why the team, other teams are not doing it, is, is, is planning a spy on Travis Kelsey. Do not let Travis Kelsey get open. If Travis Kelsey doesn't get open, you win the game. You shut them down. Because then the other guys, the secondary guys, the Rices of the world, all these other guys, Nicole Hardman, they have to make a play. And they haven't made. Tony hasn't made a play. That's what the Eagles did. They shut down Travis. Travis Kelsey had a touchdown because they moved him in the slot. And and when you move a big man like that that has is very fast for a guy like that, you move him in the slot, it's very hard to stop him. And again, they still played it very, very well. Even when he had a touchdown, I, I wasn't worried about the Eagles because they had it. They had a great game plan. Shut Travis Kelsey down. You shut down this offense. And that's what's been going on right now. And, and I'm telling you, Kelsey is the, the secret here. They beat him up so good mm-hmm. that, I mean, they were all over him. And yep. they forced, they, I mean, they forced that turnover in the red zone when Kelsey fumbled. Yep. I mean, that wasn't a mistake Kelsey made. It, they took the ball from him. I mean, that was tremendous defense. They were all over him all game. Noah Gray was our focal point. And it was almost like the Chiefs were prepared for, for them to be all over Kelsey because they were, there was a point when they just kept throwing the ball to Noah Gray. Oh, I, I, it was a great defensive game plan. I just I question the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. I didn't like those screen passes. There were so many of them. I, I, there had to be like 20 screen passes by Jalen Hurts. You could, say, you could see him at the line of scrimmage calling, you know, when he's calling the audibles at the line of scrimmage. He was not happy about the play calling. And I'm going to tell you this right now. They could fire their offensive corner, no matter what their record is. If, if they don't figure it out, they can't go into the playoffs and expect to win like that against the San Francisco 49ers. They will eat them up alive defensively in those games if they play like that. No way. Is it possible, though? Is it possible, though? Because just in the you know, eight minutes we've you know, been having discussion, and you know, I was listening before, mm-hmm. before I jumped in, um, we're ta- you, you were talking about the Jets' mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. 100%. Um, I just completely threw the Chiefs' offense under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you now have some some things to say about improvement for the Eagles' offensive coordinator. Yep. Is it possible that the league is shifting to defense? No question. Because if you, because if you, and and it's it's this weird thing because Miami's the best de- the best offense in the league, although they can't do it against winning against teams with a winning record. I mean that's well documented. But they're the number four seed. The Chiefs are sitting at two. Baltimore sitting at one. Defense is what's winning it for them with mm-hmm. some some contributions from the offense. You look at San Francisco; that team leads with defense. So I, all these O coordinators, like the the farm, needs to be restocked with these O coordinators. I also think, and, and we're going to get, I know everybody is looking forward to hearing these guys' picks because they've been dead on. And I, I know, wait a second, guys. Except, except for last week when Anthony, Derek went 0-4. <laughs> Anthony Andreosi, it doesn't matter. Uh, Derek's been doing very, very well. His numbers are, are pretty good over the uh, last Derek, couple of weeks. Derek got robbed by one yard for receiver ice. He, he had 42 and a half. <laughs> one of those weeks. Yeah. 42. Happens, you know? I, I, will s- I will sit yeah. here, and I, I will sit here and, and, and go, and I look at what's going on in the NFL and offensively, 
and, and, and now defensive coordinators are figuring out how to play defense with these new rules. And it's starting to tra- – you're seeing all these uh, these corners get drafted, and there are a lot of good corners in the league now, and they're starting to dominate. If they can square off one-on-one on one side of the field, you can use those safeties and your blitz packages. You can use them as linebackers. You see the Giants doing it week by week. So it's working, and, and now these now it's all about – Draft the right corners. You find the right corners that can play the position, play one-on-one, you can dominate. Say whatever you want about the Jets. Why are the Jets so good defensively? They got the, the, the best corner in football. He didn't look good uh, against the Buffalo Bills uh, this past week, but they do. They have the number one corner in football. And when you can shut down a team on one side, ask Darrell Revis. He did it for years. Ask Deion Sanders. He did it for years. Ask anybody that's been a good corner in the league. If you could shut him down. And now... Dude, you can name 10 legitimate shutdown corners in the NFL, and it's different. Look at Kansas City. Look at the youngsters that they drafted. Nobody would have thought that any of these guys were going to turn out to be as good as they are. But in the Spagnola defense, the way he uses them, and he, he likes to bring them under under a lot of receivers, and in the way they set up their defense on rushing on in certain aspects, the nose tackles and everything like that. They move. How many times do they move Chan, uh, Jones? Chris Jones on one side of the field, then they move him inside. Aaron Donald's been doing it for years, and now and you look what Miami, Jalen Ramsey comes back, and look at their defense. Look how great their defense has played over the last couple of weeks. It's different. So shutdown corners can change everything, and we're seeing that week week in and week out. It's been it's been unbelievable. It really has been fun to watch. All right, boys, are you guys ready? So you guys know the trade here. Wes, you're going to go first. Derek, you're going to go second. We're going to go back and forth. Four picks as your fourth pick, your parlay. Let's do it. Speedy, you ready? Let's go. So, I typically avoid Thanksgiving, and you guys know I avoid NFC East matchups, so I'm not giving any Thanksgiving plays. Um, I think that you should enjoy the day with the family. Go put $1 at a DraftKings and, and attempt to win a million dollars and leave it be. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go to college first, and, and these games are in no particular order, uh, time and day. But uh, I'm going to Oregon, and this spread's been all over the place. It opened at, at it, it was at 14. Uh, I caught it at 12 and a half. I think it's back up to 13 and a half. So there's there's a lot of discrepancy in terms of who wants to bet it where because there there was activity on taking points at the 14, and then it just sniffed 12 and a half and. A lot of money went into it and drove it back up to 13. But I'm in it at 12 and a half. I think Oregon's the best team in the country. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I There's a lot of controversy around who the best team in the country is. Oregon had Washington beat. That coach got cocky for one moment and went for it on a fourth and short on their end of the field. And that's what cost them. If Oregon would have beat Washington, we're talking about them completely different. They, in their wins... There's only been two wins that are under 20, and most of them are flirting with a 30-point margin of victory. Um, It's going to be very difficult for them to get into the playoffs as a one-win conference champion just because of what they're going to have to deal with. There is an SEC bias. And I think that the big disaster is, you know, what happens when, and this is probably a different rabbit hole, but what happens when Bama beats Georgia? Does Bama and Texas get in? You can't leave the SEC champion out. Did Georgia go out? So I think that controversy is going to is gonna really work against Oregon. They need to win. They need to win big. And I think that this 12 and a half points is a gift. I think they're going to smoke um, Washington State. Um, sorry, they're going to smoke Oregon State. And then I think that they're going to convincingly win uh, against Washington. 
Wow. They, they, they make it to the Final Four? I don't know that they do because there's so many outside factors. I think that that first Washington matchup is really what hurt them. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that the way they're playing, the way that I think that I think that Bo Nix is playing better than any quarterback in the country. There's arguments to be built, but I put him one. Um, we saw what happened to Caleb Williams when pressure got put on him and they started to see some real defenses. So uh, you got to throw him out the window. Uh, but I, I, I believe that Oregon is the best team in the country. They, they haven't had a lot of close wins. The Pac-12 has had a lot of, um, I'm sorry, they, they just haven't been close in mm. a lot of games. So Interesting. I don't know how they get in, but I love laying 12 and a half this week. Okay. All right, Derek, give us your first draw. Well, sir, you're, you're a better man than me. I, I got two Thanksgiving plays out of the four, but I'm going to go to NBA first tonight. I think uh, I can count on maybe one hand. NBA plays I've given on this show. Um, <laughs> usually I stick to other sports because I think there, there are just so many factors in the NBA. You just got to worry about load management. You see guys that are they're probable all day. They're not an injury report. Then they're out last minute and it, and it ruins the entire game. But to give credit to Adam Silver, I think, I think he's kind of uh, he's helped with the 65 game threshold parameter, the in-season tournaments a little goofy, but it seems like stars are playing a lot more. You still have situational spots where you know, a team plays in a back-to-back. If it's a blowout, then guys don't play, and it kind of screws up the script. Player props, uh, spreads, total stuff like that, so it's tough. But nevertheless, I'm going to give an NBA play. I'm going with Keontae George over six-and-a-half assists tonight in the Jazz-Lakers game. Um, There's a guy I loved at Baylor. Five-star recruit, comes in at Baylor last year, plays really well. He's hurt a little bit, went 15 or 16 to the Jazz. He's been the starting lineup the last five as that point guard um, alongside Townhorn Tucker. Um, and he's been a low-perfect distributor, uh, which is why I like this assist total. He's surrounded by a lot of guys that can shoot the ball, guys that can score around the rim, like Laurie Markinen, John Collins, Jordan Clarkson. Um, he's been kind of that ball creator for this team. Um, in his last five, he has averaged over 30 minutes per game. He has hit this prop at four of his last five, and now he gets a really nice matchup. He's going against D'Angelo Russell. Um, D'Angelo Russell is not known for his defense. He just gave up 16 assists the other night to Fred Van Vliet with the Rockets. Um, so I, I still think there's some value here in this spot with George. Um, we've seen him hit double-digit assists twice already this year as rookie year, so over six and a half, I really like tonight. Interesting. Interesting. So Derek has his pick. All right. Wes, give us your second draw. You know, I am going to stay with college. Um, and, and I'm going to I'm going to lay the six and a half on Florida State. I don't even care about the, the quarterback. Uh, Rotomaker is not a bad quarterback. Um, he, he very easily could be a starter somewhere else. Uh, they're going against Florida. Um, Florida State still has an incredible defense. And I think in a scenario like this, you could call it a trap. If Jordan Travis was playing, you would call this a trap game. I think you'd be looking at a different number. But just because they have the they have the conference championship next week, that's mm-hmm. clinched. But they need they need the win. That's for sure. If they're going to stay alive in the in the playoff race, but they also need to get this quarterback some reps. So their defense is going to win this game for them. Their need for quarterback reps and to work the run game and rework the identity against a really weak Florida team. And I think it's questionable whether or not this team even cares about that coach's job, um, which is sad because Florida's a great program. They just can't figure out the right coach. I, I, I mean, it, 
the country is better when Florida is, is no question. Mm-hmm. But but nonetheless, um, at least somebody to challenge Georgia. You know, just get another team other than Tennessee. I mean, at least Missouri. <laughs> but uh, but I six and a half is a touchdown, and and I'm gonna lay it. I think their run game is gonna get it done. I think Roadmaker's probably gonna get two, possibly three touchdowns, and and he's he's got a pair of legs on him. So they they are not completely back to zero and this this you know statue of a quarterback that can't do anything this is a legitimate quarterback that would probably start in in d1 if not for one of the best quarterbacks in the country ahead of him so i'm laying six and a half i'm taking florida state in the swamp interesting very interesting i'm, I'm a florida state fan so i love it i love it hopefully we see florida state in the final four i don't know what if it's going to make a difference i I still think well, Georgia. I don't see how they get left out yeah. as an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. Right. Mm. I love this. Oh, look at this. It's good, baby, baby. You know this, Derek. You know it. Wes, you know it, too. All right, Derek, give us your second draw. All right. I'm going to game one of the Thanksgiving slate. Green Bay at Detroit. I'm going Jameer Gibbs over 78 and a half rushing and receiving yards. So total yards, scrimmage yards. Um, this is one where I, I'm always wary of betting on these receiving and, and rushing threats. So think of guys like Aaron Jones, Jalen Warren, uh, Rashad White, those kinds of guys. When, when you're maybe betting on one of those receiving or rushing and maybe the, the script goes the other way and they have a dominant game from rushing. So this kind of covers our backs here. Um, I'm just going to take him to get at least 79 yard scrimmage yards in this game. It's a really nice matchup. Uh, Green Bay's bottom 10 and rushing success, rushing success rate, rushing EPA per play. Um, they're not known to stop the run and Gibbs has got it going. I still think there is room to go in terms of this number for the sports books to catch up. I still think people are a little wary of David Montgomery, but Gibbs has played in 58 and 56% of snaps in the mm. last two games, even with Montgomery back. Um, Jameer Gibbs is here. I, I think people were really frustrated, fantasy guys, gambling guys, the first month of first month of the year, first six weeks of the year, seeing the role that Monty had at the beginning of the year. And it's still a, a prominent role. He scored the last two the last two weeks, but this is a true two-headed monster. This is maybe the best backfield in football and, and gives us a huge part of their offense. Um, in his last four, his lowest rushing total in that last four is 35 yards. Wow. His lowest receiving total is 36 yards. Those didn't come in the same game. He has hit this prop in four straight. Um, I just think he's too big a part of this offense. Um, he, he, he's going to be dialed up for his 13, 14, 15 touches moving forward. And, and this is a great matchup. We're in a dome. So you don't have to worry about any weather factors for this game. Um, so give me Jameer Gibbs to hit at least 79 scrimmage yards Interesting. on Thanksgiving. That's a good one. I like that one. All right, Wes, give us your third. I'm going to jump to the NFL. Uh, for this one, and and I'm gonna lay three points, and I'm picking Philadelphia. We, we see Buffalo is good, Josh, bad, Josh, and we're coming off of a good Josh beating up a division opponent that you you were talking about it earlier. <laughs> they just can't score points, so I mean they're 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 just a mess. That's Buffalo did what they were supposed to do against the Jets, but that won't happen against the Eagles. And Josh Allen is gonna take the field trying to keep that momentum going from 
what happened against the Jets and it will not happen against the Eagles. I listened to some of those players post game with the Eagles and they are pissed. They did not play a good football game. At least they don't. They did not play to their standard. If you listen to Jalen Hurts, that is not the game that they wanted to be playing. They didn't want to be in the position that they were in. They didn't want to have to come from behind. Um, they're going to be at home um, midday. So in the second half, it's going to be dark outside. Um, Josh Allen probably will have committed a turnover in the first half. Um, the, the Buffalo rush uh, defense is not, it's just very not good. And we saw what Swift can do. Jalen Hurts did not use his legs anywhere near the amount of time he's capable of it. And and he has this weird thing where he, he can rush, he can run for 80 yards in a game and only pass for, you know, 120 and that gets it done. It's enough to really annoy the defense. Um, and, and, you know, the Eagles last night, they won a game, you know, against an incredible team. Yep. You have Mahomes and Kelsey commit turnovers. And, and that put them in a really good position to win. Now, they had to jump on that. You're going to get a lot more of those opportunities against against Buffalo. And, and I just, I really like Philadelphia in this spot. They're going to be a very pissed off team going against Buffalo. It's crazy. <laughs> they're 9-1 and one and they're pissed off. <laughs> they're not happy with the way that they played. I mean, they... they I know, I know. I just think team. it's funny. I just, it's, hey, I'm pissed off. I'm nine and one. I just beat, I just beat the Super Bowl champions in Kansas City. I'm pissed off. Yeah. Wes, I don't know if you heard this before when you cut out of the feed for a second, but I was joking with Derek. I saw a tweet. Uh, the the Eagles, the Eagles fans could be happy that they're nine and one, have the best record in the NFL, and still want their offensive coordinator fired. <laughs> yeah, they, and and it's it's amazing, but I don't. The, the defense is getting things done. Offenses today just need to not mess it up and don't make a mistake. And the Eagles are not making the mistake. And then they got that, that, that brotherly shove thing that just can't be stopped. You got a quarterback that squats 700 pounds. You know what's so funny? Jason Kelsey said that on New Heights. They, they called it the brotherly shove. And now everybody's using that. It's not the quarterback sneak anymore. It's just, hey, it's the brotherly shove. That's what, they've been doing it for years. Now it's the brotherly shove. Give well, it to, course, I got to give Jason Kelsey a lot of credit. I mean, and by the way, by far the best center in football. There's no argument. By far the best center in football. And he's going to retire after this year. It's crazy. He already said that if win or lose this year, he's done. So he said that last year, but he said, I think he thought going into this year, they have a very good chance, same roster, younger defense, better, faster defense. They, they can win a Super Bowl this year. He just wants to win another one just like his brother, and he can go out on top. And I, I think they have a very good chance. They just need to figure out this offense a little bit more. I mean, they do that. This defense is for real. They're, they're going to get at you. This is Slay is fantastic. I mean, Brad Bradbury's good. I mean, they've got a great second. Slay, I, I'll tell you this right now. People forget how good Slay is, okay, because he can't stay healthy. But when he's on the field, that defense is a completely different defense. So, and you can see that. But anyways, Derek, give us your third draw. I'm going to the second Thanksgiving game. Uh, Cowboys at Commanders. I'm going with Dak Prescott over 267 <laughs> and a half passing yards. Um, I grabbed this one earlier today. Numbers jumped all the way up to 275 and a half, which I still like. Um I think it's a good idea to just fade this commander's defense, the secondary specifically, until further notice. I mean, they just made Tommy DeVito look like Dan Marino on Sunday. I mean, that was embarrassing. And 
I know you could think maybe it's a good time to buy into the Cowboys. Ten and a half point favorite. I mean, that, that that's really rich. I think you're kind of buying the Cowboys at their peak, the commanders at their lowest value. I, I'm not going to buy into that. Um, but even with the game script, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. The Cowboys blow out inferior teams, and they're not afraid to run up the score. I mean, we saw it two weeks ago against the Giants. C.D. Lance playing in the fourth quarter of a blowout game, chasing a record, uh, going for the third straight game of 10 catches, 150 yards, when they're up by 30-plus points. And McCarthy, those guys, they don't seem to care about load management and maybe protecting their starters. They're still going to throw the ball 40 times, even if this game's a blowout. Um, I will read off some alarming numbers of the commanders and the passing yardage that they have given up recently. So DeVito just threw for 246 this past week, Tommy DeVito. Um, before that, 369, 220, 279, 307, 282, and 319 yards. So Who was the 220, Atlanta? Home, they are. They have given up uh, six, this prop, six of the last seven, the 220, as you as you would maybe guess, Mac Jones and the Patriots. Okay. Not very surprising there. Um, but... Zach has hit this on his own, four of his last five. Like I said, even if this game is a blowout, like Vegas, Vegas is expecting with this 10.5-point spread, I, I'm not worried about it. Dallas is going to throw the ball 35, 40 times in this game. The Commanders are a really fast pace per play offense. They throw the ball a ton. They're not really a ball control offense like they were last year. So um, I love this number. I think even if you could grab this 275, 276 now, I still think it's a good bet. That confirms that Tommy DeVito is a better quarterback than Mac Jones. <laughs> better than Zach Wilson. <laughs> he blows Zach Wilson out of the out of the out of the water. I, I'm telling you, Zach Wilson. I, I looked up the numbers in three years. He's never thrown three touchdowns in a game ever, ever. Tommy DeVito did it in his second game. Well, that leads me to this, Wes. Uh, how many CFL quarterbacks could you think could take over for the Jets right now? Any one of them. Uh, you know, Cody Fajardo, Zach Calaris, <laughs> Vernon Adams Jr., I mean, Chad Kelly, uh, the starters. I mean, and, and the NFL could really take a page out of the CFL book because there was a point in the CFL season where almost every QB1, except for two, I think, were out or faced injury, and QB2 stepped in, and some of these teams did not miss a beat. And the NFL, <laughs> they've had to go through quite a bit of it this year. All right, Wes, give us your final pick of the night, so, your parlay, baby. Yeah, so I normally uh, I normally am more attracted to taking points, and I realize that the first three plays I gave out uh, you know, we're, we're taking favorites. You know, I gave a good hard look to Arkansas and taking the points at home, but I decided I'm not going to do that because Mizzou is just a really sound team. So uh, I'm actually going to take Air Force. I'm taking the six and a half points on Air Force at Boise State. Um, Boise is coming off of two games that they won and they were on the receiving end of five turnovers. Um, Air Force is always disciplined. They're very hard to game plan. Um, Air Force, Boise is a very terrible pass defense. And Air Force, out of the three military academies, they're not afraid to throw the ball. I know they're only averaging, you know, 80 yards a game passing, but they they will throw the football. And if they have success doing it, it wouldn't surprise me if they had seven to ten pass attempts and burn Boise at least once on it. Uh, we know how they run the ball. They're, they play incredible defense. This is an eight and two football team. Um, they probably will be ranked by the end of this week. They've been ranked at some point this year, but uh, I think Air Force is going to win this thing outright. I'm taking six and a half points going to the blue turf. 
<laughs> all right, that's West Parlay. Uh, all right, Derek, give us your final pick of the night. So we've been talking about how much offense has struggled this year. I feel like I've given out way more unders and overs uh, on this show. Um, I've Besides already given out week. two overs today, though, so I have to give an under. Um, because last week, I was I think I only gave overs. For you gave three overs, and then your Rasheed Rice prop. You know, Speedy likes yeah. to throw you to the wolves, man. He does. <laughs> he does. It is what it is. I can take it, Arrow. It's fine. Um, Tough crowd. Uh, so I have to throw in an under. I, I'm going to go with Will Levis under 224 and a half passing yards against the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. So I like Will Levis. I, I like what I've seen from him. I think the first two games, he really flashed a lot against uh, who was the first game he had four touchdown passes? Atlanta. Blank. Was it Atlanta? Mm hmm. Atlanta had four touchdown passes. Pittsburgh on that Thursday night, quick turnaround. He throws for 250 on a Mike Tomlin defense. I mean, really impressive stuff. Last two weeks, some clunkers in there against Jacksonville this past week and against Tampa Bay where they only scored six points. Um, I think there are environmental concerns more with Levis than anything. I, I think he's played well, but but that O-line is just so rough. They, they lost another O-lineman for the year this week. Um, Traylon Burks just hasn't produced when he's been on the field. DeAndre Hopkins and him have a little bit of a rapport, but they've cooled off the last two weeks. Um, it, it, this feels like a pretty high number for him, especially his last two weeks where he hasn't even eclipsed 200 yards. I think people are going to see the Carolina matchup on paper and go, oh, Carolina, they're, they're a bad team. They're the worst record in the league right now. They're a top five passing defense by efficiency this season. Dak only threw for 189 on them this, this last week. They, they've been horrible against the ground. And what does Tennessee want to do with Mike Vrabel and Derrick Henry? They are ground and pound unit. They're, they're not very good at it, but that's what they want to do. That's how they want to live. They're a four-point favorite going into this game. I, I don't have an opinion on the spread. I, I think that's pretty fair. But if you're just going by what Vegas thinks, how the market and Vegas think this game is going to play out, it, it's probably going to be an ugly one-possession game. It's a really low point total. I don't think there's a threat of Carolina – kind of running away with this one with how bad that offense is and will levis has to throw their way back in the game i think this is either going to be a one possession game either way or will levis is nursing the lead and handing the ball off to derrick henry 25 times um so if one of those scenarios plays out i think it's gonna be really hard for him to reach 225 passing yards so i'm going to take this under i'm gonna hope for a low scoring game in this one Wes, before we before we let you go and uh, wrap up this segment, uh, t talk about your Alouettes bet and uh, the beginning of the season. Like, how big was it? Well, I'll never share dollar amounts. I, I, okay. I don't. I, I just I, I speak in units. But um, you know, preseason it was. I mean, it was a, it was a unit, and then um, for the first three weeks of the season, you know, I did that thing where, <laughs> you know, I bet a, a a nickel of a unit. Um, parlayed you know with with other plays so alouettes cover the spread this week parlayed with the future and you know winnipeg covers the spread parlayed with the future and then i laid off it for a little while uh be because they they just didn't look good and cody got injured at one point and um it took him a minute on defense i mean austin mack has been great all year um another buckeye but ex-giants, um, I remember him. <laughs> he was briefly there. But when we when we got to the end of the season, I started to get the vibe uh, that I did last year with Toronto because 
the thing with the CFL, it's top heavy. There's three, the, the top three and four teams. We got to a place in September where Toronto had gone so long without playing meaningful football. You can't just turn that thing back on again. So I, I had this idea that they were going to beat Toronto. And, and with that idea comes, well, that means they're going to the Grey Cup. And they got a shot. And if they beat Toronto, it's probably going to be with some turnover. So September and October, I started hitting it again with nickel units, dime units, and just, you know, all kinds of parlays. When we got to the Grey Cup after they beat Toronto, I cashed half of it out. And, um, you know, some of those cash outs were five and six to one cash outs. So when I went into the game, um, I just started betting normal numbers with normal units, first half overs and things like that. It was, it was, it was a really good cash out. It was it was up there. It was top five for me wow. uh, financially. It, it's it's um, it's it's going to be closing costs on some real estate. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there he goes, Mr. Real Estate Man himself. Uh, but happy Thanksgiving to both of you guys, uh, to you and your families, uh, Derek, to you and your family, Wes, to you and your your newborn and your wife. I mean. I'm sure you're going to enjoy your, and eat a lot of turkey. Hopefully you don't fall asleep. And don't smoke from 7 to 7 like Kenny. Okay? <laughs> don't try that, okay? I mean, Kenny was uh, OG or OJ Kush. Uh, 7 to 7, he wanted to see if he was going to pass out. He stayed up. So I said, Kenny, maybe you should try smoking and drinking from 7 to 7. He says, oh, I can't drink like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Kenny. Oh, he, he's lost. But uh, we really appreciate him calling us as well but guys you great we'll 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 tune in and and we'll we'll see where you guys hit and uh we'll see you next week happy thanksgiving guys happy thanksgiving happy holidays be safe everybody absolutely worldwide west Derek, aka mountaineer fantastic all of them they're fantastic and Mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's interesting their their thoughts and, and and by the way wes he makes he makes money okay oh yeah i'm telling you right now he probably probably made about 15 grand off that bet. He had to. I mean, if he's if he say he's buying real estate or is putting a down payment on real estate where he's buying real estate it's between 10 and 15,000 to put down. That's 15 grand that he's, he mm-hmm. he just won there where he's going to buy real estate. I should have went with that, man. I should have been picking his picks. He's good at the CFL. He is he's good at a lot of picks. I mean, the guy makes a living doing it. So, obviously he knows what he's doing. He studies it and uh, he watches a lot of CFL football, so I mean, these guys are the best, man. I, I, we wouldn't put them on if if they weren't going to win you some money. So even gave some quarterbacks you could add for the Jets with Derek as the backup. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and I'm telling you right now, if Derek was the quarterback for the New York Jets, it would be a different story. I mean, it's just, I, the, Derek was a good football player. He was a tight end. I mean, if COVID didn't happen, maybe Derek's in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a different world, you know. COVID really screwed a lot of things up for people. It really did. And uh, maybe he screwed up his grip. But you know what? Derek comes from a good family. He's a good kid. Uh, and he's he's moving. I mean, he's in Boston. He's doing his stuff. So I think Derek's going to be very successful. Smart kid. He, he knows what he's doing. I mean, you like to bite him when, he, when he's losing. He was 0-4, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was 0-4, you know. He was 0-4. Oh, he, was 0-4. He, was, I think that was his okay. first week under 500 in a long time, though. He's been on point. These guys have been on point. Every single week, these guys are on point. So, 
And Chaz is, uh, you know, hanging out with the uh, the piranhas. You know, hopefully he's not being <laughs> eaten by one right now, or an alligator, crocodile, some poisonous snake that's in the Amazon. Yeah. Or maybe you know, uh, arachnophobia. If he's afraid of, you know, yeah. there's a lot of big uh, spiders over there oh, too. Yeah. So. I mean, you could die from so many different things over there. Maybe a rhino. <laughs> could you imagine Chaz trying to hide behind a bush, trying to trying to get away from a rhino? <laughs> uh, he's a nice guy. Chaz is a nice guy, and, and and I'll tell you this, man. We met him in Port Jefferson. He came on the ferry and he hung out with us. We got a burger with him. Uh, he he's a he's a pretty down to earth person too. So uh, nice guys, and yes. we really really enjoy them on the show. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Travis Kelsey said that he ponders retirement more than he could ever imagine. Kelsey is 34 years old and has only missed four regular season games in his career, but also had 10 surgeries. Jason Kelsey has also thought about retirement in recent years, and there is a belief that they could retire at the same time. Travis Kelsey has two more years on his contract worth a combined of $30.25 million. Kelsey has 64 catches for 641 yards, five touchdowns this season. For his career, Kelsey is, has, uh, has 878 catches, fourth most by a tight end in history, 10,985 yards, fourth most from tight ends in history, 74 touchdowns tied for fifth most for tight ends in NFL history. Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. The thing is, Travis Kelsey wants to have children. Travis Kelsey wants to settle down. It looks like him and Taylor Swift are for real. Taylor, Taylor Swift is a billionaire. I, I don't think if, if they ever wind up together, I don't think Travis Kelsey is going to worry about money. Okay, so and he's worth about seventy five million. So his kids, 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 kids are never going to have to worry about money. So the money that he is going to be losing thirty point two five, they have the number one podcast in the country. Okay, on Apple Podcasts, it's ranked number one by a dozen. Okay, so they're the endorsements that they're going to get very very soon when they do this full full time. You're talking about they they could be making more money as podcasters than they are are live radio guys than they would be doing right now as professional football players. And you know they don't have to beat up their bodies. They don't have to worry about head trauma or any of the the body you know beatings that they're going to get throughout the year. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I I think a lot of different organizations, DraftKings, Amazon, one of these big organizations are going to offer them a boatload of money. And they're, they're not going to have to worry about money anymore. They'll be sitting in a seat like we are. And because of who they are and what they're doing on the outskirts of their life, everybody's going to want to tune in. So uh, I'm not surprised from this story. I could see Travis Kelsey retiring if, if he wins another Super Bowl this year. If he falls short and he plays his brother and Jason wins, I, I say Kelsey plays one more year to try to win another one to beat out his brother. Um, but... I think that if Kelsey, if Travis Kelsey wins, uh, I think he's done. I, I think he walks away. I, I, I think he's made enough money. I don't think he needs to play anymore. I, Patrick Mahomes obviously will fight him to the end, not <laughs> let him leave. But I think I believe that the Kelsey brothers have stuff brewing after football. And I think this podcast, they never thought that New Heights was going to take off like it has. It's taken off. I mean, you're talking about... 
they're probably breaking about 10,000 listeners downloaded a week on Apple Podcasts. I mean, we broke, what was it, 14,000 in the first month, which is a lot for, for, for our show, which is not on a major network. We're not professional football players. We're not professional basketball or, hockey, basketball or hockey or baseball players. So we're doing pretty good on what our podcast is doing, what our show is doing on a podcast uh, on Apple and hopefully soon on Spotify. But uh, congratulations to the Kelsey brothers. Whatever they decide to do, these guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, and you look at Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, when it comes to his legacy, too, he's already going to be cemented as a top three tight end. No doubt. No doubt. A lot of people think he's the best receiving tight end of all time. It's just a matter of how much he cares. I disagree on that. Yeah, I know. I know Tony Gonzalez will be still in that in that range too, and I think he's still right now. Gronk was pretty damn good. Gronk is probably the other one that you would say in the competition. I think Gonzalez is still number one. But if Kelsey has that has a strong finish to the season, there's going to be some receiving records he could definitely get close to Tony Gonzalez and see how much he cares about that too. I'm curious to see because that would be the only reason I would say he would keep going. You're right. I don't think he cares about the money. He was complaining about a new contract in the off season. I don't think it was really a big of a deal as people made it and. Like you're saying, now that he's having this success with his podcast, with his brother, they're branding a name for themselves. You, you, you literally said it. Like, they're already doing these records for this kind of streaming service. It's literally taking it to new heights right now. And it's no question. Thing, no so. question. And I will say something. I don't know if anybody checked it out before the game yesterday. I mean, Jason Kelsey was wearing a Heights, you know, school, uh, you know, uh, I think it was a, a varsity kind of, jacket. Yeah, a jacket or a A varsity yeah. jacket. I think they played in New Heights in Ohio. That's, okay. that's why I think they called their show New Heights. Mm-hmm. So that was his high school jacket, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think that's what he was wearing. It was wearing. Something, something like that, either a jacket or it a It was lacrosse. Yeah. He played lacrosse. He yeah. played football. It said the, the sports that he played. I'm pretty sure they went to school in New Heights. Mm-hmm. And that's why they called their show New Heights. So, um, listen. I think the Kelsey brothers are going to make money doing what they do uh, when it comes to their podcast. They're very likable guys. You can see it. They're funny. They're outgoing. They both have the same type of personality. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I think that uh, outside of football, they have a career in radio. I, I do. I, I think they're going to be very successful. I don't think they need to worry about playing football anymore. I really don't. No, neither of them have anything to prove. It's just a matter of how much they care about their own individual legacy at their possession. I think their individual legacy is, I, are you going to argue that Jason Kelsey is not a top three of all time at the center position? No, I, I, I don't think so. He I'm is. Saying, how much does he care about it? I mean, Travis Kelsey, if he would have retired right now, is he a top three, top four tight end of all time? Absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, what do they need to prove? Yeah. They're, they're amongst the league. They're two brothers that have dominated on, on their respectable positions. And I, I don't really sit here right now. If they play two or three more years and they won two or three more Super Bowls, it would make a difference. Yeah. I, I think they are who they are. Right. And now I, I think both of them, one's 34, the other one's 36, going to be 37. What do they have to prove? I, I don't think they have to prove anything. I think both guys deserve legitimately to retire and and move forward. I think, listen, there are football players that don't want to settle down until they're done with their careers because their careers are their love. I'm one to believe that with my career. I I, I want to push forward with my career and do what I say I'm going to do with my career before I settle down and have children. Because to me, when you, once you have children, it, it holds, I'm not saying it holds you back, but it, it starts to position you to realize that they're first and you're second. So I think with Travis, I think he really, Jason has three girls. 
I mean, I, beautiful girls, by the way. And um, there, you know, he wants to, and I think Travis sees that, and Travis wants to settle down and, and see what's out there for himself. I, I, I do believe that this Taylor Swift thing is for real. I never did, but now I'm starting to believe it. Um, Taylor was trying to get on a plane to go to the game yesterday with his, her family. She got caught up, um, you know, on a plane or something like that. But I, I do believe that this is legit. And I, I really do believe that uh, in the next, you know, next year, if they're still together, they're going to get engaged. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, a year from now you hear that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are engaged and she might be pregnant. Okay. So I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, they're hanging a lot, hanging out a lot. Uh, when he, when he had his bye week he went overseas to go and see her at Argentina. I think he was. Wow to see her concert and hang out with her family, her father. So I, I think this is for real. I, I, I don't think it's a joke. I, I did in the beginning, but um, maybe this is real. And I, maybe uh, I, I think that he's ready to figure out what, what's next in his career and his life. So uh, I give him a lot of credit if he decides to walk away, uh, walking away from a team that's still on top, still one of the better teams as a quarterback that could be, you know, generational. And uh, Jason Kelsey, too, he's he's on a great young team uh, with a generational type of defensive talent that they have. I mean, and his offensive line is arguably still, if not the best, the second best in all of football. It's been steadily the best in football for the last five years, probably. Uh, Johnson's still there. I mean, still intact. Uh, Him walking away changes everything to that offensive line. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because they've developed offensive linemen very well, too. But you're not going to be able to replace Jason Kelsey like that overnight. They've drafted two guards that can play center, but I don't think any of it will be Jason Kelsey. It's very very unique when, when you try to compare and contrast certain players that have been in the league for a significant amount of time and you're comparing them with some of the best at their positions. And when you look at Jason, honestly, Jason was like a fourth or fifth round draft pick. He, he was a late, you know, draft pick. He wasn't a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. And 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 what Philadelphia and by the way, you know who drafted Chip him? Kelly. Chip Kelly. Yep. Okay. And after that, you see who drafted Travis Kelsey? Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Both, uh, both guys, part of the Eagles organization. So, I, I think there's not a coincidence when it comes to that. I think the, the thought of where Travis Kelsey has really become one of the elite guys at his position, and Jason Kelsey being the elite guy at his position, it's not, it's not a surprise. Okay, so uh, whatever happens between you know these two guys, they have a career outside of football. I'm telling you right now, these guys they're going to be signed. ESPN will sign them. Somebody will sign them. Amazon, somebody will give them a big-time contract because they're a big draw, um, especially if, if, if Travis marries or it, it gets a baby with Taylor Swift, okay? I mean, you, you're getting all the Swifty fans, okay? It, it's ridiculous. So they're already a big draw right now. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if that happens? Oh, that kid will be an instant celebrity. <laughs> College football insider Bruce Feldman reports that Jim Harbaugh's suspension could extend into 2024 season, and he could be suspended for the majority of next season. He also added that the NCAA could give Harbaugh an additional punishment uh, from what he has already got from the Big Ten. The Athletic Mike Jones reports that the Bears and the Raiders will be two teams expecting to be involved in pursuing Jim Harbaugh 
if he becomes available next offseason. In for NFL season, Harbaugh had a 49-22 and 1 record uh and uh went to a Super Bowl appearance and three straight NFC championship appearances. ESPN reports that Michigan could part ways with Harbaugh if they lose to Ohio State in the upcoming week. Both Ohio State and Michigan are undefeated going into their matchup. Ohio State is number two, and Michigan is number three in the current AP poll. I've been saying this. Jim Harbaugh almost left to go play to, to go coach the Broncos. And then obviously the Broncos dug deep, took their first round draft pick they got from Miami, traded it away to bring in Sean Payton. Uh, is Sean Payton working out? It looks like they're starting to figure things out. And I think Sean Payton's a great coach. He, he's he been away from football for a couple of years. So it took him a little while to figure things out. It, it did, same thing that's happened for Gruden. Gruden. It took Gruden maybe about a year to figure it out. And he put that Raider team together. Jim Harbaugh is a big name. When he was here in the NFL with the 49ers, he changed everything. for The, the 49ers were one of the worst teams in the league. He redefined their defense. He redefined the offensive line. He redefined the quarterback position. Alex Smith became from one of the worst quarterbacks in the league to mediocre, I would say, top 10, 11 in the league. And then they drafted Colin Kaepernick, and Colin Kaepernick took them all the way to the Super Bowl. One play away from winning a Super Bowl. I think Jim Harbaugh is, is, is better and more fit to the NFL, the style of game. College has not worked out for him. He never got over the hump. They never won a national championship. I, I mean, there's a lot of questions about Jim Harbaugh and personality-wise and what he has done on and off the field over the last couple of years. And, hey, listen, every college coach over the years have figured out ways to cheat. I mean, <laughs> it's not just football. It's happened in basketball. How many times have we seen this over and over and over again? Am I surprised that Jim Harbaugh's name has come out in, in the public eye? Nobody likes Jim Harbaugh. Nobody likes John Harbaugh. <laughs> Nobody likes the Harbaugh family and what they they stand for. But what I would say about Jim Harbaugh is you can't redefine or define who he is as a coach. What you've seen Jim Harbaugh as a successful NFL coach, you can't you can't say that just because he did it with San Francisco. San Francisco sucked, okay? Yeah. When he took over that roster, it sucked. He made them they went back to back to back NFC title games. They went to a Super Bowl. That isn't a coincidence, guys. And then after he left, that team was really built ready for whoever was taking over for that coaching job. I, I, I think that people forget what Jim Harbaugh is and what he was as a quarterback in the NFL. Was he an elite quarterback? Was he uh, Was he uh, McNair? Was he, was he as good as... Uh, somebody like a McNair? No. Was he as good as, um, I don't know, Joe Montana or one of those guys in those days? No. But if you compare and contrast, is he was he as good as Phil Simms? If you look at their numbers. I think he's better. He's better. Yeah. He was better than Phil Simms. And Phil Simms, well, he won two Super Bowls, but he wasn't a quarterback for one of them. Right. Hostetler was. Yep. But Jim Harbaugh was a better quarterback than Phil Simms. I mean, if you look at his compar comparable numbers to Boomer Esiason won an MVP, they're almost comparable. So, I, I mean, Jim Harbaugh wasn't a bad quarterback. He really wasn't. So, and he he's a good NFL coach. I don't know if he's a NCAA coach. Uh, he's been there for a while. He's made a lot of money. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's worked out over there in Michigan, but success 
is in the eyes of the beholder. And Dwayne Stark will will mention that. He he had a long-term career, and he, he played for the, that unbelievable Ravens defense in 2000. I can't wait to ask him about that team and how good that defense was. But I, I will say this. You sit back and you wonder, you know, where these coaches go, and, and some of them leave the NFL. They go to college. It took them a couple of years to figure things out in college to come back to the NFL. Ask Pete Carroll, okay? Pete Carroll was not a successful coach in the NFL in the beginning stint. He was right there with the Patriots. He took over for the Jets. He was gone in a year and a half. Then he went to the Patriots. He was there for a year. He was gone from the Patriots. Then he decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to USC. I'm going to take that USC job. He became a pretty good recruiting guy. He recruited Matt Leiner. He recruited uh, all these different running backs over the years. We all know about one of them uh, who had a Heisman stolen from him. I disagree the way the NCAA treated him. That's just my opinion. Um, I'm sure Star- Mr. Starks has his own opinion towards it. I, I just I look at the league and I, I look at the understanding of the way the game NFL game is faster. It's different than the NCAA. And when you look at the game now and how it's transitioned, it's a different game than it was in the 90s in the early 2000s. It's become more of an offensive game. Now it's becoming a defensive game now with all these star corners, which we were talking about with Wes mm-hmm. and Derek. So it's a different game. And I think Jim Harbaugh fits the 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 NFL style of game. And I think Jim Harbaugh, no matter where he goes, if he goes, if he leaves college and he goes to Vegas or he goes whoever whoever takes him on, or he wants the Bears, if he goes to the Bears and he finds a you know gets the quarterback that he wants to develop, I I think Jim Harbaugh can change everything for an organization just as fast as we've seen other coaches do it, Pete Carroll doing it with Seattle. So. Yep. Quickly before we get Dwayne on, I just want to mention, too, that I think also the experience at Michigan, like redefining himself at, at, with college, with young kids, is helpful to grow to any young team. The Bears, the Raiders, whoever takes him on is probably going to be a young team. And you saw at the end of his 49ers stint, it really got out of hand at the locker room. He was a hothead for a lot of it. And I think this is He's got to stop wearing those ugly khakis. Yeah, I think it's a good learning experience for him in his second time as head coach. And especially a team like the Bears that's very young, that could be very interesting to see if they end up signing He just wears too many polos and these ugly khakis. I have to say this. I remember his wife saying that he has like the he sticks to this color, these the same color khakis. It looks like he wears the same khakis every single week. Does he wear the same boxer shorts every single week? I mean, seriously. I, I, I wouldn't... Hey, if it works for him, it might work for everybody else. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get Ray Lewis on, and maybe <laughs> we'll ask Ray Lewis if he used the same, you know, the same boxer shorts every single time he went into the playoffs. <laughs> or maybe the same jock strap. Maybe they weren't wearing jock straps. I don't know. We, we, can, ask Dwayne, we can ask Dwayne that after the break. <laughs> when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on our show we will be talking to former ravens cardinals patriots and raiders cornerback dwayne starks here on the sports lab now you're, you're, you're listening to the worldwide sports radio network this is the sports loud mouth it's bad boy bitch I love this track. <laughs> 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. Yes, I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speeder himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, 
You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Obviously, it's Tuesday. It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. We're doing one show, four hours, as we have our very first guest of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now talking to former Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots, Raiders, cornerback, and Super Bowl champion, Dwayne Starks. Dwayne, what's up? Man, what's up? What's up? What's up, Speedy? What's up, Eric? Well, you know what? What's up with you? I mean, I, I've I've been watching everything that you've been doing. Uh, obviously, your, your career is over, and you're enjoying the uh-huh. the afterlife of playing professional football. And you have a ring to show for it. Uh, obviously, you're doing great things right now, uh, and I think it's fantastic what you're doing. But but before we get into your career and and your thoughts to the NFL now, um, obviously, tell the fans what you've been doing after football. Oh, man, uh, for the past six, seven years, I've been uh, still working alongside the NFL PA with the trust, which is basically, uh, you know, I engage all the former players and let them know about the benefits that they have within the NFL and the NFL PA. We have different affiliates and different partners that we partner with to make sure that all of our former players are taken care of, whether that's education, whether that's, uh, you know, entrepreneurship. Uh, brain and body exams, all of those different things that's available for them because they've earned it. You know, it's so interesting. We've had so many former uh, NFL players been on our show, uh, Hall of Famers, everything, and they've complained about the way the NFL has treated them after football. I mean, with the CTE Mm -hmm. situation, uh, the money that they want $100 million, the players want $100 million. How are you going to divide out $100 million to thousands of players. It makes no sense. Tell us how you have seen the NFL. Do you believe the NFL has done enough for some of these former players? Uh, I'm not going to say enough. I mean, some guys, of course, they get taken care of right away. A lot of guys wait years and years and years just to get rewarded, uh, something that they deserve. Uh, So I can go back and forth with that all day. But at the same time, it's like, yes, the NFL PA with the trust, we're trying to make things better. We're trying to make sure that guys are taken care of in some capacity. We, you know, we started out in the 2012 uh, collective bargaining agreement where the NFL owners have agreed to to basically put together some some funds or pledge funds every year for a 10 year contract. So we're up for renewal uh, renewal uh, soon this year. This is our 10th year. We're actually going to different city doing our 10 year anniversaries, but. Overall, I think it's getting a little better. Can a lot more be done? Yes. Uh, but there are stipulations here and there. And, you know, we're working to to change that at every moment. Have we helped a lot of guys? Of course, we've helped thousands of guys uh, either, you know, get a sound and insane mind. Uh, you know, if, if they have a drug abuse problem, then we can got facilities that would actually help them. And, you know, it's just other benefits, uh, them finding medical issues that was wrong with them when they go to our, you know, brain and body exams, even at Cleveland Clinic, Tulane, UNC, General Mass, all of those different locations is available for those guys. So it's amazing, man, just being able to help these guys uh, after, help myself after uh, the fact and, you know, try to get everyone on the right track and just continue to try to make things happen and change. 
So one of the things that's been affecting the NFL this year is a lot of non-contact injuries. We saw that really starting in the 2017 season. And the grass versus the turf is something that a lot of players have spoken out on. One, did you have a preference mm-hmm. on that as a player? And two, do you think the NFL has to do a better job at compensating for these major non-contact injuries? Uh, well, the injury is an injury. I mean, anyone going that job, I don't care if they get hurt typing on the typewriter. <laughs> it's an injury, right? So, uh, but... You know, as your, your your point about, you know, rather I, I'd rather play on grass or rather I play on turf, I'd rather play on grass any day. Uh, you know, I, I like the, the give of the grass a little more. It kind of takes some of the injuries away as long as the grass is well kept. Uh, but the turf, you know, you think about the turf fields that we played on, you know, playing against St. Louis. I played there and I eh, didn't really care for it, but St. St. Louis loved it. Greatest show on turf, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the Philly, you got to think about Philly's football field at the time when I was playing. It was horrible. We we actually went out there for a preseason game and did not play. We walked out because the turf was just sliding everywhere. So that would have been so many different injuries, you know, risking so many different injuries just for a preseason game. Uh, of course, they got a better field now. I don't even know if they on turf or grass right now, but, uh, you know, the, the time and the difference, and now everyone wants to go back to grass, you know, I, I don't blame them. I would want to do the same. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots, and Raiders cornerback Dwayne Starks. Dwayne, you were a first-round draft pick. You were drafted 10th overall in 1998. What was it like being drafted in the top 10? What was it like being drafted by a very good organization, defensive organization like the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I like to say I was a part of making that a great defense. <laughs> uh, you remember, they were in their third year, man, mm-hmm. you know, from 90. Well, let me see. They started out in 95 or 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Lewis, which I played with at the University of Miami, he went over there. And then, you know, when they moved forward from Cleveland. So that was a good deal because being the 10th pick overall, going to a new organization, the expectations were were good for me. I mean, there was no no super, super expectations, which I had, you know, later on in my career. And I'll talk about that soon, but the Ravens, man, I I was so, so proud, so glad that they gave me the opportunity. They actually came and worked me out at the university of Miami twice. Uh, And I didn't know that, you know, they can do that, but (laughs) I went, you know, they came out, they sent uh, a guy down and, you know, pro day was over with the next day. Then they brought up Marvin Lewis down, say, hey, I got to take a look at this guy myself, you know. And, you know, I went out there, did some other drills, and he was impressed. Next thing you know, 10th pick, baby. (laughs) That's all she wrote from there. You're damn right. In 2000, arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, defense ever to win a Super Bowl. There's no question. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask about yeah, I wanted to ask about a lot of the uh, the players on that defense, a lot of both free agents and also the homegrown guys, like you were saying, Ray Lewis was probably the first unbelievable first, defense. Uh, first pick of that team's history, probably the best middle linebacker to ever play. You had Chris McAllister, another guy we've been trying to get on our show, too, uh, on, uh, alongside mm-hmm. you, Tony Siragusa, Peter Bulware. Like, what was that whole season like, and what were some of the best personalities on that defense off the field? Oh, man, just naming those names, that that'll give you a great example on why I was the uh, most underrated corner in the league. <laughs> you know, the league and passes to, deflected that year. I had to play on the team with those guys. You, you heard those names, Ray Lewis. You, you're not, you didn't even mention uh, Michael McCrary, the Rob Burnett's, the, uh, the Sam Adams. Man, those guys were 
and Rod Woodson. Those guys were, they were, they were good, man. They were good. You know, you look at the game, and, and there's so many good corners now in the league, and the transformation uh-huh. of the way the league is played from when you played. I mean, it's faster, obviously. Uh, it's become more of an offensive game. And now we, we just had a bunch of guys on the, on the show, and, and we were talking about how it's been like all these offensive corners are getting picked up by these teams to be coaches. Now all of a sudden it's become more – dominant this year for defenses and we're seeing the transformation because there's great corners what have you seen so far over the last two or three years from these corners that are getting drafted and why they've been more dominant at that position than we've seen over the five years before that um you know i look at it like this you know there was a little transition you only had a few teams that kind of ran those type of run shoot offense or five wise four wise type of offense before, which was, you know, pretty much San Francisco 49ers. You might've had the Houston Oilers at the time, you know, the Tennessee Titans was a Houston Oilers back then. Mm -hmm. And then they became, you know, whatever. So back then it was a little, I'm not going to say easier because it wasn't easier to play the game. It was, it was better for us because we as defensive, uh, defensive backs, we, we could have, be a little physical, mm-hmm. you know, uh, during my time is when they changed it. Uh, you know, every, every year, man, you, the, the referees come into the locker room and they tell you the do's and the, this year's do's and don'ts. And they're all the don'ts. It was basically on against our team. You see the Ravens, <laughs> you see the Ravens on there, no more slamming the quarterback, no more this, no more that. And it was all of our plays. So mm-hmm. it was like, man, is this, you know, they got it in against the Ravens. I guess our defense was so good. Uh, but these corners, these corners these days, they're they're pretty good, man. They they have to they have to be even better. I'll tell you why. Uh, even though you know they've changed the offense, the referees is, is not on their side. Uh-huh. You know, they they've changed it offensively where they want more points being scored. They want more entertainment. And I can understand that entertainment pays the bills, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but when it comes to referees, they can call it. They can call a penalty at any time, anytime, anytime they see something on the field, they can throw the flag if they want to. But and that's why I feel like they kind of control the game. But now, as a defensive back, man, those guys, if you're good at a defensive back right now, you're really good. So one year you played in 2005 with the Patriots with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's been in the storylines a lot. He mm. might be uh, leaving the Patriots. Robert Kraft might get rid of him. So what was he like when you were there, the one year you were there in 2005 as a head coach? And what are your thoughts on this whole storylines with Belichick recently? Uh, you know what? I haven't followed the storylines with Belichick recently. But, you know, my experience there in, in New England was with Belichick. I mean, it was good. It was a positive situation you know he allowed the i'm not gonna say inmates to run the asylum <laughs> but he did give the uh the, the veterans you know he had six seven eight years in gave them a lot of breaks gave them a lot of control uh if they were true leaders and you know he was he, it was his way or no way so basically you no know, regardless of rather him giving guys the leeway to control the team he was always strictly business if you wasn't about that you couldn't fit in there. So that's one thing about it. He stayed there in and out. I don't think he ever went home when I was there. Uh, I think he must got a Royals King suite up in that stadium somewhere because that, that was his office all the time. I don't care. You get there in the morning, he's already there. You're leaving that night, he's still there. 
So, I mean, he takes his job very seriously, and you can see it on on the sideline. He's serious about what he does. Now, the success, you know, uh, he hadn't really had any success recently, especially since Brady left, uh, which is another great guy, stayed in the film, uh, control, knows how to control his team, knows how to, you know, be okay with everyone, and everyone's comfortable with him. So he gains the respect in many different ways. And, you know, that's what made that team really special. Uh, Belichick with his wits and his smart. uh, Daniels, offense coordinator, very smart uh, guy as well. So as you can see, you know, a lot of a lot of things are changing. You you lose one game here and there and you can be out of it because you got some you got some teams out there that's really, really playing. I think Robert Kraft was just angry at him because he wouldn't hang out with him in his private life. <laughs> you don't want to go into rubbing, rubbing your tongue, uh, you know, Salina. I'm not friends with you anymore. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to leave that one alone. I know when to keep quiet. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I'll reach out to Robert. If you want some buddy, I'll go with him. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I've been married 18 years now, but listen, about 23 years ago, yeah, maybe. <laughs> He'd pay for it, too. He's a billionaire. <laughs> you, you want her? I want her. I want her. <laughs> hey, and, it, and it's under the rug. That's right. You brush it under the rug. Who knows? You know? <laughs> Maybe he'll, maybe he'll reach out to Giselle. Maybe that's how Giselle will get revenge. <laughs> and maybe maybe Giselle found out that he was hanging out too much with Robert Kraft. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as everybody knows, we are talking to former Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots, and, and Raiders cornerback Dwayne Starks. You know, Dwayne, you, you look at the league as a whole, and, and you look at the quarterbacks. You, you, you mentioned Tom Brady. You, you obviously, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. You were... You were there to see some of the greatest quarterbacks of this era. And now you're transitioning now. You look at the quarterbacks now. Patrick Mahomes, he looks like he could be a record breaker and a trender. And then you have Justin Herbert. And then you have Trevor Lawrence. All these young kids. When you look at Mm -hmm. the quarterbacks these days, from the time that you saw the dominant quarterbacks uh, and, and where they are now as retired guys, do you think the quarterbacks these days are anywhere close to the quarterbacks that you played against in the, in the time that the quarterback position was really dominating? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, and, and I'll tell you why. You think about the quarterbacks that we had coming up. You got the, you know, even the running quarterbacks, you know, you got Warren Moon, you got Randall Cunningham. Steve McNair. Um, Steve McNair, Michael Vick, all of those guys. They were amazing quarterbacks. And that I take nothing away from. I give them all of their props. Uh, And it's the same thing with these guys. It's a new offense, defense, you know, offensive schemes. Uh, One thing I don't like is that they cry too much. (laughs) They want want a penalty for everything. You know, you you, you swipe the shoestring. They want a penalty and roughing the passes. Come on, man. That's the Tom Brady. That's the Tom Brady act. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Hey, and I would definitely say every quarterback rule came from the Tom Brady. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that that whole you can't drive your body to the knees anymore when he tore his ACL. That was taken out of the league because of Tom Brady. You name it. And listen, 
I, I don't take away how great Tom Brady is. I hated him. I'm a Jet fan. I couldn't mm-hmm. stand him. Okay, but when he's done, and I said it, when he was going to retire, I'm, you sit back and, and you, you look at guys like Michael Jordan. I couldn't stand Michael Jordan, but I, I, nobody's going to pass up to say, I think Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete to ever play in professional sports in history. Like what I've seen, the dominance of what he did. Kids don't understand. I, I, think, I, I think when you look at these guys like Ray Lewis and what he did for football and how he dominated the the linebacker position, and now you look at guys like C.J. Mosley. You look at all these young guy, younger guys starting to trying to catch up to guys like Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It, it really isn't because I think in the time that you played and you look at guys like I mentioned, Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. It was a rougher sport. It was the defenses were more vicious and vindictive, and they're they're not gonna when they're laying on top of you. They're gonna they, you won't see them saying the things that they're saying, but you know that it wasn't it wasn't nice stuff that they were saying when they were on top of each other. So it was more it, it was you didn't want to I didn't want to see a Raven play for a Pittsburgh Steeler team because they were going to you you wanted to see the Raven guys stay with the Ravens and dominate for years. And at the time, Ray Lewis never left the Ravens. You saw all these great guys stay Ed Reed never left the the Ravens. They stayed there. And that's I don't think you see that anymore in the NFL. Right. No, you don't see that as much. I mean, you, you think about this, you know, a guy like Ray Lewis, he fuels his team. You know, a guy like Mike Singletary, you know, back even going that far back, mm-hmm. they fueled their team. Uh, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, he, he didn't move around until later in his, mm-hmm. his career, which, you know, he should have been done by then. Mm-hmm. But he could have easily, you know, uh, just finished up with San Fran and, and been done. But Finding guys like that, like you say, it was a tough, it was a tough, tougher game. Uh, and, and to my point, what I mentioned earlier, you know, not only quarterbacks, not only that the quarterbacks are, are whining, you got receivers whining, you got everybody else whining. But back in the day, you get out there, and I don't want to sound like the old guy, <laughs> as you know, say it was much better, but it was much tougher. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you got hit in the mouth, the next play around, you came back and hit this guy in the mouth. You get you get my my drip. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the only thing that I not the only thing, but one of the things that I I think has really changed the game. But you know, it's for a good reason. Guys has been getting hurt. You know, concussion settlement, all of those things that's costing the NFL billions of dollars. Uh, we we don't want that. We want the game to be what it is. But at the same time. You have to be fair and, and try to keep everyone safe. So, yeah, I wanted to ask about the wide receivers. Who was the toughest wide receiver that you had to face in your career? And also, from a wide receiver perspective, because there's a lot of them, who was the biggest trash talker? Trash talker? Uh, you know what? Not many talk trash against me because <laughs> it, it was always a battle. I mean, I was always like that little that little net that keeps buzzing at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you just couldn't get rid of. And all, every now and then, I steal a piece of cake. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's uh, but, you know, the toughest, I'll say the toughest guy that I've ever played against was uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, Heinz Ward. We almost had Jimmy Smith on the show twice. Yes. Oh man, He's yeah, Jimmy, us. Jimmy, Jimmy was amazing. I mean, he ran. He was a fast guy, big, good in size. Ran every route at the same speed, so you didn't, you really didn't know what he was doing unless you understood what the offense was doing, because he ran his routes that well. 
at top speed. And that's hard for a lot of, a lot of uh, receivers to do at that size. Uh, Hines Ward, of course, that's a physical battle every time. And he's going to catch the ball. Uh, Keenan McCarter, which is, you know, alongside Jimmy Smith. And the list goes on. But the toughest, those, t- those top two I mentioned, Jimmy Smith, Hines Ward, mm. uh, definitely. Interesting. We are talking to former Ravens, Cardinals, Patriots, Raiders, and corner cornerback <laughs> Dwayne Starks. I say we say that because we want everybody. We don't want any of the p- teams that you played for to hate us because we didn't mention them. Okay, the Raiders still might hate us anyway. Just I just, the Raiders, I just wanna I wanna part. slightly throw you a curveball here. One time we had somebody on the show. Okay, mm-hmm. and we finished the interview and we forgot one team that he played for, and I got DM'd. Uh, like mm. crazy on Twitter. Yeah. Well, it's X now saying that you don't know what you're talking about. Did you forget about this team? Did you forget about that team? I was getting shock putted, okay, uh, over there on D- uh, being DM. So I have to mention all the teams that you played for because respectfully, I want to make sure that they get the credit to have you. Okay, so there you go. Dwayne played for really good teams, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Patriots, and and Raiders, but one team really stuck out out of all of them, and that was the 2000 Super Bowl champion Ravens. What was so special about that defense? One, and what was it like to go to the Super Bowl and just pulverize the New York Giants the way you guys did? (laughs) I think we were overlooked in a sense. I think everyone knew that we had a great defense, but they didn't realize how good it was until we got to that point. Uh, we also had, you know, we beat some teams. I think we won four four out of six or four out of five games without scoring an offensive touchdown. Wow. But they didn't think that it was all about the defense. They just thought our offense was horrible, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, going down that stretch, of course, the Minnesota Vikings, who had a great offense at the time, uh, the Gi- I mean, the, the the Giants that was playing really well, they beat the Minnesota Vikings. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that's a correction. And they they blew them out like 41-0 at what was a playoff game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, an NFC Championship you know. game. My my dad and my uncle were actually there. It was Brett Favre, wasn't it? No, 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 it wasn't Brett Favre. I'm sorry, that was later. No, that was Randall Cunningham. Yeah, I think yeah, that was later. Right. So yeah. you, you think about it. You know, you got a New York Giant team coming in that just blew out a pretty decent Minnesota Vikings team. Uh, was it Randall or was it Dante Cole? Oh, it might have been Cole Pepper. Yeah, yeah, I think you're it right. was Dante. Yeah, 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 right. I think it was Cole Pepper. Pepper. Right. So biggest uh, legs I've ever seen on a quarterback. And then Tree you drops. have, you know, of course, the, the Baltimore Ravens, great defense, mm-hmm. but not a, not a great offense to actually go along with it but we're getting the job done. Mm-hmm. So they didn't realize, man, when we when we faced teams, we were ready. They didn't know what they were up against. They know that we had some star-studded players on our team. They know that we had uh, two great corners, a great duo, myself and Chris McAllister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, complimentary of definitely Rod Woodson and, and Corey Harris and uh, Kim Herring and, at the safeties. And I don't even I'm, do I even need to mention the linebackers we had? <laughs> you know, Jamie Sharper, Ray Lewis, uh, Peter Bull, where you know all of those guys. It, it, it was just amazing to have what we have. And the thing is, you didn't know it until it was over. You know, I look back today and, and think about the team that we had. 
And I was like, wow, man, we were we were special. How about the coaching but, you know, staff? Look at the coaching staff that you had over there. I mean, all of these guys became head coaches in the NFL. You said Marvin Lewis. How about Rex Ryan? I mean, you Rex go Ryan. up. There were so many great coaches there. Yep. Del Rio yep. was there. I mean, everybody. It was. It was. You guys had a tremendous coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, I, I was blessed to have a couple of guys uh, coach me out there. And like I say, man, it was amazing playing for that team. And when you look back, you don't realize like how special it is yourself. You just know you're there to get a job done and you're doing your job at 100 percent. And I think we all had that mentality. We had we all had to work out there to, to get out there. and We all had the belief that we can go out there and beat anybody as long as we put up, you know, anywhere from 10 to, to 13 points. <laughs> you give us give us. Give us fourteen points, we're gonna win. I think you and give it, give you mentality. guys three points, you would win. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I remember you guys. I couldn't. I, I I would watch the game. I would pop it on. I'm like, man, nobody's scoring mm-hmm. against these guys. Why am I even sitting and watching this game? And fantasy football wasn't around at that time. It wasn't really. It didn't really develop really at that time. It oh, was like, man, it was Definitely. it was it it started to really blow up in the 2004 2005. It was there, but nobody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what it was. It was. Rotisserie, yes. like it wasn't what the computers. It, it, and yeah, stuff, it wasn't yeah. what it what what it is now. I mean, everything right, is like right. fantasy Yahoo, fantasy ESPN, fantasy Prime, fantasy everybody. He has a fantasy yeah. league. Even if players but were playing know, like in their own te- leagues. <laughs> hey, listen, technology blows everything up. Man. Oh, yeah. So, oh, you know, yeah. as long as they continue to, to create more technical. Do you want uh, me? I'm going to tell superior. you. I'm going to tell you what technology proved to me about your defense. <laughs> uh, I, I looked at the technical technological numbers that uh, comparing you guys to the 1985 Bears. OK, do you want to hear the numbers to this? And I, I want you to hear this. In every single statistic in 2000, you guys outplayed them in almost every defensive statistic except one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every I, I, I agree. Statistic. I agree. You know, when it's I look crazy. back at it and I, I think about what we've done, and, you know, and I grew up watching the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of my teams, of course, you know, especially with Walter Payton. Buddy Ryan. Always the show. But it, exactly, and so you had Rex. You had sexy Rexy there. So That's, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. So, uh, oh man, it, those I love those brothers, man. Mm-hmm. I played for both of them, Rex, and and, and uh, oh my goodness, in Oakland, Robbo, Rob, 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 Brian. Rob, man, they those guys was amazing, man. I love them. Uh, yeah, but basically, I looked at what what the Chicago Bears did, and I looked at what we did as the a Ravens uh, defense and, you know, especially with the, the offense we had, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was no comparison. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I never thought that, you know, being mentioned, first off, being mentioned in the presence or in comparison with the Chicago Bears were, was, was amazing, you know, to think about because everyone can relate to what the Chicago Bears done. Uh, and then, like you say, once you do the math, he's like, wow, wait a minute. Why are they why are they mentioning this team with this Baltimore Ravens team? Baltimore Ravens team is just amazing. And you want to so, you, you want to want to laugh at this. Some people were trying to tell me that the Seattle Seahawks with the Legion of Boom was better than the 2000 uh, 2000 Ravens. And I, I sat there and I said, OK, let's let's go stat to stat. And I compared there was not one stat, not one stat 
that they mm-hmm. that the Seattle Seahawks beat you guys at. Not one. Not one. And you guys could guard tight ends. The Seahawks couldn't for much of that. I I sat there and I laughed. I said, are you guys kidding me? All these stupid Seattle fans. And I'm not – listen, I don't care if they hate me. I'll give them the 12th – I'll give them the 12th finger, okay? I can care. I can care. (laughs) I can care less what they have to say, honestly. When I compare and contrast statistics – and everybody says, well, stats doesn't show everything. Well, when it comes to this, when you're trying to compare the greatest defenses – of that significant time, I, I I look at yours, and I look at the 85 Bears, I look at the Seattle Seahawks, I look at the Oakland Raiders on that time when they were dominant with Howie Long and that defense. I even mm-hmm. look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, and the, the time that they were dominated, too. That none of those teams, none of those teams, comparison to your statistics in 2000, were even close to you guys. That's how... No. That's how you know, dominant I, I, you guys were. I like watching the Seattle, the, the, the Legion, whatever you want to call them. Legion the of Boom. Boom. And, you know, I'm, and I'm not throwing any shade because I, I really like watching those guys. I don't like their fans. Uh, they, they can kiss my also, ass. Also, yeah. you know, who I also really like was the uh, the Denver Broncos. Yes. Uh, Von Miller. Yeah. Shut, rated them in, in that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was crazy. Uh, Von Miller and the rest of those guys. Yep. Uh, now, going back to defense, right, you know, it's funny, but the 2000, when we held all the records, mm-hmm. we still was not the number one defense. Mm-hmm. I and, and I give credit to the Tennessee Titans, yep. which was the number one defense. Yep. But even if you compare those stats, I don't think it's any comparison. Uh, could we go? Could we? Could, could we go team. back and look at what you guys did to Tennessee when you played them? <laughs> I, I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, hey, I remember, listen. I remember when you guys, everybody was like, Tennessee's the best team in football, and yeah, you guys, oh, I, I was one you of them, guys, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you guys went to Tennessee, and you completely yeah. oblivious. I can't even figure out the word. Just absolutely demolished them, okay? And yeah, you embarrassed yeah, them yeah. on their own friggin' turf. So those are those are some memories there, man. No, I, guess. I remember you guys. Times. Listen, I'm uh, we, I'm old enough. I'm 41, man. So. I remember yeah, you yeah. guys. I remember you guys. Yeah. I might not look 41, but I remember you guys. And you guys <laughs> pissed me the F off. I Every time I watched you guys, I was sitting there. I'm like, why am I watching this? It, it's just, it's ridiculous. I knew you guys yeah. were winning the Super Bowl. I knew it. I, I, yeah. I was, I was, bit, I, if I could bid on it, I was betting people at my school, my school. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, they're, they're winning the Super Bowl. You yeah, know what I mean? I was a senior in high school. I was a senior in high school. We definitely felt the same way. I mean, like, you know, them coming off that high, beating Minnesota 41-0 in the playoff game, and they just didn't know what they were facing. They didn't know what they were walking into. Uh, <laughs> I think their coach kind of knew a little something. Mm. Uh, he kept them on curfew. And it, Coach Billy yeah. with us, he was like, hey, listen, man, guys, you do what you did all the, all year. Mm. Just make sure when it rolls around to curfew, you guys in here. So we, we took that serious, man. We, You know, we did whatever we had to do. Stayed normal in our lives. Stayed normal without without uh, practices or whatever what we had to do. And when it was game time, we were ready. I, I, it was I, it was nothing else to God, worry about. Been... Nothing else to wish that. Hey man, I wish I was at this spot. I wish no. We did that. Come Friday, it is time to lock down, lock in, and get going. It's funny you mentioned the Broncos. Our next guest is a, a Broncos analyst, and he actually had a question. Uh, he wanted you to talk about the AFC wild card game. You guys did not allow the Broncos to cross midfield. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was that was an amazing game. It was a tough game, too. 
Uh, I think we won like 12 to nine or, or something like that. Uh, it was, it was, wasn't a high scoring game. Well, of course, it's not a high scoring game. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> no offense to your quarterback. I mean, but, he wasn't the best. Yeah. He was good. He was yeah. efficient, but he wasn't the best. You know? yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I give that, uh, that win uh, against the, the Broncos uh, credit to our corners, uh, myself and Chris McAllister, you know, with, and I'll say the the whole season, because without us two and, and the safeties that we had, we couldn't do all the other stunts. You, you know, we couldn't free Ray Lewis, but Ray, ah, she's an amazing player. Sideline to sideline, amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I'll say that for the whole entire season and career, because basically after I left, uh, Chris was there and they, you know, Ozzy told me himself, he's like, man, ever since you left, I couldn't replace you. <laughs> you know, we, we get other guys in and I'm talking about great players. Mm-hmm. They even brought in Deion Sanders mm-hmm. that made a lot of good plays. Uh, Samari Rowe, uh, which is a good friend of mine. And also, uh, Corey Boucher, we mm-hmm. call him Boucher, Corey Fuller, a lot of other guys that came in. He was like, man, we, we just couldn't, uh, we couldn't, we couldn't replace you, man. So, I don't know if he was just, you know, stroking my ego, but, you know, they didn't have as much success that, that we had when we were there. Well, as long as you're not, uh, you know, hanging out with Robert Kraft and, and letting some other person stroke you. Uh, now, 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 let's be honest. Did you want to go hang out with him? No. Hey, listen, I would have hung out with him. Are you kidding me? If he's, he's a billionaire, man. He's going to hang out with me. He's going to say, hey, you could come with me. I'll get you some free strokes. I'll be like, all right, let's go, man. <laughs> Some extra fingers, huh? <laughs> we were joking about it last week. If, if Bill Belichick does leave the Patriots, the first move Robert Kraft will make will be uh, will be taking on Deshaun Watson's contract. Yeah. So you, you know, Bill Belichick has been there. Oh, he's the longest tenure coach, right? Mm, oh, yeah. 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 So, mm. I, man, I remember it. this was two thousand. Maybe 2013. He was already. He already had like 14 years in with them. So now, how long has he been coaching? I think since 2000. It's over 20 years. Year. It's over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, definitely yeah. over 20 yeah. years. So, yeah, he has to be close to 30 years coaching. But it's now. crazy. He's it, he's he's fans. He's sensational. I'm I'm not gonna take shots at him. As, as a coach, we all know how great. And by the way, Ozzie Newsom is the one of the greatest, if not the greatest GM in NFL history. When it comes to finding talent in the draft, I, I think, first of all, the last gift he gave to the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. So uh, for anybody to sit here, and I'm one of them, I didn't think Lamar was going to develop into a good quarterback in the league. Just by the way, his style of game, skinny, tall, lengthy, I thought he was going to – this man, I mean, he has transitioned the position. If you look at all the quarterbacks besides Josh Allen, which, by the way, he's better than. If you look at all the quarterbacks that was drafted in that year where everybody was saying they were much better, much more built for the NFL, Lamar Jackson's transitioned into the best. So, Listen, Ozzie the, if If you think Michael Vick was one of the toughest quarterbacks to cover, uh, then Lamar Jackson, you can see it. Mm-hmm. And and he has a little more uh, accuracy mm-hmm. than the Michael Vick does, but his ability to run the ball, his ability to find the open guy, and, and that that's what sets him aside a little bit now. Uh, and you know, I I wish Michael Vick would have had all of his time 
without the you know the little drama that he had because he's a, he's a great guy. Hundred percent. He's a he's a he's a great guy, man. I love him. He used to live next door to me too. Uh, it's <laughs> Lamar Jackson is is the truth. You know him him sitting out. And I was just talking to my, my my pops a little earlier about him. My dad asked me about him, and you know he's a he, him sitting out waiting on that contract, and his mom negotiating that deal. Uh, he's going to start something, man. And, and and I give, I give props to him, for what he's done, what he means to the NFL, what he means to the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, of course. By the way, sorry to cut he, you off. Sorry to cut you off. If Lamar played in the playoffs. They go to the Super Bowl, and I'm I'm telling you that right now. They go to the they beat they beat the Bengals a hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think the way his style of running against the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. they would have beaten Buffalo because he would have ran the ball, and nobody would have been able to stop him. And, and how slippery and how and, and Kansas City, I think they beat Kansas City. I I really do. Yeah. I, I oh yeah. I, I think Baltimore is going to the Super Bowl this year. I really? definitely say that. Mm-hmm. And you can you can put a penny on it, but. <laughs> uh, I, I I like my chances with the Baltimore Ravens this year. Uh, you know, of course, you know you give up some during the season. You, you know they lost the game with the field goals and stuff like that. But you know if they're clicking on all cylinders and everyone's healthy. Uh, Super Bowl bound we are, and I will definitely be there. <laughs> well, uh, you, maybe we'll meet up. Okay, uh, maybe we'll now, go hang out you, at the you, What's your opinion on who's going to make it? Okay. Quickly, I'll tell you who I picked to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm going to stick by it, okay? I had the Eagles going in the NFC from the beginning, and I had the Jaguars going from the AFC. I know, I know. I, I Listen, I'm, I'm going to stick to what I started before the season started. Who do I think is going to the Super Bowl now? Um, I like I like the Ravens. I, I think the Ravens could do it. I, I think Miami is very impressive offensively. Uh, if if Tua could stay healthy, I like McDaniel's. I think he's a quirky, weird guy who just dials up these weird plays that I've never seen before. I mean, the speed that they have on the outside is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be. I don't think Kansas City's going. Okay, so for everybody, to know I, I last night it proved to me how to stop them. You shut down Kelsey, which I've been saying for 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 the last couple of years. You shut down Kelsey. You put a spy on him. You shut down their offense. It's not as good as people nah, think. You know, I, I will say that Kansas City will be going back. Oh, you got them going to the Super Bowl now? I, I think they will be going back. Right, Dwayne, Dwayne, let's make a bet. Uh, let's but, make a bet, Dwayne. Come on, come on, let's make I'm, a bet. I'm going to tell you why. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So, you see a lot of things that happened in that game the other night. Mm-hmm. Philly got a lot of breaks. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of breaks. Uh, the games are controlled by the refs. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Uh, how many people are going to see the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> a lot of them. All right? So, who do you think they want in there? <laughs> All right. I'm going to bet you. I, I got a bet with uh, you, man. Let's make a bet. Let's make a bet. All right? I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. If I lose, if Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl, all right, I take you and your wife to a steak dinner. Okay? I, I've heard many, many bet. I'm going to win. I'm going to win the Vegas bet. Well, actually, okay. I'm going to lose, actually. No, you're probably going to lose the Vegas I'm going to lose now. I'm going to lose now because <laughs> of, I'm going to lose the bet. So, oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Now. Let me see. I'm, let me get my divisions because mm-hmm. I, I think the Ravens are going. So Okay. 
Yeah, they're in the different divisions, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely. No, 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 no. It's the Super Bowl. We're talking about the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll, yeah. All right. So you have Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. I want the Ravens going to the Super Bowl. Okay. And who are they facing? That's why I'm checking to make sure AFC, NFC. No, they're the yeah. AFC. So yeah, so the Chiefs would have to play the Ravens and the AFC Championship. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be AFC Championship. So, no, I, I like the Ravens. I, okay. I can't all go right, against my right, Ravens. All right, all right, so you know I mean. can't go against all my Ravens because I know if we face Kansas City, we'll, we'll take care of that this year. We're going to pay Lamar will. too much money. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, um, you mentioned You mentioned, the, you know, Dolphins playing well. Yeah. Uh, as long as Tua is there, but Tua hasn't showed me that he can show up against a a, a good team, a team, mm-hmm. yeah, a good team, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think the game uh, gets too big for him at that time. Now, if he grows confidence, and which I think he is, is growing those that confidence. But if he grows confidence, then they have a big chance. They have a chance, you know. But if they got a, a, a team that's going to apply pressure, and you know cut off those crossing routes mm. and all of those things that, that, that they do, nah, they won't make it. Now, I would love to see that. That's my city, city of Miami, mm-hmm. but not against the Ravens. Interesting. Well, we really appreciate the time. As always, we'd love to get you on again. So mm-hmm. so much knowledge uh, and I, a good everything that you're doing for these players. We really, I, we've interviewed so many ex NFL players, even NFL players in the league now. And, uh, I think that these players need people and ex-players to look out after them because I, I think it's knowledge would tell you that there's so much going on with, with these the head situation, the CTE situation over the yeah. last couple of years. And I, I just want to see these players get what, you know, what they deserve after their careers. So uh, we appreciate yeah, definitely. You. And, and, and that's what I'm there for, man. I, I, I can't, you know, tell you how many people I've helped you know, in a crisis situation, being on the phone, talking someone off a ledge, you know, that type stuff. And, and that's what I do. You know, and I also work with Drew Rosenhaus with Rosenhaus Sports, mm-hmm. you know, sort of doing the same thing for his active players as well. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm coach always say, hey, as much as you can do, you know, <laughs> do as much as you can do. And that's what I'm trying to do. So if, if that helps, man, if I can help one guy, that makes me feel good. Nothing else makes me feel as as fulfilled as when I'm, you know, other than helping someone else. Well, I I, I actually know Drew a little bit. I, I've never interviewed him, but I know him a little bit. And he's an interesting character, too. So I, I'm sure you have a lot of good conversations with him because he's he's an interesting character. I've seen enough mm-hmm. of him. So. You know, it's funny. I, I hardly, I barely even see Drew, man. He, he's so busy. Mm. And, you know, he's a family guy. Mm-hmm. If you notice, he goes a lot of places and he takes his kids with him and his mm. wife with him. So I commend him for all of that. He, you know, just as how busy he is dealing with 80 plus players for the year. And it's, I take my hat off to him and I thank him. Well, we thank you. We take our hat off because you've been on the phone. You've been on uh, this call for over fifty minutes, so we really appreciate everything that you've done. So, uh, fifty. And listen, we get told from a lot of players, "I only have fifteen minutes," and then they stay on with us for an hour, and they're like, "Wow, an hour went fast. You guys are good. You guys snuck me in." I was like, "No, no, you guys. You know, we have a good conversation, and uh, yeah. you know, it drags. You know, but we really appreciate everything that you're doing. Happy Thanksgiving to you Happy and your Thanksgiving. family." Oh, man, same to you, Speedy Arrow. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Dwayne.
All right, my pleasure, man. Y'all take care. Dwayne Stark, Super Bowl champion, 2000, arguably the greatest defense of all time. And that was a great interview, Speedy. Yes. It was great. Uh, great personality. Good, calm, collective guy. Has a good sense of humor. Uh, let's go to a quick break. And when we come back, our friend, we will be talking to Mile High, Haru Broncos NFL analyst, Lance Sanderson. Uh, Lance Anderson, here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. So tell me, tell me how you go. You smack my button hole. Oh, I'm just kidding. 631-672-3108. I don't want to scare you know, Lance off. That was stupid, but whatever. I, uh, I'm crazy. I don't know what to say. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do is check out our local listings. Just go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. By the way, our show is right now on Apple Podcasts by itself. We have the Worldwide Sports Radio Network with all our shows on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our show right now broke over 14,000 downloads the first month by itself on Apple Podcasts. So we'd like to thank all the fans that are downloading our show and giving us all over the country, all over the world. I mean, if you, if you look at the numbers throughout the – so thank you to all the fans tuning in and listening to our crazy show uh, as we want to be, uh, we want to be ranked. We want to be the best in the country on Apple Podcasts. So uh, I don't know about New Heights. I mean, New Heights will be uh, shining our rear ends when we're done with them. I'm just kidding. Anyways, now, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, I'm just kidding. He's been on our show quite a couple of times, and we're happy to have him on again uh, as his Broncos are on a four-game winning streak, and I'm sure he's jumping for joy with happiness with Sean Payton pulling off wins and wins and wins. No more taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett, not yet at least, but he might. Uh, we are now talking to Mile High Huddle. Broncos and NFL analyst, our friend, Lance Sanderson. Lance, what's up, buddy? Kyle, Errol, what's going on, fellas? How are we doing? You know what? That was a hell of an intro, by well, the way, you. because 4-0, four 4-0 and oh, four and oh over the last four weeks, by the way, is the longest winning streak in the NFL. It's been a long <laughs> goddamn time mm. since the Broncos could actually boast that. It's been since 2016 wow. since the Broncos have won four games in a row. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's it's a pleasure to always be on. I, I don't necessarily appreciate you putting me on after Dwayne Starks, though. Damn it, that sucks. It's hard <laughs> to stand up to an NFL legend like that, but uh, I appreciate you guys for having me on. How we doing, fellas? We're good, man. I mean, I'm not dancing on my on my table or anything like that. Thanksgiving's here. Um, I'm ready for some ham, yes, some turkey, uh, you know, uh, watching Speedy get his head shaved by his brothers. Oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. Wait, what? Hold on, wait, 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 wait. He's lying. Do not this. listen what, to him. What? Well, I mean, he should be shaving other things, but he, you know. uh, Also, do not listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's spreading this rumors. This show is brought to you guys. This show, this show is brought to you guys by Manscaped. You guys can make sure you get your uh, your lawnmower 5.0 Ultra at manscaped.com. Uh, by the way, if you. Uh, this is not a paid ad. Uh, promo code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Get oh. you 20% off and free shipping, by the way. Well, look at that. Well, why don't you help Speedy out? Because he needs some. <laughs> <laughs> don't influence him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Speedy. We, I, I, like I said, I, I mean, Speedy is 
his own personality, as everybody knows him, and uh, uh, one of the best. I, I, I think, uh, Lance, you've, you've been on a show enough to know he's a little crazy, so am I. I'm a little quirky, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, uh, speaking of quirky, was Sean Payton in the beginning of the year. I mean, he threw himself under the bus quite a few times, taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers came out, stuck up for Hack, and uh, all that stuff kind of got brushed under the rug because – over the last couple of weeks, the Russell Wilson is playing back to form. His defense is starting to play well. They're running the ball better. And now you're, you're starting to see why Sean Payton's one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. What, were, what are your thoughts to this team so far going into the second half of the season? Well, first and foremost, it's good to be 500 at the, the week 10 break. Like, this is the first time. I've been covering the Broncos uh, for milehighhuddle.com since 2018, and I've never seen 500 past week six. <laughs> like, it, it's it's just a breath of fresh air to to get away from the worst coaching job in NFL history, as Sean Payton so <laughs> definitely put it. Like, let's, let's be honest here. Last season was absolutely atrocious for this Broncos team, and now it, it may not be great. And, and I'm not going to, you know, blow – you know, smoke up everybody's butts and call it, you know, sunshine, butterfly and rainbows and, and gold flakes. Like it's, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination, especially offensively, but at the same time, there, there's something that you're seeing with the Sean Payton culture. Let, let's forget the offense. Let's forget the defense for just a second. Let's talk about the culture of this team. It's been since 2016 that the Denver Broncos have had a winning season a long time, almost a decade. Over the last couple of seasons, they lost several close games. I mean, think about Vic Fangio and that defense that they had where it seemed like the Broncos always had a lead, but they found a way to lose games late. I mean, the Chicago Bears game, the Indianapolis Colts game, they, they lost a game, the New York Jets uh, giving up over 200 and some odd yards yeah, in that, that stretch of time. <laughs> like, it, it's it, it's horrible. It, it's been a horrible stretch of football for this Denver Broncos team, but now you're seeing something different especially going back to about week seven, this defense is playing opportunistic football. They're forcing a lot of takeaways. They're forcing a lot of turnovers. They're not playing great against the run, but they're finding all these timely plays if they need to. And then they're turning it back over to the offense and they're not great throughout the first three quarters of the game, but then they come out and they find a way to win games. It does not matter how you get to the end point. All that matters is you win games. And the Broncos have done that four weeks in a row. And they they did they pulled it off against Chicago after being down early 28 to nothing, essentially. Yep. And that's the culture. Sean Payton is bringing that winning culture to this team. And they're starting to turn it around in that way. And eventually, when they finally get to learning how to win games properly, and they're figuring out how to do that right now, everything is going to fall back into line. Get some more talent. This team's going to be very scary moving forward, guys. Maybe not this year, but next couple of years, yeah, absolutely. I think this team's going to be in Super Bowl contention here soon. Russell Wilson last last year was being very criticized. Everyone thought he was washed. Then at the beginning of this year, I didn't, by the way. Everyone thought he was washed. And then he, meanwhile, he wasn't the problem. It was mainly the defense. And what have you seen from him from last year to this year, the improvement? Like I said, the, the big thing is just going out there and finding the, the plays to win games. Um, he, he's not lighting up the stat sheet by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I, I don't think he's thrown for 200 yards in the, in the last four weeks. But you know what? When when you need those those critical plays at the end of games, he's doing the same things that he was doing when he was a Seattle Seahawk. It, whether it's the, the deep ball over the top or 
the, the big thing here, and I got to give a shout out to my guy, Samaj P. Ryan, former mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengal. What they're, what they're doing with him right now is they're putting him in pass protection in the, in the last four minutes and they're leaking him out super slowly. And when Russell Wilson breaks contain and gets forward inside the pocket, he's just flipping the football forward to Samaj P. Ryan for 12 or 13 yards. And they're sustaining these long drives at the end of games for then Russell Wilson to go and make the, the amazing throw that he made to Cortland Sutton against the Minnesota Vikings, or even another example, the what 3.2% probability catch that Cortland Sutton had against the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago. Like it, it's, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, a guy, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know who he is, Ted Wynn of mm-hmm. the, uh, the athletic, uh, put out a big video uh, earlier this week about Russell Wilson and how Sean Payton has kind of made him a robot, more like a one read and then check it down, maybe take off with your legs. And Russell Wilson's buying into that. And that I think is the the biggest change that we've seen with Russell Wilson year over year is the fact that he's buying into the role that he has on this offense. They're not asking him to go out there and win games. They're asking him to go out there and manage games, take care of the football and find the plays that you need to make that are absolutely necessary for us to win games. And he's doing that. As everybody knows, we are talking to mile high huddle Broncos and NFL analyst, Lance Sanderson, our friend, you know, there's one guy that they have to get involved, and uh, that's Javante Williams, who I think is one of the more underrated running backs in the league. He's coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, he's starting to, to get things moving and rolling. If they get this guy working offensively, this could be a dominant force uh, behind the line of scr- uh, scrimmage. What What are your thoughts to Javante, Javante uh, Williams? Do you think that they're going to get him more involved in the offense? I do, actually. Um, This game against the Minnesota Vikings didn't really bode well in terms of a matchup in in the running game, just because uh, the offensive line has done a really bad job in terms of pass protection. And this Broncos team is not being efficient on third downs, which is something that the Minnesota Vikings do very well defensively. They are very good on third downs. So Sean Payton kind of addressed this earlier in this week in, in terms of why aren't you guys focusing on running the football more? Well, you run the football better on first down than any team in the NFL right now. They're averaging like 4.8 yards per carry on first down. And it, it like, if you're not getting back to that first down, you're not getting the opportunity to then turn around and hand the football off to Javante Williams. I think a big part of the the failures of getting Williams more involved where he hasn't seen over a hundred yards this season is the fact that this team has struggled on third downs for the majority of this season. So if you can just reset that, uh, reset that set of downs, get the first down back going again, you can turn around and feed it to Javante a lot more. And that's something that they were able to do in the Kansas city, uh, the, the second Kansas city game a couple of weeks ago where they were very efficient on third down. So a lot of buzz was about pass or tan at the trade deadline. A lot, a lot of people thought the Eagles were very close on a trade. There were a couple other teams that were very interested, but the Broncos hang on to him. So is there anything you were hearing for one with the Pats or tan deal? And two, do you think the Broncos should sign him now before his price maybe goes up? Uh, I, I absolutely think they should sign him now, but I, also, so to give you guys a little bit of context here on, on my opinion on this, a few weeks ago, I was asked to come on um, by 850 KOA. That's the uh, the radio flagship home of the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came on and had me talk with Benjamin Albright and uh, former Broncos safety, Nick Ferguson. And I was saying, you know, 
this might be the most opportune time to trade Pat Sertan because at the time the Broncos were one and five getting ready to go into a game against the Green Bay Packers and it looked bleak. I mean, we're talking about fire sale on everybody. Cortland Sutton was on the move potentially. Jerry Judy was on the move potentially. Uh, Josie Jewell, Justin Simmons, and everyone's like, well, Pat Sertan is untouchable. At that particular point, I don't think Pat Sertan was untouchable because if you're going to start a fire sale, what's the most valuable commodity you mm-hmm. have on this team that's not Russell Wilson? It's Pastor Tan. If you can get, you know, two first round picks, two second round picks, maybe a, a couple of players or something like that for a player like Pat Sertan, who I think is the best cornerback in football. Sorry, Jets fans. The <laughs> Sauce Gardner can whatever. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. You're firing but... up a Jets fan. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I, I like Pat Sertan. I like him, but I, I don't know if he's better than saws but that's my opinion but uh, pat pastor 10 does a hell of a lot more than sauce gardner does without grabbing every single well hold on one second no, 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 first of all <laughs> they don't throw it to, uh, to sauce gardner that's not his fault i mean this happened with Darrell revis nobody wants to throw it to his side that was the first touchdown he gave up all season long i mean seriously i mean pastor 10 fantastic <laughs> i love him I think he's a great player. I I, I followed him uh, from college. Remember, he he, he came from uh, J, uh, uh, with Jacko or whatever, Jaco, Juco, Yeah, he was on Juco. I I followed him all the way from high school into the you know college football. He's a he's a fantastic talent. There's no question that he is. And we expected him. He's a high draft talent. And uh, I remember when the Broncos drafted him. He's sensational. He's an All Pro type of corner. There's no question that he is. But I, you know, it, it's your opinion. I mean, you can, we can go back and forth on who's better. I mean, but I, I like Pat Sertan. So. It, it, it's my opinion that Pat Sertan is better than Sauce Gardner, and I'm right and you're wrong, so there's that. No, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but, but for real right now, and yeah. like I said, doing that interview with KOA, mm-hmm. I was very much on the let, let's start the fire sale. Yep. I mean, we're one in five. We we just gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. I was 700 yards, 350 yards on the damn ground, guys. Like it was it was awful. I was more along the lines of let's let's start to move on from this, rebuild this core in the way that Sean Payton wants to um, see it. And if if you get the right offer for a guy like Passer Tam then you have to consider it because this team lacks talent, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Evolve and fast forward four weeks. Now you're back to five and five. You're right in the thick of the playoff chase. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are not playing the same level of football that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the Cincinnati Bengals just lost Joe Burrow. There's a shot here that Denver can go on a little mini run and they could potentially get themselves into the playoff chase. That said, I think Pat Sertan is the, the – best player on this team and as of right now this is after it like this is going on year three you better sign him because he's going to be a 130 million dollar cornerback if you don't Mm. so i know one thing you like to do is make fun of the raiders they had a quite a you want to say a a fire sale joke of a team that that should happen i know you like to pick on josh mcdaniels as everyone else does so what are your thoughts on that whole situation (laughs) my thoughts are this All you needed to do was take one look at what happened with the Broncos back in 2009, 2010 with Josh McDaniels, Mm. and then a second look at what happened with Josh McDaniels when he accepted the job and then backed out of the job with the Indianapolis Colts to know exactly how the the tenure for Josh McDaniels was going to turn out with the, with the Las Vegas Raiders. It's a, it's a a laughing stock uh, at the NFL level. I mean, 
I, I have it uh, sourced on good information here. One of the first things that Josh McDaniels did at the Las Vegas Raiders training facility when he first got hired on as coach was he reverse tinted all of the windows, mirrored all the windows on the inside so that nobody on the inside of the building could look out over the practice field so they couldn't take video and send it to their sources. <laughs> Like he, he literally made it so that you could not talk about anything Raiders football outside of the building, like plain and simple. This, this dude is toxic. He's a a smart offensive football mind, but when, when you can't figure out a way to build relationships with any of your players, any of your coaches, anybody from the, the front office, it doesn't matter how smart your X's and O's are. You have to figure out a way to build relationships in the NFL level. And it, he, he couldn't do it. And I'm glad. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Like, let's let's go. The fact that the Raiders are crashing and burning because of Josh McDaniels. I'm here for this life. I'm here for it. Mm. We are talking a mile high huddle Broncos and NFL analyst Lance Anderson, uh, as uh, he is very happy about the com- complete dominant uh, drop off of this horrible Las Vegas Raider team. But, hey, they won two games in a row. I mean, hey. Uh, they they can make the playoffs too I, with the AFC going back and forth. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I got to give a shout out to Antonio Pierce yes. because he's he's encompassing what the uh, uh, well enveloping excuse me what the uh, um, the Raider way is all about. He grew up a, a kid out of Compton, was a huge Raiders fan, played for the Raiders there for a while, um, and he's brought back that smash mouth mentality he's mm. got these players playing the right the right way uh offensively and defensively uh turned around what i thought was arguably one of the worst defenses in the nfl and they played a, a gritty hard-nosed smash mouth brand of football against the miami dolphins and mike mcdaniel the, the head coach of the dolphins gave him a lot of props after the game so, two and one that's uh, right. i mean they lost that game yeah yeah it, Yep, like they they're playing they're playing good football right now. So as much as I want to talk trash on them, I got to give them their props. No, and I, you have to give uh, Antonio Pierce. I remember remembered him more with the Giants, uh, captain of the team, mm-hmm. linebacker. He was a big part of those good giant teams and 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 a leader, a leader in the locker room. It stands for what he believes in, and that's what I like about Antonio mm-hmm. Pierce. But you know, you look at the league and and you look at the AFC, and we thought that the AFC was going to be so much more dominant than the mm-hmm. NFC. And if you look at the NFC's record against the AFC, I mean, it's it's, I mean, the NFC I think we've beaten more AFC teams than AFC teams have beaten the NFC team teams. Why is that in your mind? And what are your thoughts to the the AFC this year? Why hasn't the AFC really taken it to that next level? I, I, it's it's such a strange and multifaceted conversation with the AFC right now because I think that w- what you're seeing uh, preseason, obviously with the uh, with the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs and um, the uh, and the Ravens, you're you're talking about elite quarterbacks under the age of 28 years old, you know, and none of those elite quarterbacks except for Lamar Jackson are playing at a high level right now. I mean, you, you can argue Pat Mahomes is doing Pat Mahomes things, but the, that Kansas city chiefs team right now that they can't find anybody that can catch the football reliably they're playing great defense, but here's a fun fact for you guys. Everyone wants to make fun of the Broncos offense and how bad they are, but the Kansas city chiefs has only scored eight points more than the Broncos this season wow. There's 225 points for the chiefs, 217 for the Denver Broncos. And everyone's like, oh, the Chiefs are so vaunted on offense. 
really? Are, are they that vaunted right now? Because they're not playing that way. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have been so hit and miss offensively. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they, they lost what 37 to three earlier in the season. <laughs> but Joe Burrow has not been playing very well. No. That offensive line is they can't block in the running game. And then Buffalo, I mean, Josh Allen continues to lead the league in interceptions every single year since he's been drafted. And that still remains true this year. They're turning the football over. They can't find their running game and their defense hasn't been playing nearly as well as they, as everyone thought it was going to. So at least, at least they don't have Zach Wilson. At least they don't have him. Okay. Yeah. But, well, and and then there's that, and, and there's there's that coming into the season as there's well. There's that you garbage. Aaron Rodgers tearing his, yeah. yep. Aaron Rodgers tears his his Achilles on the fourth play of the season. Oh like you're, you're talking Aaron Rodgers, what? Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. For what you want to for what you want to say, uh, who else am I missing? That's seven or uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence in there as well. I mean, uh, you've got seven, eight, nine guys that you would consider in the top 15 at the NFL level at the quarterback position. And none of them are playing the way that we thought that they were going to play. So like that to me is, is the bigger thing. The NFC is overperforming. Mm -hmm. I think that the Dallas Cowboys are Mm overperforming a little bit right now. I think Philadelphia as good as they are is um, they're overperforming just a little bit as well. And then San Francisco, uh, I, 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 I know that everyone wants to pick the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, but if San Francisco can play efficiently and Brock Purdy can figure his stuff out, that team is so dangerous. They've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. And uh, to me, I think that the AFC is just underperforming and the NFC is overperforming for what it is right now. So in terms of the Broncos getting back into the wild card race, is there like, besides the Bengals, obviously they, you expect them to fall out with Burroughs injury, but like which teams are you most afraid of trying to hold off in that AFC wild card picture? Uh, the, the, uh, the Cleveland Browns right now. And and I know that that sounds crazy because <laughs> they just lost Deshaun Watson, but that defense is so elite right now. Um, and, and the Broncos have to have to play them, um, uh, next weekend. In fact, they go, they go to Cleveland to play, to play the, or no, excuse me. Uh, that game's in Denver. This yeah, weekend. Denver yeah. Um, um, you also got the Houston Texans and, I, I know that everyone's going to laugh at me for saying this, but CJ Stroud might be a, a top three quarterback in the NFL. I've been saying that playing right now. I've been saying that like th- this, th- this dude is incredible. He's coming in as, as a rookie. He put up back-to-back 400 yard performances, another 300 yard performance this last week. Granted he had three interceptions in that game. They ended up losing, but at the same time, he, he has come out with his hair on fire and that team is playing inspired football, especially on the offensive side. Uh, but defensively, I didn't think that that team could play defensive football as well as they're playing. It's not great, but it's not the worst defense in the NFL. So um, I I think Houston's a team you got to watch out for. I think Jacksonville, they're going to figure it out and turn it around. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is one of those players I was just talking about. Uh, Defensively, they'll they'll figure it out as well. Um, They're going to be one of those sneaky teams that's going to find their way in the backside of the playoff if they don't win the AFC South over the, uh, the Houston Texans. So those are probably the three teams that I'm looking out for the most. And then... I, I have no fear of the Chargers. Absolutely zero fear of the Chargers right now. Uh, Justin Herbert may be as good as he is. That defense is horrible against the pass, and Brandon Staley is going to be fired in the next two weeks. So I count the Chargers out right now, and let's just be done with that. The Chargers have a great stat. I don't know if you saw this one, Lance. The Chargers have lost five games by three points this year. No other team has lost more than two. That's where Bill Belichick's going. I'm, that's where I predict. If he becomes available, that's where I think he's going. That's where I think. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to Mile High Huddle, Broncos, and NFL analyst Lance Sanderson. Last one for me, my friend. Uh, the NFL, okay, this year, you look at 
all the craziness that's happened. And like you said, the quarterbacks, the defense is really dominated from the offense this year. Everything's transitioning what the NFL wasn't expecting, even with the new rules and, and, and all that other stuff. What has stood out to you more than anything so far this year? Oh, man. Um, I, I think I kind of elaborated on it. It's just the, the top-level quarterbacks and the teams that everyone thinks are, are going to be dominating the NFL right now, or they're just not playing it the high quality football that you're, you're used to seeing, um, especially the Kansas city chiefs offense. Like it, I, I know that losing uh, Tyreek Hill to Miami uh, was a huge blow, but even last season without him, the Kansas city chiefs managed to, to go on a run. They were scoring 38 points at will. It seemed like, but for some reason this year, it's just not working. And I, I really like where she writes, but Marquez Valdez Scantling is not, not it. Uh, Sky Moore, I don't think he's it either. Um, they, they had to trade for McCole Hardman and, and get him back in the fold just to try to add a reliable receiver to that group. But that 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 offense is is not performing the way that anybody thought it was going to. And let, let's go back just uh, to the Broncos side of things here. They held Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense to 28 points total, 28 points in two games. Over three over a three week span, they played in week eight and week ten, and they held the the, the Chiefs offense to twenty eight total points. If you would have told me that leading into this season that the Broncos were going to hold the Chiefs to twenty eight points, I'd have probably clapped my feet and done a backflip because <laughs> I like like I would have never expected that 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 would that would never have crossed my mind. They're they're not performing. They can't run the football. They're playing elite defense and they're winning that way. And Mahomes is finding enough ways to to create enough explosive plays for them to win consistently. But at, at this point, uh, they, they might be the most surprising team to me in the NFL this year. Mm. So my last question, I know you're a big draft guy as well. One, the quarterbacks mm. that are ho- so hyped this year, is you have a preference over one or the other? And also, any sleepers you have any position? Oh, so I haven't really gotten into the draft yet this year. Uh, uh, unfortunately, had some uh, rough family stuff going on. Over sorry, the last sorry, year, sorry. So I, I do a. Thank you guys for that. I I do appreciate it. Um, uh, In terms of the quarterback play, um, Drake May's quarterback one, the the mental fortitude. I I saw enough with Caleb Williams over the last couple of weeks. And while I I think that his ability to create and extend plays and and just be um, an elite thrower of the football is fine. um, I also don't think that he has the mental fortitude uh, that's strong enough to play at the NFL level. Not after what we saw after I believe it was the, the Washington game. Um, and, and I'm not going to like call out the guy. He puts his heart and soul on the field, crying on the sideline, whatever it is, what it is. Um, there, there's been some other things that I've seen uh, moping and, and mumbling along the sideline, uh, like pouting his way off the field um, at, when things don't go well. Um, that, that to me is, is, is a red flag. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Sam Harton fan. I think that what he was able to do in at Wake Forest uh, a couple of years ago, uh, over the last couple of years, and then even this year at Notre Dame, um, he's not a, a flashy guy. He's not a guy that you can uh, really like depend on and rely on, I think, as an immediate level starter at the NFL level. But I, I think that he has uh, he has the football acumen, the accuracy, the IQ, um, and, and everything that you need to succeed as at least a, a quality player at the NFL level, he may not be a quality starter, but he's going to be a guy. I like him a lot. Um, uh, who's the uh, uh, Michael Penix Jr. Mm. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. Is my dude. 
that like out of Washington, this kid, the, the lefty, what he was able to do on that last drive against Oregon, uh, leading them down to score that, that touchdown. He made two of the most ridiculous throws I've ever seen in my life from the college level. Uh, the, the pass that he made to Roma Dunze, wide receiver two, by the way, uh, is uh, w- was just absolutely incredible for the touchdown. Uh, I, I like Michael Penix Jr. And if the Broncos are fortunate enough to be in the area where they could draft him and let him sit behind Russell Wilson even for a year if they, if they decide to do that, I, I'm about that life because I, I think that he fits in well enough with what Sean Payton wants to do offensively. Um, he, he throws with timing, throws with accuracy. He has the poise, has the mobility. Uh, I, I understand the injury risks and the concerns that he has there, but Michael Penix Jr. is, the, is probably the gem of this draft, and you're going to be able to get him in the 15, 16, 17 area. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. Well, we appreciate you. We'll get you on very soon, and we'll get more inside stuff. If the, Hey, listen, if the Broncos are right there in the playoff run, I, I, that would be interesting. I, I think mm-hmm. they could be. I mean, the AFC is just so – I don't know what the hell it is, but – it's garbage. Yeah, it's a wreck, dude. It's, it's a wreck. I, it's a wreck. I, I mean, if it is, Robert Kraft might be. Oh, so. God. Hey, listen, Good I got to throw the curveballs when I have a chance to. Man. Oh, you should have heard us last week when we were roasting Deshaun Watson. For, and then we brought that in. <laughs> Hey, listen. Hey, we, we, like it's it's pretty easy to massage this conversation in, in <laughs> nice. the proper direction. Let's just try that. Yeah, that's a good okay. idea. Well, well, you keep it erect. All right, friend. guys. <laughs> hey, we love uh, you, man. Th- thank you, guys. Uh, th- thank you guys for having me. It's a, a short conversation this time. We usually go for about an hour, but I appreciate you having me. Uh, twenty five. Uh, uh, we've been twenty five minutes, man. That's good. Uh, uh, hell, last time I was on, I think you went. I know we love we love getting you on. We'll get you on. We'll, we'll get a bunch of you guys on at the same time when the draft comes around. It'll be f- it, we oh, yeah. we have a lot of fun with that. So, dude, that was that was an absolute blast. Before you let me go, though, mm-hmm. I got I got to say go this ahead. one thing. Uh, like like I was saying, you know, with the, with the culture that Sean Payton is cultivating here in Denver, uh, I'm like the mighty mighty boss tones, man. I've never had to knock on wood. Uh, I know someone who has. I'm sure it isn't good. But the impression that I get is that Sean Payton is is the right coach for this job. Mm. Uh, give him another year, and I'm telling you, dude, like it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to watch this Bron- the December Broncos football team. I do think they're gonna sneak into the playoffs. By the way, well, just so you know, if you want to knock on wood, you can you can reach out to Robert. Okay? <laughs> and you're back to that. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, thank you. Well thank done. you. Thank you. I want to bow down to that. <laughs> Thank you, Lance. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. to you and your family. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody here at the Worldwide uh, Sports Talk Radio Network. We we appreciate you for having us on, man. Thank you. uh, Go Broncos. Go Broncos. There you go. Uh, Mr. uh, Patrick Sertan, I mean, as he uh, believes Patrick Sertan is the best corner in the NFL. Good for him. I mean, I like Pat. I I do. I followed him. Uh, Juco, and he's got an interesting personality. His father was a good player, too, so... I like him. I like him. Anyways, yeah, it was a good. Day. It's been a good show, Speedy. Uh, should I whip you? Whip me? Should I whip you? Should I pull out my like uh, Indiana Jones whip? And yeah, you now, now you just uh, you made Lance want to leave again before he made, he made any other weird jokes. Know, what can I say? I, I'm lost, man. I'm lost in translation. Maybe it's the I turkey. see that. Maybe, when I eat turkey, I fall asleep. Okay. All so, right. Maybe that's what you have to do when Kenny finally gets. Remember your... what I told you that you need to get your mom to make you. No, that's not happening. Turkey breast. See, remember, whenever you, whenever, breast. no, no, whenever, you, whenever you, he likes breasts. No, 
So turkey breast. Whenever, whenever you try to test this thing out with Kenny about uh, drinking and smoking for a long hour at a time, maybe you could, uh, maybe right. you could do the same thing. You and see smoke falls, a little bit. You who, have the munchies. Who falls asleep first? You, you eating turkey munchies. or Kenny having all that? And you could have some of that turkey breast. No, no, it's a you, you and know? Kenny thing. I like the turkey breast. Yeah, so it's you, nice you, and fluffy. Who will fall asleep? You, you or Kenny? I don't know. I, I think I'm going to fall asleep because I would. Uh, you know, I'm. I don't. I don't smoke, so there you go. Anyways, uh, the window to sign Yamamoto has officially opened today, and MLB teams have 45 days to sign him. The Mets are early betting odds to sign him, followed by the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, and the Giants. Buster Olney reports that the Yankees are very interested in Yamamoto, and he will meet with the Yankees in December. Yamamoto will also meet uh, with the Mets in December, and many executives believe the Mets' willing, uh, willingness to spend makes them the favorites to get him. Reports say that the Phillies are also still expecting to pursue him, despite signing Aaron Nola uh, to a seven-year, $172 million contract. Other free agent pitchers, such as Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, and Blake Snell will likely wait for Yamamoto to sign his contract in order to set the market. Past rumors mention Yamamoto could get a deal worth about $200 million for seven years. I will say this. I believe that the Yankees have the best chance to land him. I, and, and not because I'm a Yankee guy. Okay, It has nothing to do with that. It's the pinstripes. Uh, he comes from Japan. Uh, I know he wants to play with another Japanese superstar. I, I've heard that story. But it's all about playing in a market that is going to strive and take you to that next level. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody wants you. Everybody has seen you play. Everybody knows your dominance as a pitcher in Japan. There are young kids and fans throughout the country here in, in in New York, Boston, even L.A. has never seen you pitch. So they don't know what to expect. And we all know a lot of these Japanese pitchers that have come into the major leagues, uh, take away Shea Otani and maybe one or two other guys, they all suck. So to overpay for Yamamoto $200 million, you have to be damn sure he's going to be good. You have to be damn sure that he is going to stand out from all the rest. Because if you waste $200 million on a player and a pitcher that's never pitched, first of all, baseballs are bigger than Japanese baseballs. Yep. Uh, gripping the ball is different than gripping the ball. And I know because I've heard so many Japanese pitchers say this. Uh, now, obviously, Otani has been pretty fairly good. I mean, I, I know everybody says, well, he's this. He's, he's a, he's a, he has a three ERA in the major leagues. It, it, it's not like he has a... You know, uh, Justin Verlander ERA went, you know, dominant for five <laughs> years. He doesn't have that. I mean, he's a great pitcher who's a, a great power hitter. Yamamoto is a great pitcher. He doesn't hit. So I, I'm interested to see what he's going to get paid. I, I do believe that the Yankees are the team, that, even though they're not the number one team to get him, the Mets are. I think the Yankees are going to sneak in. And sneak onto everybody and and grab him. I think that that's the guy the Yankees have been gunning for. And I think when, when usually you hear the Yankees' name being 
mention in conversation f- for a player that they're gunning for, they usually win them. So. Yeah, it's interesting because it goes against what the Yankees have done in the past yes. in terms of getting these long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. And same kind of thing with the Mets now coming in with David Stearns. Not that the Mets wouldn't sign him for a long-term deal, no. but David Stearns, mm-hmm. that was not his approach with the Brewers. So it's interesting to see if one of those teams will be able to deviate from that kind of trend. Now the Yankees and the Mets both need pitching depth, and that's the that's the dilemma here. Like You want to get this young star, 25 years old, seven-year contracts that he's going to want, but at the same time, what happens if he gets hurt? What happens if, like you said, he's a streaky Japanese pitcher? He's great the first year, and then, like you said, has that sophomore slump. And same kind of thing you have to take into account with Senga now. Is Senga going to be that guy? And is that what you want to build your pitching staff on is another thing. Now, I've said for a while that I think the Red Sox or the Cubs are going to get him because I feel like that's their pattern. They love giving long contracts mm-hmm. to pitchers. The Red Sox did it for years with Beckett and, and all those guys. Lester, they re-signed. The Cubs brought in Lester after that at Arietta. Like, David Price with the Red Sox. Like, it fits what they like to do. Now, is that the approach they should take? I don't know, because they also need a lot more pitching depth, too. But that's the risk you run with Yamamoto, because you want to sign young pitching now, yeah. especially with these new rules. But is it going to be worth it for $200 million and seven years? You can hit a home run if you land him, if he turns out to be the pitcher that everybody thinks he's going to be. Or you can strike out and mm-hmm. really set your team back. Right. So it, the question is, who's going to be willing to do that? Who's going to stand out from all the rest? I do believe the Yankees are that type of team right now because they're they're desperate. And when you're a desperate team and an organization that needs to make moves quicker than everybody else to get back into the mix of the, the conversation, I, that's why I think the Yankees are going to land him because yeah. he's their number one guy. He's been their number one guy since the uh, you know since the regular season. We've heard the Yankees go over there with Omar Minaya. I mean, we've heard Brian Cashman go over there quite a few times to see him pitch. Uh, they watched him in the World Baseball Classic. I just think that he's the guy that the Yankees are going for. Then it would be Soto, and then it'll probably be Hader. Those are the three guys that the Yankees will be gunning for. They'll probably land two out of the three. That's what I believe. So. I love I love Hater. Do you want to go in the direction though of what the Yankees have done? They've paid a lot of relief pitchers in the past too, though. I think Hater's young enough to okay. take a chance with. I, right. I mean, I, I think he's been dominant, and I think he comes to the American League. You put him as your closer now because now you're moving Michael uh, Michael King to the starting rotation. I mean, your rotation will be pretty damn good if Michael King can say you have Michael King, Garrett Cole. You bring Yamamoto in. And then you have Rodon. I mean, that's the best rotation in baseball. I mean, on paper it is. Yeah, you just got to hope they stay healthy. And Cortez. You have Nestor Cortez, too. Yeah, you got to so, hope Rodon comes back healthy nicely. I think he will, too. I think he is. I, 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 I can't wait until he comes back and he has a great season so I could shove it down people's throats. And by people, you mean Jeff. Everybody. Everybody, because I, I, know what, I know what Rodon is. I think everybody that knows anything about pitching knows how dominant that left-hander is. He just he wasn't healthy this year, and I think it's going to change. I think you're going to see a different Rodon this year in, in Yankee Stadium. So uh, don't be surprised if Rodon starts the season 5-0 and with a 1.76 ERA and a whip under, like, close to one. I'm telling you right now, mark my words, and he will lead every single lefty in strikeouts this year. Mark my words. I'm telling you right now, I hope everybody's hearing this because I am going to – Put it on my trophy, you know, all the different trophies that I have been right about, and I'm going to tell you to go shove it right where the sun doesn't shine. Uh, The Knicks have sued the Raptors for $10 million over the alleged theft um, information. The investigation centers around uh, a video coach and assistant player 
a development coach that stole play frequencies, reports, uh, prep books, and video scouting files when he left the Knicks for the Raptors this season. The Raptors filed a motion to call this lawsuit baseless and a public relations stunt. The Raptors claimed that he stole this information about other NBA teams, not just the Knicks, in this alleged scandal. The Knicks organization has asked that Adam Silver not mediate this situation because he has close connection of the Raptors owner, Larry Tannenbaum. An anonymous Madison Square Garden uh, spokesperson said, we were the victim of a theft and uh, con- confidential files, which is clear violation of criminal and civil law. And we remain confident that the court will decide in our favor in this matter. I think this is just the Knicks being smart asses and smacking the Raptors back in the face for what they did. Okay. I, I think, uh, listen, $10 million means absolutely nothing to James Dolan. <laughs> He doesn't give a shit. I, I say it. I'm trying to be very nice. That's why I cursed. Because I don't think he gives a crap. I really don't. I, I think if you sit back and you you wonder what James Dolan is thinking about, I think he's just worried about maybe uh, just building what he's building out, uh, I think, in L.A. or wherever the hell Vegas, he is. Yeah. In Vegas. And, and and singing his music and hanging out with his buddies and, and doing his stupid concerts. You think he cares about $10 million from the Raptors? I think this is just Leon Rose being Leon Rose. He's an agent. He understands how to smack back at, at another organization. He's done that as a, an agent over the years uh, for Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Devin Booker, you name it. LeBron James, he was the uh, – uh, for a little while, he helped out with LeBron James and, and everything like that with, with some of his – uh, some of the clients. So I, I think that Leon Rose is a smart man. I think Leon Rose knows how to get under people's skin. I think that's what the Knicks are doing here. And I don't think it has anything to do with who's going to win and who's going to get the $10 million. Because in the end, $10 million to both organizations means nothing. Yep, especially to James Dolan, like you said, who's been grading, getting money from everywhere, and that's why I think that it's smart with what they're doing here, because yeah, they know James Dolan, they, James Dolan will throw that money away, and they're going to go go for that kind of lawsuit, and they're going to get that kind of money back for the Knicks, and maybe they know since uh, James Dolan's still on the team, obviously, too, but also, it actually seems kind of plausible, too, because this employee was with the Knicks for four years, too, mm-hmm. and you, the, the, all this type of information that we know, we were talking about it with Michigan, with all the cheating stuff they've been going on through, that, that's important important information in a data-driven NBA now, too. Mm-hmm. Now, NBA is not as analytic-driven as some of the other sports, but they still have been a lot more. That's why you're seeing this three-point revolution in today's game, too. I know you don't like it, but nope. uh, a lot of NBA fans have liked the out- the scoring Hate outbursts it. that have come into the game now, and that kind of things with player development especially is important, and the Knicks who've been developing young players pretty well the last couple of years. They very good. Obi, yeah. Obi, they traded Obi Toppin for whatever reason, but besides that, they've done a very Has good Has Obi played well? Uh, he's been kind of up and down so far to start the year for Indy. 
Indiana, but definitely getting more opportunities. But you look at the Knicks drafts the last four years, they've been some of the best in the NBA. So His far. brother's been playing very well yes. in Westchester. Yep. His, Jacob his bro- Toppin, yeah. who was a good, good guy for Kentucky the last two years. They and, picked him up yep. for nothing. Yep. He wasn't drafted. And maybe he makes this team one way or another this year. I, I, he, they actually moved him down to Westchester, but he's averaging like 30 points a game. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's he's, playing, he's playing good basketball. <laughs> he was not that good of a scorer in college. That's no. surprising. But No, he's playing good. Yeah. I, I'm very impressed, and I heard he's a really good defender, too. So. Yes, and because the Knicks have been so good with this player development, you, you can definitely see why teams are going to try to take that on. This guy's an assistant player development coach. He's a video coach. They like, want to study that kind of thing. And you look at Toronto since they've lost Nick Nurse. Even last year kind of thing with Nick Nurse, they really haven't been that same kind of team after losing a couple key players, too. So it definitely seems a little fishy, this investigation. And the Knicks, actually, for one thing, seems like they're doing the right thing, which is not really something you would see out of the New York Knicks front office. No, I, I just think it's funny. I think the Knicks are just trying to stab the Raptors in the back. It, it, it's a joke. I don't think the money means absolutely anything to the New York Knicks organization. I, I think they're just sitting here laughing and laughing to the bank because, hey, listen, they're just trying to speak up. They want the Raptors to know that they know what they did. And they want the league to know what they did. So if the Raptors ever do it, they're going to be ever do it again. They're going to be fined even worse. Oh yeah, you know, and maybe lose a draft pick. So maybe more than that. And, yeah. and, and if another team starts to do it, then they're going to get a, a, a big smack around too. So this is this is just to set the bar. And I think li- listen, anything anything that I could say about the New York Knicks over the years, Leon Rose is a really good executive. Yep. I, I I can't say anything bad. On Leon Rose, what he's done for the New York Knicks. As a matter of fact, I when everybody was making fun of it, when the Knicks brought an, an agent who's never been a GM before and a president of an organization. He's not even the GM. He's the president. Right. Uh, but he's running this organization. He has been everything and really everything that sells you to the what the New York Knicks could be in the future – he has been behind it all. So. Yeah. And everything you wouldn't think it would work with the Knicks, too. Like, you would think, okay, an agent, he's going to try to go for big swings. He's going to overpay players. No, yep. it's actually been player development. Yep. Yahoo Sports report that Zach Levine doesn't see the Bulls as a competitive enough team. The Athletic also reports that the NBA insiders aren't convinced that Zach Levine's style of play will translate well. If he were to join a contending team, Levine Levine says he is interested in playing with a different head coach besides Billy Donovan, who signed a contract extension this offseason. Zach Levine's agent said he doesn't prefer to go to the new to New York, both with the Knicks or the Nets. Levine mentioned he has the Lakers heat 76ers as some preferred destinations he would like to go to and the Spurs and the Kings would be other destinations he would like. Levine is averaging 21.9 points per game, 5.2 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists per game with a 42.7% field goal percentage, 34% at the three-point line and 87% at the free throw line. Here's what I'm going to say about Zach Levine. We don't want you. We don't want you. We don't want you here in New York. I don't want you. I don't want your big friggin' mouth with your small little head and your big body. I I, I don't need you winning a slam dunk contest because we had a we had a guy sh- shorter than you that won back to back to back slam dunk contest. Uh, you being in three point contest, I could give a crap if you're in a three point contest. Well, again, we had Steve Novak who was a better shooter than you. <laughs> um, honestly, you don't know how to play defense. You don't know how to play team defense. You're taking shots at Billy Donovan, who arguably is one of the best mental and mind coaches in the NBA. You're throwing him under the bus when 
he really is the backbone of this organization moving forward for Chicago. Honestly, Billy Donovan needs to get rid of this idiot. He needs to get a, he needs to get a, rid of DeRozan. The, these guys are not good for the organization and the growth of the youngsters that they have there. I think they need to rebuild. I think they need to draft right. I think Billy Donovan is the voice of reason here with this organization. I, I just think Zach Levine is another James Harden. He wants to force his way out and tell everybody where he wants to go. Do you think the Knicks give a crap? If you want him, if you want to be a Nick, do you think the Nets give a crap if you don't want to be a Net? Okay, I don't think anybody gives a crap. The Nets two years ago might have not cared, but now, yeah. <laughs> and if, if there are NBA insiders saying that you your game won't translate translate on any contending team, it tells all these other teams say that to say. Why would we trade for you? Why would we give up prospects? Why would we give up youngsters to take on a selfish, big mouth, small little head doofus that doesn't work well and play well with others? So, honestly, he doesn't belong. You want to go to the Lakers? Go to the Lakers to lose. Okay? You're not winning with the Lakers. The Lakers have had Russell Westbrook with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you name it. They had Reed. Reed's a nice young player. But if all these players that they bring to this team, and they're still not going to win. This is an organization that is really putting everything in LeBron James's basket. LeBron's waiting for his son to break wind or whatever the hell he's breaking. Uh and and when that happens, LeBron James will be brushing like a forest fire because LeBron James, even though we haven't seen any falling off when it comes to his numbers, they're never going to win with the Lakers. They're never going to win again with this team the way it's built. Yeah, and I look I look at Levine when you look at the type of player that he is. I think from a basketball perspective, like he's definitely a target that a lot of teams should want to go for because he shoots threes so well, because he shoots free throws so well. In a shooting league, you're definitely going to need it. At the same time, though, inefficiency does hurt. 42% from the field this year is not ideal, and any team that's trying to rely on him as a first or even a high-end second option is not going to be able to trust that kind of thing. And I was all for the Knicks trading for him last year when he was floating around in trade rumors because I thought the Knicks really needed that. But now, I, did, I wanted him too, but thank God. Yeah, now now it doesn't seem as plausible. He's he a windbag. Yeah, man. and you wonder, we've, we've talked about it in the past too with these other veterans, like how coachable are they? It doesn't seem like Zach Levine wants to be coached and disciplined. He needs and, to be spanked, okay? That's what he needs. That's why I don't think it really... Maybe I should pull out my whip on him. Yeah, ironically with the Knicks too, like Tom Thibodeau went to Minnesota, Levine got traded that draft to the Bulls in, in, the deal, in that deal. With why the do Knicks. you think that? Yeah, and that kind of thing. Do I really think it's going to work with Thibodeau? We were talking about with Carl Anthony Towns not working well with Thibodeau. And Carl Anthony Towns, when it comes to the coachability, looks a little better than Zach Levine does. Could you imagine Carl Anthony Towns and Zach Levine go to the Knicks? I don't. I, now that I hear that Zach Levine doesn't want to be here, why would I want him? Yeah. Why, As a Knicks fan, why would you want him anyways? Let him go to the Heat. They have a guy like Tyler Hero. Right. It's the same type of player. Actually, Tyler Hero's a better player. He actually plays somewhat defense. This guy don't play any defense. He will not work over there with Tom Thibodeau. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that kid, kid's selfish. To throw Billy Donovan under the bus? I mean, seriously. Billy Donovan won national championships. How many national championships have you won? Uh, not anything that I can remember. But yeah, how, many, how many playoff games have you actually won? 
Okay. Two in his whole career. And yeah, I don't think even Minnesota, they even made the playoffs. They had the longest playoff jar in the NBA. And but, well, I wanted to ask Billy Donovan how many times he got close to going to the NBA Finals. Yep. And that's why I think his market is going to get more limited, too. Now, I mentioned Philly is going to be aggressive because I don't think Daryl Morey is just going to surrender just because they traded James Harden and they got very little value back for him because they want to keep Joel Embiid there. I could definitely see the Sixers doing it. The Kings are interesting because the Kings, that fits what they like to do. They're the, the number one offense in the NBA. He'll ruin season. them. I think it's not really what the Kings should be pursuing. Suing right now, anyway. I think they need a little more defense. It fits from a, like having the potent. You offense know where he should go, right? Miami, I think. Is I think. O- I think OKC. OKC. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, OKC is a very good young team. They have a lot of good young point guards, so that makes a lot of sense. He's not going to have to handle the ball as much. Nope. I like that fit. Uh, it wasn't mentioned, but I, I definitely they have so that. much draft stock, and they won't have to give up much to get him. Yeah, I think Miami, when it comes from the contending perspective, is the better fit. Just it will fail. I, it probably will, but I think it's the only chance where. You might be able to get Levine to be a little more disciplined with Pat Riley. With you have Eric the Spolstra. same player in Tyler Hero. Why would you need him? I mean, seriously, it doesn't make sense. I, I, again, Tyler Hero's a better player. It's just a matter of the injury issues with Tyler Hero. And the so, money you're paying Zach Levine, too. That's, that's fair. I think the Heat, when you when you look at where they're at, though, they've always felt like they needed that extra star to get them there, though, because they have such a good coaching system. They have such a good, like, well-built team. We were talking about it last year during the NBA Finals. Like, they were just felt like they were missing that one other star because they got into so many offices offensive slumps if Jimmy Butler was off. Maybe Zach Levine's that guy. He is a smelly fart. That's what he is. That's all he is. Smelly I, fart. That's, that's all he is. He, he's, he's, he's this fart that doesn't go away. Okay? You ever, you ever go into a, a, a small room and somebody just whiffs? Yep. And it, it takes a little while for it to really sink into the room. And when it does, you, you have to, it's like you have to wear a gas mask. Yep. It's like, it doesn't every- go away. you got to open up a window or something. That's Zach Levine. Welcome to every college Zach, classroom. That's Mark. Zach Levine. Welcome to every college classroom. I know our guy Tommy knows about that. I'm sure he's experienced that. Um, <laughs> he's a windbag. I mean, there's nothing, nothing that sells me that Zach Levine is in anywhere or any way going to change an organization when he goes there. So... Uh, good luck to him. Uh, him and James Harden would be perfect uh, lovers. If they uh, yeah, and that's where I feel that like would be good. I feel like he's going to I feel like he'll end up going to the Sixers too. Ironically, it just fits what they like to do. Oh, how wonderful! Uh, that won't work either. I didn't say it was going to, but I Joel, like, I, that sounds like a Daryl Morey last ditch effort, though. And, and then Joel will want to go to the Knicks next year and uh, say sayonara to this uh, cruddy team that he plays for. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's do our picks quickly. Yep. Let's, uh, let's go through them quick, and then we'll end the show. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll do a Thanksgiving, uh, you know, dance. You know, you, maybe you should uh, show people oh, what you're working with, man. I'm not going to do that. you got a flat ass. What can I say? I am not going to do that. Are you flat? Am I flat? What, flat? what is this, Flat Stanley now, the book? Uh, you have flat head, flat brain. Do I have do I, flat I, stroke? No, no. Kyrie Irving has a flat you brain. I like to stroke? Kyrie Irving has a flat brain. I like he to stroke. The, he thinks the earth is flat. Do you stroke? Do I stroke? Stroke. Like different strokes, you know? <laughs> No, if they ever do a remake of that show, maybe you could consider No, I'm not it. talking about different strokes, but have you ever stroked before? I don't know. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Oh, okay. But I have. Okay. I, I wonder if you have. All right, let's get to this picks before this right, gets even weirder. The Green Bay Packers at let's the Detroit Lions, 46-and-a-half. I got the Lions. I think this will be a blowout. Oh, well, well, hold on one second, Speedy. You're hurting me here. You're- yeah, I, I, I've got the Lions, too. I, I think it's uh, – I'm, I'm taking them on the money line, but I think it's going to be a blowout, too. This is going to be a fun game because we're going to see Jordan Love just crush and fall apart, as I believe. Everybody keeps saying that Jordan Love has played better. I mean, what does he play better with? Uh his fingers up his ass. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm going to go with the Lions on the money line. All right, the yes. Commanders and the, at the Cowboys. I agree with Derek. I think 
Washington will cover this spread. It's ten and a half, but I still think Dallas's defense will, or Dallas's offense will do just enough. I think this is a shootout, like a forty-one to twenty-four type, or forty-one to thirty-one type game. I'm going to go Dallas. I'm going to say that uh, you know, the Cowboys are, you know, going to cover the the Commanders like a condom. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have the Cowboys winning on the money line. Don't tell Dan Snyder. He might do something uh -oh, weird. I hope he doesn't, uh, you know, strap me. <laughs> All right, you the know? Niners. If he does, he better not tie me to a chair. Okay? <laughs> the uh, Niner, I don't like that. The Niners I'm at the Seahawks. Geno Smith still not sure if he's going to be able to play after that injury last week. Geno piss. Yeah, let's go. I was going to pick the Seahawks if Geno Smith played, but now I'm not so sure. I, I I think they'll keep it close. Obviously, they're at home, but the 49ers have just been so good efficiency-wise since Purdy's come back, so give me the Niners. It's going to be in Seattle, and it's going to be rainy and disgusting. I think it'll be a very, very close game. I think Seattle will keep it close. Gina will play in this game. Guarantee it. Book it. Uh, it'll be close. Give me San Francisco on the money. <laughs> we kind of joked about this earlier. The Dolphins and the Jets. Oh, uh, God, please. Bad blowout. Uh, do, do the Jets cover an iron and a half? I don't even see that. Give me the Dolphins. <laughs> I don't know what to call you. I, I, I'll call this Black Friday because this, uh, this is going to make it even blacker for Friday. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and Flacker for my weekend, by the way. Uh, I have the Dolphins on the money. Well, at least you're not Josh and actually go into that game. But uh, you know, story. Josh could pull his pants down, show everybody what he's working with, and maybe scare everybody away. Uh, and nobody will be there. <laughs> Deshaun I wouldn't to go. Become a Jet, so he doesn't have to do that. Luckily. You won't see me waste my time and my money. Uh, no. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Both teams coming off a of bye week. The Saints favored by a game, a point and a half. I'm going to take Atlanta in this one. I think. Getting Desmond Ritter back, I think they shouldn't have switched off of them. I think they'll help get his confidence back a little bit. Derek Carshall hasn't been great. Now there's a Saints O-line. Give me Atlanta. I'm going to go Atlanta, too. It's home. Bijan Robinson has a breakout game. I think he has 140 yards. Blow a load. Give me the Falks on the money. All right, the Steelers and the Bengals. Congratulations, Steelers. You finally fired Matt Canada. And while Kenny go. Pickett, I don't trust a quarterback either. I do think against this Bengals defense, he'll still be able to do well. No, obviously, Joe Burrow for the Bengals. Give me the Steelers. I've got the Steelers defense rock and rolling. Roll them over. Not like the Tide, but if you're going to Tide, uh, don't make sure Speedy is wearing his underwear. I'm going to go with the Steelers on the money. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Jags favored by Ooh. a point and a half. This will be an interesting game. Uh, like, uh, like Dwayne Starks was saying the Texans defense uh, playing a lot better than people would have thought and Will Anderson's actually been a really good player in the second half of the season but mm. I just don't know if I trust this secondary still with all the injuries against this Jacksonville receiving that give me the Jaguars it'll be close I'm going with the Texans I think uh, they have the better quarterback I think they have the better all-around team I, I I don't know what the Jaguars are yet I I, I have to see Trevor Lawrence actually show up and uh, by the way Travis Travis Etienne actually wake up and, you know, maybe he doesn't, you know, eat oatmeal in the morning. Maybe he eats, like, uh, drinks some Red Bull or something because he's got something. Who knows? Uh, he needs some energy. Uh, give me the Texans on the money. All right. Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Colts favored by two and a half. I think they're on drugs. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this one. I think their run defense against Jonathan Taylor, I think that's going to help contain him. And even Zach Moss, if he ends up returning this week, uh, I don't know if I could trust the Colts quarterback play to people to keep going. Bucks defense has been good at certain points as well. So give me the Bucks on, on covering the spread. And winning this I'm one. going with the Buckies. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I, I don't know what to expect with the Colts. I know it's in Indianapolis. I think the Bucks are the better team. I think they have the better talent. Give me the Bucks on the money. All right, probably the easiest under of the week, the Patriots and the Giants. Who are you going with? I'm going with the Giants. I really? Mean, I feel like Belichick, Belichick against the Giants. The Giants have to give him one more loss. This will be probably the ugliest game of the year. I'm going to say the Giants. I'm going to give a Kenny score, 12 to 11. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think the Patriots win the game outright on the money. I think they're going to outplay the Giants. Bill Belichick uh, 
loves to go into New York and, and knock off one of his favorite teams. Give me the Pates. Yeah, all right. The Carolina Panthers. On the money. Carolina Panthers and the Tennessee Titans. Probably another very easy other. But like I'm going to go with the Titans, baby. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Titans as well. Derrick Henry will run all over Money, them. baby. All right. The LA Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, 44 and a half. I'm going to go with the Rams, but I do think it'll be closer than expected. The only reason I think also Kyron Williams, the running back, could be coming back this week. I don't trust the Cardinals secondary. Give me the Rams. I think Arizona is going to try to lose every single game, and Kyler Murray will make it a challenge because I think he's real. He's the real deal. Me and Speedy, I, we've said it. We think Kyler Murray's the real deal he's just not looked good ever since he's talked into a third person i think he's lost his mind but uh nevertheless the talent is there uh give me the rams on the money all right the browns and the broncos we were talking about this earlier with lance and i'm gonna get, take lance's team in this one i'm gonna take the broncos in this one the browns I think you're on drugs uh the browns defense has been incredible but so has the broncos the last couple games as well i think the browns finally come down to earth offensively give me the broncos in this i one. think you need to smoke with kenny I'm going with the Browns. I think the Browns are the defense. I think the Browns will figure out how Flack is going to flow. So I'm going to go with Flack and flow with the Brownies. Give me the Browns on the money. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs favored by eight. Upset alert. I'm taking the Raiders in this one. I was impressed with the, Dolph uh, the against the Dolphins, them playing defense the way they did. I wanted to see it against the, not the Giants or the Jets. They held them to 20 points. So the Chiefs have all kinds of drop problems. Give me the Raiders in the upset. You're definitely smoking. I'm going with Kansas City. I think Kansas City is the better team. Patrick Mahomes will put up a 300 spot. That's 300 yards, my friend. Two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey will eat the Raiders for dinner or lunch. The Swifties will be hanging, and I will be hanging with Swift. Give me the Swift Chiefs. On the money. All right, the other Swift, the Eagles, and the other Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, hosting the Buffalo Bills. I agree with Derek. I think, this, and Wes, I think this will be an Eagles pretty easily win. I, I'm not going to say a super big blowout, but I think they're going to control most of this game. The Bills can't run the ball, and I don't know if I could trust those secondary receiver targets. So give me the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the best team in football right now. That's all I think, and I think they'll continue uh, at home, giving the Bulls a little roof, like a little whiff, you know? You like a whiff? I don't know. Depends you ever smell is. a whiff? I don't know. Depends on what it is. Oh, maybe we'll uh, we'll ask Mr. Uh, Dwayne Starks the next time we have him on the show what a whiff smells like. All right, I you, got you, the. Eagles. You could do that if you on want. the money. Speaking of Dwayne Starks, his Baltimore Ravens traveling to L.A. to take uh, on the Chargers. Ravens in a blowout. Yeah, I got the Ravens too. I, I don't think the Chargers have any chance. But hey, you know what? Justin Herbert might be hanging out with uh, you know a couple of analysts. You know, I heard he's dating an analyst. Good for him, and uh, Lamar Jackson's dating his mom. So I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens on the money. All right, and Monday Night Football, the Bears and the Vikings. I think Chicago's defense has proven a little bit the last couple of weeks. I think they will keep it close, but give me the Vikings in this one, especially if they do get Jefferson back. Listen, if you're a Bear man, uh, hopefully they're not sniffing cocaine like the, the killer bear. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Justin Fields looked good last week. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, he's fielding as many footballs as he can, but he might be fielding another team next year. It seems like he will. But I'm going to go with the Vikings on the money line. I like Dobbs. And uh, Speedy wants uh, to touch his bald head. There we go. You like that? I don't want to touch anyone's balls. I didn't say his balls. I said his bald head. I didn't say balls. I mean, what are you thinking here? I, 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 listen, if they're shaved, maybe you know, I don't care. What feel they like are. the top of I'm his head. I'm not touching his head. I didn't say you said his balls. I'm not I touching said his bald head. I'm not touching any one of them. Well, you could touch one or the other. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't because I'm not touching I, it. What? You touched your own, right? That's different. What, what do you mean? What's different about it? If Josh Dobbs 
went up to you and started touching your head, it would be much less weird than if he touched his own head. Listen, if he was touching my head, I'd just be like, what are you trying to feel? I mean, seriously. Exactly. I'm not a pet. You wouldn't question it if he touches his own head. Hey, listen, if he's going to give me a couple of bucks, he could touch whatever he wants, okay? And I I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think Josh Dobbs. You, on the other hand. Josh Dobbs is not going to stoop that low. Maybe you could try to get it from Kenny. I never said his balls, but if you want to touch his balls, you can grab You can ask Kenny. Maybe he'll want to. You can ask which one hangs to the left. You can ask Kenny. I Kenny probably will tell you the truth. I know. Kenny would tell you the truth. He's uh, get more he's answers out of you than Josh Dobbs would. Well, I don't know about that. I think Dobbs would actually have a good conversation with me. Maybe learn a couple of things from me. You know, maybe you do. Do you like to touch things? I don't care. Again, ask Kenny. He likes to chase geese. You, he likes oh, to chase geese. He does like to chase geese. I don't no, know what else he likes to chase. He's doing it on, a, on his uh, campus. All right. He chases a... geese. You chase balls. Oh, God. I mean, I mean you'll, you like basketballs, right? Yeah, I will do that on my own terms. Okay, so have you ever heard of elephantitis? No. You've never heard of elephantitis? No. It sounds like a disease that teenage guys will create to mm. just make up something so they sound smart. No, there is an elephantitis out there. They're big balls. Congratulations. So, you know, and the reason why they call it elephantitis is because elephant balls are just as big. Congratulations. Have you ever seen an elephant? No. Balls? Well, I can show it to you. I don't give a damn. And- Anyways, that's it for our show. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Make sure you stay away from elephant balls, as Speedy will. Um, and also, I never said that you wanted to grab Josh Dobbs' balls, okay? I, I don't know why you came up with that, but I don't know what you're thinking in your pea brain, but thank you for giving me a thought in my mind on not to think about it. So thank you. Robert Kraft could do that. Yeah, Robert Kraft likes his, uh, you know, his yin-yang touched, I, I swear. Uh, anyways. Um, we really appreciate every single fan out there. Uh, I really do. I hope everybody enjoys it. Thank you to all the podcasters out there on uh, on Apple Podcast uh, downloading our show. Uh, Thirteen. What, what what is the number now, Speedy? Do you have it? I I, I don't know. You you have your phone. I what is the number right now? I I think uh, the other day it was thirteen point six thousand. I think it was. Um, but thank you to all the fans for uh, tuning in. And downloading our show throughout the country on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate you guys. Um, and really... 13.4, we're at. 13.4. So thank you to all the fans uh, for giving us, uh, you know, all the the opportunities to entertain you guys. And keep it up. And uh, keep downloading the show and checking out all the new shows that we post. Uh, much appreciated. Much love to all you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we will be back uh, next week at our normal times, Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Uh, tune in to the Weekend Crunch. Uh, we will be live. Well, yeah, we'll be live. Well, somewhat. But we will be there um, at 103.9 FM uh, after the Islander game. Listen to our pregame show for the Islanders. Thank you to all the Islander fans tuning in to us and enjoying our voices and, and speedy uh, shaving, manscaping. I'm not shaving anything. Doing all the stuff that he does for a living. I'm not shaving anything. He is the king of shaving. Yes. No, I'm not. And I'm the king of? any uh, Wishful thinking. There you go. So, uh, you know, I'm the king of wishful thinking. He's the no, I'm the king of nothing. He's the queen I'm of the shaving nothing. his balls. I'm the king nor queen of nothing. He likes to shave his balls. No, I he am, doesn't, actually. He's I am not supporting any monarchical thoughts. Monarchial. Oh, I like that. Uh, is it a monarch? Am I a monarch? I didn't say you. No, you just called a monarchial. I said concepts. I did not say people. Well, I have a specific terminology for myself. So Good for you. you. I, I really love you, Speedy. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, tell happy your Thanksgiving family. to you and your family take, as well. T- tell your family that I love them. Tell your mom that I love her. And then I'm looking forward to coming over for some tea and crumpets. 
and some. What I, is this, England? Yeah. Well, what, what can I say? Why don't you Why don't you go reach out to their figure? I don't like tea, but I'll have some of her crumpets. Why don't you go reach out to the England figurehead king and queen, and maybe you could go over there and have some tea and crumpets. <laughs> Anyways, thank you to all the fans. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.